What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Once we get done, I'll probably get on the treadmill and watch the new 30 by 30, 30 for 30 by El Duque. Oh, dude, I love the 30 for 30s. I saw a little bit of the one on Bosworth. Did you see that one? Yes. I only saw like half of it, but I was blown away. I thought it was all. I love all the thirty for thirties are incredible. Dude, that is uh, that is an analogy for life. Yeah. I mean, that is. It is. Uh, this is like super close to home to me because I. This, and by the way, it's going to sound extremely bizarre. You're going to be like, I uh-huh. don't think you're even close to that. But like, when you put hype in front of talent, mm-hmm. and you put product in front of talent, and you just, and you don't focus on technically why people showed up. I mean, the boss was cool because of the hair and stuff. Yeah. And I remember that. I, I remember I remember my dad. I remember where I was when my dad told me about him. Mm-hmm. He was like, buddy, this guy can bench press 425. He can squat seven. Fi-. I mean, he was going yeah, he was through all piece. the stats. And I was like, holy shit. And he's like, no one gets that past this guy. And the first game I saw, he just started lighting motherfuckers up. Yeah. Then you watch. And and this is, once again, it's not really accurate, but it's just whatever is my narrative. But the truth is, like, uh, I'm ten- I'm tentative to even talk about this, but like, you have a product coming out. Yeah. So you're you're trying to promote the product. Your CD is called uh, Remember This. Remember This. Yeah. Fantastic. I just bought it this morning. Oh, thanks, man. I feel like I'm the quarterback. I'm the fun quarterback <laughs> constantly <laughs> in my life and my family. Right. I feel like I'm calling audibles nonstop. Do you want to people over for wine? <laughs> and my wife's just this fucking just this journeyman fullback, <laughs> just rushing for two yards every fucking. <laughs> So, uh, but, but the, the problem is that you, sometimes in this business, you can end up putting, uh, hype in front of the product. Yeah. Like when I wrote my book, I, I, I remember saying certain things that I didn't want to deal with in the book. I didn't want to mention, and they just kind of overlooked them. And mm-hmm. we're like, cause my, my publisher left in the middle and then all of a sudden you're promoting a project in the log line about you. It sounds a lot like Brian Bosworth. It sounds yeah. like, sounds like, have you seen his haircut? This guy pounds beers. He's a monster. Like, and yeah. you're like, um, but I also wrote a fucking book and I'm a comic. I, I hate that. I think being misunderstood is the thing I'm, I'm most fearful of. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like where people don't, get it for lack of a better word and it's weird when so many people on the business side of things think of what they can sell what's the marketing angle it's, here it's 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 that's their job yeah but they don't do, i think authenticity right that's why i love podcasts and i think the reason why people are getting into it is because it's so authentic i had a meeting the other day with someone and he said uh, he said what do you 
what do you want to do? What what? Sh- I'm not I'm not shitting on what he said, but I I didn't have an answer. But his question was, what show is on TV that you wish you had done? Yeah. And I was like, none of them. Yeah. Like none of them. Mine, the one I'm doing. I wish I could do it. I wish I could do it with a little more of my comedic voice, but that's never gonna fucking happen. Right. You know, there's t- there's times where you where you say things where you're like, that is a genius fucking moment, but it's, right. n- it's never gonna happen. Um, because it's brand, you gotta be brand friendly, and I understand that. I got signed up for the gig. Right. I know what it calls for me, but podcasting is so genuine. I love it. I, I love it too. I'm obs- I'm obsessed with listening to them. Yeah, me too. Like you listen to a good one, you're like, motherfucker, that could really, you know, like real good ones. Ugh, I, I'm I'm in. You got me sold. Yeah. And then you listen to bad ones, but the bad ones are even good. Like, did you ever listen to Brody did a podcast, the Festival Friendship? No, 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 no. Long the like maybe four four years ago, five no. years ago. He's one of my favorite people in the world, by the way. Uh, it is the best podcast ever, <laughs> ever done. Really? It is with Johnny, Johnny Spanish. Oh, uh, yeah. Johnny Spanish, Red Band, and Brody. And Brody, uh, you you don't know if he knows he's doing a bit or if he is doing a bit or if it's just Brody being Brody. Yeah. But it was so fucking good. And it was Brody getting angry that they wouldn't let him do his intro properly. That was probably Brody being Brody. Yeah, and it was, but it was genius, and I could not stop. I was literally on a treadmill, standing on the sides, holding him, like, like looking to listen. Like it was so good that you wanted to focus everything you had on listening to and, it. And it was like he was like, "No, Johnny, no! <laughs> this is why I explained to you when you wake up, you wake up wrong." Like just Brody isms. It was so genius. You wake up wrong. Those are my favorite ones. Like I love the ones that are that you feel like you're a fly on the wall. Yeah, it's the best. You know. I love, yeah. Well, I think that's uh, another reason why podcasts are so popular. I think it's number one, it's so authentic when everything else seems to be a marketing message. Not that, look, everybody has to make a living, but just have it be real. And I, I think that's why kids love podcasts because they've been marketed to these generations. These kids are 18, 20 years old since they were in diapers. Branding, branding, branding. And now yeah. it's just like, just tell me something fucking real. Yeah. So, uh, I, I love the authenticity of podcasts, and I I think people, and I don't know if this is just me, but I think there's a, maybe it's just Los Angeles, but there's this profound loneliness I feel sometimes in the city, and there's something about podcasts that make you feel like you're just hanging out, there, well, and it's it, the coolest thing. And it gives you a sense of community. It gives you, like, when you're by yourself, if you listen to a podcast, you feel like you're hanging with your buddies. Absolutely, that's what I love most about it. Hanging out is my favorite thing. In do you life. ever feel like? Do you ever feel like there's a the profound sense of loneliness I've been noticing in spades in the city? But what I've been noticing is, um, like, our old people are ten million times more depressing than like Atlanta's old people or or oh, Iowa's old people. Like when you see old people in Iowa, like. If you see an an, an 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 old lady by herself, and by old, I'm not like I'm I'm just a few years ahead. I'm not I'm 42. Right. I'm talking about like let's 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 just say like let's not say 80. Yeah. Let's say 65. Yeah. Okay. And I know that's not old technically, but not. no one is 65 listening to this. Right. But like a 65 year old woman in Los Angeles at a grocery store 
is exponentially sadder than a 65-year-old woman in Iowa alone. I think that's because of the quality of life that was lived and the choices and decisions. Yeah. I think L.A. is a pretty selfish place, and that makes people unhappy. Like, I don't want to preach, no, but I yeah. think family, friends, community, a sense of purpose. But when you have people that move to the city to prove they're special, essentially, then they hit 60, and it's like, I never want to be one of those guys that's 60 dating a 35-year-old girl, and it creeps everybody out, and you have yeah. to act like it's not weird, you know, because the guy's got money and she's got fake tits. I mean, even when you see those guys, it's there's a sadness. Really oh, it's, sad. they're even sadder than the people that it never happened for. Yeah. But but uh, I, one of the I love old people. Like yeah. uh, they're my favorite. And I have a neighbor that's you know she's probably in her seventies, and she told me the saddest thing. She said because we always talk and it like like it lights up my day. Like yeah. there's an old guy who turned ninety. That's one of my neighbors. He's been married for sixty five years. Like guys. But what she had told me was that in Los Angeles, the older you get, she goes, you start to feel invisible. And I went, whoa. She said that with her and her friends. And it's a weird city. Uh, a friend of mine pointed out, like, because it's just not how I operate. I love yeah. it here. I'm not complaining on L.A. Because I think this is also a problem in society. It's just easier to see here where relationships in the city come down to usefulness. Like, people don't want to just be your... They don't want to date you or be your friend because of you, but they're like, what can I get out of this? Yep. And I think as people get older in the city, the perceived usefulness declines. So people are like, you, you don't even exist today. I overheard a it's conversation with, a, with an older guy. He was an uncle. He was like, that's all I can describe the guy as? Yeah. As someone's uncle. And because he was talking to what I would imagine would be his niece okay. or someone that was that age in that position. She was from New York. And she was talking to him about the business. So every year for my birthday, I go to, I take myself to dinner usually, but not anymore uh -huh. because of my kids. But, uh, like, I take myself to lunch, and I write out my goals. I, I list all my goals. Like oh, that's awesome. A goal for that. every year I am. And uh, it's very telling. Like, if I lost my joke book, someone would be like, wow, that's exactly what's going through. Birth. I mean, it's very honest. Yeah. I want to talk to you about something else, though, but I'm going to say, hang on one second. Uh, but so I... um. And, and I, so this year I was like, and I always thematically think like, where do I want to go to eat? Um, I've taken myself to like, I took myself to Starbucks one time because I didn't have enough time because I had kids. Wow. I've, not, I've taken myself to different places, usually like a nice sushi restaurant or like a Brazilian steakhouse. But nice. This time I felt like I felt like I really let go of the business. It, not at all. Anyone that knows my career like would be like, you're completely wrong. But I feel like I've just let go of the, my creative side of the business. Hmm. Like, I'm not creating for me. I'm really kind of dropping the ball with stand-up. I'm not touring as much because I'm making more money. So I'm like, well, I should spend more time with my kids yeah. and not try to, like, be greedy. And uh, I think that's the right point of view, though. I think so, too. But you really feel what happens is if you're not touring as much, you're not writing as much, and then you don't feel creative. And then when you go on stage, you feel like those guys. Do you remember those guys that were, like, famous and they come back to the club and you could tell they were doing the act from the 90s? Yeah. And you were like, this is sad. Yeah. And obviously my act is from 2013, but still, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like that's, you're not writing, you're not creating. 
so I take myself to lunch. This is a lot about me. And so, um, and over, and I listen to this guy tell him to, to the girl, and he's, I mean, just, I don't know how successful this guy is or isn't, but he said, if you're not a successful writer at the age of 30, you'll never make it in this business. And I'm, uh-huh. here I am writing my goals out at 42 going, hold on, I'm not even close to done. No. Like, I have a lot of goals left in this business. Absolutely. And I was like, I don't want this motherfucker to... Like, That's this, such a terrible way to look at things. Horrible way to look at things. But there are so... But what he was... And then, and then he went on to proceed to shit on reality television, which you're allowed to, but he's like, it's all scripted. They get scripts every day, and I'm like, hold on, buddy. I doubt they get scripts. Like, I'm sure they get bullet points. I'm sure right. they, they go, today's scene is this. But they're not getting scripts. They're right. not memorizing sides. No. Like, there's no auditioning for reality. Like, Do you know what's really sad? I don't. I wasn't there. I didn't hear this conversation. But I, in general, what I've noticed, and this is just my opinion and my life experience, that people that appear to be that negative, like, oh, it's all scripted and this is bullshit, and if you don't make it by the time you're 30, that's a profound sadness they have on the inside that they just want to pass along the people around them. Dude, I used to call it, uh, uh, my buddy Obi used to do it all the time. He displaced his bad attitude. Yeah. It made, it felt him, it felt good for him to come into my house and get me to the shitty level he was at. Yes, terrible. then it would turn him around and he'd be like, dude, you're in a fucking bad mood. But I was like, no, you just gave me your fucking bad mood. Yeah, it's terrible. I can't be around people like that. I can't be around it either. Yeah, because it. Dude, I think you treat the people around you and the energy you try to create is how you feel about yourself and your life on the inside. So it's like I want to be around people that uh, are just positive and caring and aren't worried about the stupid. But like, like I would give my niece, if I was that guy's the opposite advice. I'd be yeah. like, it's never too late. And I believe this. So if anybody's listening to this, it's never too late to be the person you want to be. It's never too late. Like, you can start today. Like... Sometimes I get depressed and I like go on YouTube and I watch like that Susan Boyle video where like everybody's shitting on her and then she starts to sing. She's got the voice of an angel and I'm like <laughs> watching YouTube in bed by myself. I'm like, all right, man, don't let your dream die. Put it out there. I've been, uh, I get obsessed. This is going to sound so shitty, but I get obsessed with media swaying their focus on somebody and then I get and then in a weird way I get their back like oh, that's hysterical like like Jameis Winston is a perfect guy like everyone's like no Jameis Winston might be a horrible person right. he very well might be a very bad person however I also think he's like 20 years old it's like I made a, like they're like he's an adult um, uh, I made a lot of really bad calls yeah at 26 bro yeah. I was a complete idiot bro I was full-blown idiot till I was about 32, 33. And then even now, in my 40s, I'm still going, I can't believe I did that. I just I just said to my wife the other day, I go, you know what? I feel good because I'm not drinking every night. Yes. And she was like, well, yeah, but you're taking Ambien on the nights you don't drink. I go, that's better for my liver. And she, I, I go, I made an adult <laughs> decision. She's like, no, that's not healthy. Like, what people do is just don't do anything and go to bed. And I was like, well, we're not there yet. But like, it reminds me, did you ever see the movie Easy Money with Rodney Dangerfield? Yes. Where he's like, I don't know how to sleep. I know how to pass out. It's <laughs> one of my favorite lines. God, he was great. I just saw my kid's stripes the other day. Oh, my God. Funniest first half of a movie of all time. But, John Candy steals it with a look. Oh, they should have called him Dork. Like, 
<laughs> I watched it with my daughters, and like, and it was not like I definitely felt like I was like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't watch the whole thing with the girls. Maybe they're not set up to watch. But I, I, I saw the not, movie when I was like six or seven, and I, my dad was dying. Hey, buddy, isn't this the best? That was it. It came out in '82. I saw it. I saw it in the movie theaters, and I was like howling, laughing. Howling. Uh, I remember the trailer for that when the guys are running through the woods, hut, 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 and the guy slips on the log and smashes his nuts. Yeah. And I remember me and my dad doing this, watching the TV, and him locking eyes with me like a duet, like, let's go, let's go, get your brothers, get the car, there's testicle humor. How many brothers did you have? Two. And where did you grow up? Uh, suburbs of Philly. Yeah, I can tell by your accent. <laughs> yeah. I can know because oh, yeah. my family's all from Philly. Oh, really? Yeah, all from, like, Norristown and Mainline. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. My whole, like, my whole, my cousin, Andrew, who people will have drop. met. He's coming over tonight. I'm doing a podcast with Segura tonight. Oh, that's awesome. I love and, Segura. And, uh, and, and uh, Andrew's coming to kind of set up the GoPros for real. This is me doing the GoPros. Awesome. So I'll just post this. I'll, I'll, I'll po- oh, I guess I'll post it. I'll post it. Today's Wednesday. Post it Friday morning. Oh, that'd be incredible. Yeah. So for Thank your you. First week, your CD. Thank you. Um, but uh, but everyone go buy a CD. It's on iTunes. Here's the thing. It's nine dot nine ninety nine. Yeah. It's such. I think people forget. I you know what stinks is that not enough people are doing. I want to talk about everything else we're talking about. Yeah. Not enough people are doing CDs. And CDs are the most are the are the best display of comedy. Like theaters. I don't know. I said I'd do my next hour special. I've, I mean, I haven't really locked it down, mm-hmm. but I've already asked to do it there, and I'm sure it's going to go down. I want to do it at the DC Improv. Oh, cool. And I want to do it at 11 o'clock in the morning. That's awesome. Yeah, so I do this call and sick to work tour where I, where, <laughs> I, where I go in, I do radio Friday morning, I drink on radio, and then I go right to the club. So it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off for real. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Meets St. Patty's Day. Meets Perfect. The beauty of drink. There's something absolutely Day drink, it makes it better. Day drinking is so much more noble than, like, just doing it with everyone else. It's such a celebration of life. And I think everybody, God bless God for giving us this life <laughs> yeah. where we get to experience those awesome moments. But for people that every day go to a job that fucking sucks, and I've been there. Like, I didn't get started in comedy until later. And, oh. Um, I didn't move out here until I was 27, 28. Started my 26th birthday. Yeah. I started my 26th birthday, and I felt so behind. And then I remember going up, and there were these guys. Uh, I'll tell you their names later. But, like, there were guys that were my age or younger than me doing stand-up, and they, were, they weren't they were speaking about anything real. But I had had this very real experience in college, yeah. and I was simply writing about what I knew and taking ass and going to Disney and, like, shit that we really did. Yeah. And it's amazing how just a little bit of life experience and a little bit of honesty will go so far in an act. It'll, For it'll, sure. Just the littlest thing will I can sense, and I go, oh, that's fucking very real. Like... Make it show a recording. Um, that like that's amazing how that works. But wait, wait, you moved out from Philly. Yeah. Did you were you like Big Jay Oakerson? Did you have a bunch of friends that are like, dude, you're not fucking funny. Um, it was weird. Uh, the short everybody thought I was funny growing up. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't think you know coming from Philly, I didn't think you could do this with your life. Yeah. Um, but I remember when I was like 21, 22, all my friends were like, you got to do this. You're wasting your life. You have a talent. It was almost like the Goodwill hunting speech, like get out of here, go do something. But then five years later when I did it, it was kind of weird how a lot of my buddies were already kind of broken by life. Yeah. 
And they're like, "What do you, you think you're going to be able to make a living doing that? Are you fucking crazy?" There's a very there's a big change in in a career that I don't think people understand is that like the biggest leap is when you start promoting shows online, and when you stop saying in your promotion that I will be headlining this show. Yeah, like that's I remember. I remember <laughs> being like, "Guys, I'm going to be in Brea," and everyone would be like, "Right back with who?" And I'd be like, "No, I'll be there headlining." And I was like, "I should put headlining," but then if I put headlining, then everyone's going to go, "He doesn't headline often." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But then, and then the other one is like when the people ask your parents, "So what does he do?" He's a comic, and he pays his bills by yeah. it. Like, that's a big... Huge. Yeah, it was a big step for me. But, yeah, that's... So, we grew up in... I, grew, I guess it was a little... It was Delaware County, Pennsylvania. I guess media would be the closest thing people not, might have heard of. Yeah. Uh, it was about 10-minute drive, 15-minute drive into the city. Nice. And, wait, did you start... You started in L.A.? Well, this is what happened. I went to college in Baltimore... I graduated, did a couple open mics. There, it was the late night. There was no comedy going on. Yeah. So then uh, I would hear about a bar gig. I would show up, kiss the guy's ass, and he'd be like, all right, come back for a spot in four months. I would take the train from Philly, did like three or four open mics in New York. Uh, and then I, I just hit a point where I was like, fuck it. There's no comedy in Philly. New York's too close. If I move there, I'm going to quit. Or You know what I mean? I yeah. won't. And then I knew, uh, I remember my dad giving me great advice. Like the night before, I just said, fuck it, and got my car and drove. And he was like, you know, where the expression, uh, burn your bridges comes from. And I told him what I thought it meant. And he goes, well, it's actually the Romans sometimes before they would go in the battle would would burn the bridges behind them so they knew they couldn't surrender. They either had to win. Oh, shut up. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, neither did I. And he goes, they either had to win or they would die. So, and by the way, that's a great name for a, a CD. What's that? Burn Your Bridges. Yeah. That's a great, great name. name. Yeah, and he told me, it was the first time I, me and my dad got real, and he was like, there's never a right time to get married. There's never a right time to have kids. There's never a right time. Is this your first CD? First CD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That should be the name of your next CD. Burn Your Bridges. Burn Your Bridges. Because co- comedy, I'm not, not, to, not to fucking derail the conversation, but comedy's so fucking fascinating and yeah. how much you develop and like what you're talking about right now with just this conversation about your dad will be the fucking crux of your next album because you're like there'll be so many things you have gone through in life yeah and, it, and it's so you get so and so so more personal the more you do it i feel like absolutely all of a sudden it's like this fucking diary so what your dad said that's a great fucking moment with yeah, it was dad. great and then i just i that was it and because i knew if i came to la i didn't have enough money to go home yeah. You know, um, I didn't have a credit card. I didn't have a job. I had met Paulie Shore at a comedy contest. <laughs> That's it. And I just showed up at the comedy store. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and community safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. 
With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Tried to get a job, showed up the and that's it. So I wound up getting a job in a pizza place. Then Paulie Shore's guy was like, I was a production assistant making $50 a day for 10, 15-hour days carrying shit on the set of his movie. But that led to a job answering phones at the comedy store. So instead of signing up for the open mics, I got my three minutes of employee time for about three years. That was the only stage time I got. What year did you start? That was... I got my job in January of 2001 at the store. Dude, that's a documentary. I could listen to. I could listen to everyone talk about working at the store. Uh, I worked every job there. Yeah. I was Mitzi's assistant. I bartended. I parked cars. I managed. I answered phones. I worked the door. Everything. I listened to the beginning of Ari's podcast where he talked about. Oh man, that was one of the best. I was listening to that one in the gym on the treadmill laughing and clapping like a lunatic to the point nobody got near me then crying like a baby in his new his new specials get the best title i've ever heard paid regular paid regular Amazing. It's, the it's the best title of a special i'm so and he killed it i was so proud so happy i was gonna go but i just got off of five weeks on the road out of the country oh and i was God. like i didn't see my kids and i couldn't justify it to my wife no she was like no hang out let's have dinner and why don't you just hang out with us? Yeah. Get a good night's sleep. Yeah, she's right. And I was, and I had gotten food poisoning the day I got in. Uh, so, like, it was uh, my second night in, so it was a nightmare. But, uh, food poisoning is the worst. Food poisoning really is, does Terrible. really it's, it There's no, there's, you can't not throw up. Uh, and then you shit and throw up. I shit all over my robe. It was a nightmare. Uh, ter- I got food, po- I was doing shows for the Navy in Naples. And I got food poisoning Naples. Italy. Wow. It was so bad that it was like an out-of-body experience. There was literally, I'm not making this up. This is not like hacky comedy. There was something dripping from the ceiling, and I don't know if it was throw-up or diarrhea. <laughs> I, I was in the shower, and it was everywhere. It was disgusting. I ghost in when I was, when I, the, when I went back when Aspen was around. I went to Aspen one year, and I got, I think I get altitude sickness very easily. Okay. And so... I got altitude sickness, but I think I really got a bug. I think altitude sickness started it, brought my immune system down, down and then you and then something. I got a bug. Yep. And uh, and that I, is so funny, by the way, about how when you get sick, you become a detective. You try to figure out what it was. You're like, yeah. first it was the altitude sickness, then I caught a bug because my immunity was down. I wasn't taking my vitamins. Had I been drinking water and sleeping proper pressure medicine. <laughs> um, but uh, but I uh, I was I threw up in the tub but i was sitting on the toilet uh, the and i threw up in the tub and uh, i know that i shat all against the wall but i never, <laughs> I never found it I never, and i know that it, it had to be there somewhere but this beard none the wiser so uh so um so, so when did you get when did you get past eight uh, years later i think i have the longest really yeah eight years later and ari was with me i could have never i could have never done the the sword killed me uh, it almost killed me. Oh, it would have killed me. I had, but I didn't have any other options. Like, I lost my car, uh, so I was walking to the store. I, it? Well, it broke down. Oh. It, <laughs> it wasn't like it was caught, bro. It was one crazy night. <laughs> Panama. Uh, 
It was the summer they would never forget if they could just remember last night. This summer's shaping up to be one great I, I want to be in one of those movies so bad, like one of those USA up all night movies. Yeah. And like play the fat guy that they like meet at a Wendy's. Wait, I wanted to do, God, I wish I could remember this pitch. I wanted to do, um, I wanted to do, uh, God damn it, I fucking forget. Keep going, keep going. So wait, so... So eight years it took to get past there. Because I had no other options. Because people don't realize comedy right now is on fire compared to where it was 14 years ago. This, yeah. The store was dead. The alternative scene at the time was like maybe one bar somewhere Then I wasn't cool enough to perform at. Yeah. Laugh Factory had that open mic where you could wait out all line, all day in line. Uh, there was no no way to get into the improv at the time, so I didn't have any options. I didn't I, I didn't have that. I don't. I I often think to myself, I'm very jealous of uh, of like you, Ari, Segura, Tripoli, yeah. Sebastian, Brett Ernst, guys that I'm jealous of. Guys that decided to be comics without the support of anything just went like I want to do this and they did it like because I I don't think I could have ever done that I don't think I ever had the like I had so many good things happen to me so many right away yeah that I believed I should have been a comic yeah and so I believed I did I was a comic I, I and I and I maybe felt I was funnier than I was because of all these like just random occurrences. Yeah, well, I believe in that, too. Like, I definitely think there was foreshadowing, and I look for signs like a lunatic. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I was out here on vacation. I ran into Damon Waynes, who told me I should quit. He literally told me at the improv, he was like, I've never seen you on stage, but he goes, I know you're going to make it. I go, what? <laughs> he was like, don't even go back to Philly. He's like, you're already in L.A. Just stay here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, look, man. I don't know if you're funny, and please don't take this the wrong way. He goes, but I can look into your eyes, and I can see that you're crazy. <laughs> and he goes, and that's what it takes to make it. And he goes, I'm crazy, too, and that's why I made it, because it'll take you at least 10 fucking, years. The sad thing is, is if right. you follow that advice, it here's the thing. That's like saying, I'm trying to think of the right, that it's brilliant advice only because, He's telling you something, and if you don't follow what he's saying, then it doesn't matter. Right. But if you do, then if you do follow his advice, then he is accurate. You are he crazy. He is right. You are crazy. Yes. And you will do what it necessitates to make it. Yes. Like, like it's like saying... Self-effect. Yeah, it's true. It's like saying, listen, if you, if you take steroids, you're going to get bigger. Yeah. You should get, you should, you'll get fucking ripped. Well, if you don't take them, then that was bullshit advice. You don't give a fuck anyway. But if you do take that's they the work. wrong analogy. But but it's the same thing. It's like saying, get in the water if you want to get wet. But if you don't want to get wet, don't get in the water. But right. I'm looking at you and you want to get wet. And, it, and if you follow that advice, I'm not doing any justification to this fucking analogy. But I know what he's saying and it makes sense. Yeah. It was. He did. And I had those little things like, I mean, I'm out here on vacation. I had drinks with Hugh Hefner. He invited me over to his table. They're all on the same night. It was crazy. Because I used to get drunk and lie because I didn't feel good about myself. You know, like, <laughs> I think the subconscious thought process was, 
nobody will be my friend, so I have to give them reasons. And they'd be like, oh, yeah. you don't think I know karate? And people would be like, what? <laughs> so I had one of those nights where it seemed like a drunk lie where I was hanging out with Damon Waynes and Hugh Hefner. And I, wa- I won this contest. I had not really done comedy. I won the contest that Paulie hosted. And Paulie was like, you should be at the comedy store. I discovered you. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, this is awesome. I met... Seinfeld in New York randomly and we talked about the meaning of life and love and he was like hanging out with me and his buddies were pulling him away and I was like okay these are all little signs yeah uh, first I, I remember showing up at the comedy store to drop off a resume and Juan Carlos the guy that runs the place during the day was like where do I know you from and I'm like what are you talking he's like you seem like family you belong here and he was like you're gonna fit in here I'm like this is crazy really mm-hmm what was it like working at the comedy store? Was it just fucking massive chaos? It was awesome. Because uh, my crew, the my two best friends from those years and to this day, best friends I've ever had are Ari Shafir and Steve Renazizi. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I mean, it was. I remember when Ari and Steve had a casino in the main room. <laughs> we were playing cards every night. They roulette. They shut it down. It was the greatest. <laughs> it was like being tw- 12 years old professionally like sleep like it seemed like i mean i would go to the comedy store every night and i didn't i wasn't past there it wasn't like i was going there for stage time i went there to hang out dice was hanging out every night having laughs like we're ordering pizzas to the store yeah prank phone calls water balloon fights it was the best it's it's i imagine what i was trying to explain an analogy to someone about being a fraternity, and they were like, oh, well, it's stupid. And I said, well, no, because it's that moment where you realize, oh, I'm a grown-up. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, and no what I want is have me. fun. Yeah, no one gets to tell me anything because I'm, I'm not really a grown-up per se, but on paper I'm a grown-up. Yeah. And I can and I can make grown-up decisions that are very un-grown-up. Right, like having ice cream for breakfast. Fuck it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things in life to do. I remember when my buddy Ben Seberg was like, you know what the best part about being 21 is? I go, what? And he goes, we can dr- get drunk whenever. And yeah. I was like, what? And he was like, let's go get drunk. And we went and got a bottle of gin <laughs> and a thing of tonic and just made gin and tonics and got drunk. And it was like, oh, fuck, I can get drunk whenever, whenever. I want. It was a little dangerous. I remember telling one, one of my buddies that, that like, like regurgitating that information when we were in New York. Uh-huh. One of my buddies, and he's been in and out of rehab a hundred times. And I remember, I remember thinking maybe I shouldn't have said that. Like <laughs> I felt guilty. Like I felt my this day feel very guilty because I remember being like, oh, one of the things I love about New York is I can get drunk. You can get drunk anytime you want in New York. Yeah. You just, just just get in a cab. No one knows it. No one knows that you were just at a bar. I oh love my. New York. Well, that's what I think so awesome about like Uber and Lyft. It's changing L.A. It's changing the way the city operates for the better. I think we are not using. Our, we've paid both our cars off, and now we have no car payment. And nice. instead of buying a new car, I'm just using Uber. Like, why not? It's it's less money. For like five weeks, I did not use a car at all. That's awesome. And so, and then for another all of December, I'll be gone. So right. what, am I, what am I buying? In, what are we buying a second car for? Yeah. So it just stinks when you have like a meeting in fucking Long Beach, right? Then you have like, to drive. Oh, great! No, you take Uber. I, I, I had to take Uber because I my wife had the car, and I was oh, like, awesome. "Oh shit!" But we have two cars, but the other car just is a fucking it's beat to hell, and we need to get rid of it. 
But I think we're going to buy a second car. It's my wife. I'll just take Uber when I drink. Dude, it's it's cheaper than parking. So wait, I so take that Uber X. How do they how do they know like how do they how how does the process of passing at the at the comedy store happen? You just get like a phone call? I don't know. You into I think it's different for everybody. They were okay. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At US Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. I came from a low-income family that was, that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. She became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life. And just want to get things done the way I want with a good education I'm in. I'm Stacy and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose. I, I was Mitty's assistant. I went from managing the club. I was her assistant for a little bit. So I would, this is how uncomfortable my life was. I'd pick her up in the comedy store van. She would get in. And then there were nights where I had to drive, pick her up, knowing I was going to showcase for her. Oh. And then go out eat. Or there were times I even killed it. Like I, she, she would sit in the back of the room, and if she didn't like you, she'd scratch your name off the list. Off. <laughs> she, if you got past, she'd circle you. Sometimes she would circle and put a star next to somebody. And there was. One time, I saw my name circled twice. I saw it with stars around it once. And nothing. You're not ready. It's not going to happen. And you're just like, what the fuck am I doing? And I knew I was in trouble when I asked her once. I go, just about other comics, because we had run into Gary Shandling at her doctor's office. And I was like, oh my, because I'm such a Shandling fan. Yeah, uh, yeah, Shandling is really highly underrated with people that... Like our big comedy fans. Yeah. I don't think like like all these people that are fans now that have come to it now don't uh, realize how fucking funny that guy is. Oh, uh, I remember his sitcom on Fox, and they did one on baseball cards. It was awesome. I was like, this guy gets it, and it was all about <laughs> how rare the card is, and the guy kept on getting the rookie card, and he was like, isn't that a very rare card? It was awesome. And then Larry Sanders, one of the funniest shows ever. Yeah. And uh, he was really super cool. So, but I also knew it took him like seven years to get past at the comedy store. Yeah. And I remember asking Mitzi, who was the nicest guy that ever came through the store? And she was like, Gary, he still sends me flowers on my birthday. And I was like, I thought that was awesome, but then I went, oh, shit, I'm doomed. Yeah. So if it took him seven years, because I think she was trying to toughen me up was part of it. Yeah, I don't get that. Uh, did you know Freddie Soto at all? No. He was really great, great comic. I've heard I nothing but amazing things about Freddie Soto. Yeah, he was amazing. And he told me once. That Mitzi told him, Freddie, if you're still intimidated of a little old lady sitting in the back of a comedy club, she was like, this business is going to eat you up. Meaning, the reasons why she kept on telling him no was because she was trying to toughen him up so he wouldn't be intimidated. So wait, so 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 you're picking her up, showcasing for her. She's writing, circling your name and starring you, but then... Not passing you? Mm-mm. Took but, forever. But does the... Is, I, I'm so 
out of the comedy store? Like, does she then go to that guy that Tommy, and then go he's passed? Yeah, I think it was Duncan. Uh, okay, she would sit in the back. She would just, when Ari Renazizi and I were there, she would still come in on Sunday nights and showcase people. Sometimes she'd hit a streak where she'd come in three or four Sundays in a row, and then I think she used to watch Sex in the City back then, so she would not come in. Yeah. She would, like, Mitzi's coming in, she's not coming in, and there was people that would stay on this quote-unquote showcase list for maybe five weeks until she'd come in, or sometimes two months. And people are like, sweet, she's not coming in, so there's no pressure on me, and I get a free spot on Sunday night, because, yeah. you know, stage time is a commodity. Um, so the way it would work, she'd come in, she'd watch comics. She once told me that she could tell if somebody had it or not just by looking at them. Cause sometimes she would just look up and scratch the name off the list. Um, and then you would walk off stage, and sometimes she'd, she'd call you over. And she'd be like, call Duncan on Monday. Congratulations. That was it. Really? Yeah, and then other times she wouldn't let people know, and then Duncan would call them on Monday. Hey, Mitty loved you last night. You're a new paid regular. It's crazy to ask, but could Duncan have just made anyone a paid regular that he wanted because Mitzi was kind of like out of it no because there would be too many rats oh really yeah too many people would sniff stuff out oh really yeah was there a little backstabbery going on at the store at the time uh that's so not who I am like that, that you never even got fucked fucking involved in it yeah I don't even know like people will tell me stuff now they're like don't you remember this I don't I'm like I kind of mind my business yeah and I think people know um okay kind of sensitive so they won't tell me straight <laughs> news like, like I'm kind of a little kid eating cereal and people make like don't tell Steve about so and so like if somebody's sick or something oh, nobody tells me anything they know they know I get upset easily where I'm like oh my god we gotta go visit have him. you ever cried in front of dudes uh oh I had to oh the worst ever <laughs> Do you know there's this kid David Taylor who's actually a very David, sweet I know sweet. I only know David Taylor I only know David Taylor through a story Ari told about David Taylor. Uh but I, I think I know David Taylor, uh, but I don't think he was super nice. Oh, dude, he's awesome. Okay, the David Wait, Taylor. Am I thinking I know. of the wrong guy? No, he's he's known as an assassin, bro. Okay, okay. Like a verbal assassin. Like there are people that have written complaining letters about him just after watching his comedy. He shreds people because he's so smart. He like was a computer programmer guy from Carnegie Mellon. Was an internet millionaire on paper in Silicon Valley. All of his friends are geniuses. Yeah. Ari told a story about Ari wore his hair different and had, like, a different pair of glasses on. I think, I think, I forget what podcast is on, and uh, and it was with Jonah Ray. They were uh-huh. talking about it, and he walked into a party, and David Taylor, by the way, David, I hope I'm, you don't think I'm shitting on you if you're listening. I know <laughs> you are, but, uh, but, like, David Taylor gave him a look, and Ari was like, what's up? And then he goes, oh, I didn't know it was you. And Ari <laughs> goes, wait, that's how you look at regular people? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, 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 I guess. But I thought that was really fucking funny. I could see him doing that. Okay. Well, also, this is the David I know, and I've told him this, so it's not like, I think he's such a sweet guy that he puts on this persona to keep the world at arm's length. Okay. You know, I've, I think that about a lot of people. I think I think that's probably pretty accurate. I think everybody at their core is awesome, but somewhere along 
life's journey, we become more fearful and angry. It's all the same shit. Yeah. So the more you start to build this mask and this persona, and you don't want to let anybody in. Yeah. You know, you don't want people to go, oh, I am a nice guy. I am. I want to be, hang out and have laughs. I'm very sweet. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You'd be shocked at how open I can be. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's everybody, but they're so fearful that happens. So long story short, I mean, dude, I Paulie's breaking my balls. Mitzi's breaking my balls. I've, it's probably five years into my comedy store journey. I have no money. I'm living with this guy, God rest his soul, Fat James, 300-pound recently divorced ex-Elvis impersonator. We're sharing a one-bedroom apartment. I'm taking the bus to work. It's the worst. And Paulie was, could be a dick, and he was being a dick and just... He was a dick the first time I met him. Oh, bro, he can I, be. He walked into the back room. I was with Louis C.K. and, like, I want to say Chris Rock. It was a really nice room. The it triple like, threat. It was of... a room where you could have just been kind. Yeah. And uh, and I saw him, and, you know, this is really sad to say now because I don't really have a ton of respect for him. Yeah. Like, sure. genuinely. Yeah. But uh, I was a big fan when I was a kid. I was, like, a real big fan. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the first time I got into, like, got into comedy jokes was in Russia. This guy, John, was my buddy, was obsessed with Paulie Shore, voted Paulie Shore to me, and we laughed hysterically. And I was like, I was like, motherfucker, I've really liked Paulie, like Paulie Shore. I'm not focused on how funny this guy is. I saw uh, Son-in-Law. Yeah. But That's a great I, movie. One of my favorite fucking movies. Yeah, and when yeah. he gets hit and starts crying and falls to the ground, I fucking shit my pants. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I was like, this guy, and, but, and, there, and there's so much to like about him. Yeah. And there's so much, like, so I, so I see him at the comedy store. Now, yeah. it's granted it's a comedy store, and maybe I, maybe you're not supposed to say hi to people at the comedy store. I don't, I don't fucking know. Yeah, I don't I operate like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm just be a guy. human. Just, just be, be a nice human. fucking dude. That's it. Which he <laughs> genuinely was not. And I was like, I was like, oh my God. I've seen him do I, awful things. I said, I'm a big fan, man. I'm a comic as well. And Louis was like, uh, for Bert, you, Bert has been going up every Sunday night. He's, He's absolutely hilarious, Paul. You got to see him. Paul just looks at me, and I go, I go. The scene where you cry when you get hit and you fall to the ground and cry. I go, honestly, one of my fucking top fav favorite movie scenes in any movie. And he just says to me, he goes, Yeah, why is he back here? And I was like, And now he just, uh, he just shot on me to Chris Rock and everyone. And I just was like, uh, Oh. And I was like, And then he was like, looked at me like to leave. And I was like, All right. I was like, all right, and reason one that was like that was that became. Was one that of the back reasons. when you were doing the main room Sunday night shows with uh, Larry Katz? Yeah, no, Louis, yeah, Anderson. Louis Anderson was putting them together. I remember that. I would yeah. hand out flyers for those shows. That's the first time I saw you do comedy. Jay Moore hosted, brought you up, and you crushed. I was, you, Ralphie May, yeah, Dane would come in. Jerry Goldman. Yeah, yeah, I re that was like 2003ish. Yep. Yeah. I remember that. That's I when was, I was going through it. I was. Uh, I can I tell you this. I think you might have complimented me one night, and I, and it was one of my favorite compliments I've ever gotten. There's like the one thing about comedy store guys I don't think anyone realizes is that no one was a dick. Like Lorenzo, Tripoli, Brett Ernst, Sebastian, Ari, uh, uh, Steve Byrne, yeah. Ahmed Ahmed. All those guys, if they thought you were funny, they would say, "Dude, you're really funny." Yeah, and and I want to say like. I, I I wanted to, I've always wanted to say it was John Caparulo, but I don't think he worked at the club. Yeah. But like by 2003, he was gone. Yeah, and but I remember being back, and it was like I want to say it was you and another guy, maybe Mark Ellis. Okay. And you guys both were like, man, you're funny as shit. And I was like, I remember being like, 
Because you know I worked the door at the Boston Comedy Club. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that was one of the play. I did a I did a show there once. That was my first show ever in New York, and I remember Norton either hosted it or closed it out. But it was awesome. It. Yeah, I think he hosted it. It was like a Monday night pre-show type thing. Yeah. And it was like a precursor to a bringer show, and I had people from Philly go up there. It was a magical night for me. Uh, One of the I, best sets I ever so had. I've always had a massive respect for anyone that works at a comedy club, because I worked at a comedy club. Yeah. And I remember how easy it was just to be a little nice and how much that meant to someone. Yeah. And I remember how willingly we, and I say we, people that worked at clubs, got excited about good talent. Absolutely. In a heartbeat. Like, I remember, I remember telling... Uh, I remember telling uh, Kevin um, Kevin Hart Kevin Hart how funny I thought he was. Yep. And Kevin was like, the, well, I mean, he was so nice. I mean, we were both kind of, you know, I don't, I'd worked the door, but he'd just come in. He was so fucking nice. Yeah, so he was nice. Like, he was like, oh, thanks, man. And then met Jay and Big Jay. Yeah, I remember meeting Kevin Hart at an open mic in Philly. I did. He loved me. He's he he's so the nice. nicest guy. Yep. I watched him in uh, Cop and a Half. Not Cop and a Half. Right along. <laughs> right along. Common has a better title for that, but Tremendous. <laughs> I think it's actually a Burt Reynolds that... movie with a small black child. <laughs> Anything with Burt Reynolds, I support one hundred percent. I push my chips in on Burt. So, uh, but yeah, I remember, I remember that time, dude. I think like... I did give you comp. I remember seeing you blow that room up. I was having, I was in a really good spot then because I had written a bunch of shit that was all popping, and I kind of got my pre adult voice down of like of like fucking wildly frat boy or whatever it was yeah. but it was i was having i was having murderous sets and uh mitzi saw me and passed said he's not ready and louis was like i don't know what you're talking about yeah. and then and, and then i just was like and then that happened with paulie and i was like you know what i don't think i'm having fun here like i don't think i'm enjoying it i don't feel comfortable yeah. i feel like i'd walk back and i'd hide and yeah. I feel like everyone knew each other, but no one knew me. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to the improv. And I started working at the improv again. And I was like, I, and I liked it there better. There was a bar inside that you could drink. Oh, at. that bar was awesome, man. And no one called you on being an alcoholic. Like, I remember, like, guys, I'm not going to say their names, but guys that we all know are very big alcoholics that I don't even know what some of them are doing now. We just go, everyone would just go hard as fuck at the improv. Wow. And so I loved the improv, and it was, like, a little more warming to me. Yeah, it was a little... I, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, the comedy, that was just it. It was almost like I didn't feel like I'd made a decision. It just... It, the decision was made for you. Yeah, kind of. Same thing happened with me in the in Boston. I got I, I got drawn there. Yeah. And I just was like, this is, the universe has pulled me here. Yes. This is where I need to be. Yes. And, and, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm glad I focused. Me, me too. And, uh, but I did make this con because not everybody was really nice to me when I started there. And I saw even people that, for whatever reason, were nice to me. I saw them interact with others, and I was like, ooh. Like, so I made a decision to be the, the nice guy. And to this day, when I see a new face, I go over and I introduce myself. Because I know what it's like to be a scared kid with nothing but a dream. Yeah. And sometimes just somebody that belongs somewhere saying, here, let me introduce you to people. It's the littlest thing. But that could be enough to make somebody go, okay, I'm going to. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna give up. And yeah. if I can just be that guy, people. I also like the fact that the kids come to me with problems, and they know I'm a, a, a nice. I want to be the nice guy there. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It, there's nothing wrong with being the nice guy. Everyone's like, oh, nice guy's doing his last. No, they don't. I've been a nice guy my whole career. That's it, it. It's it just works. You just don't have a lot of enemies. You end up finding enemies because people find a reason to dislike Absolutely. you. Absolutely. People will always find it. Wait, tell the Mark Taylor story. 
Which one? Oh, the Dave Taylor story. Dave Taylor. So I remember this was like right before, I was a good five years in. I'm going to Google David Taylor. Dude, he's awesome. He's one of the funniest. He's a brilliant dude, too. So long story short, Paulie's breaking my balls. He's whatever. It is what it is. So I'm just like, I can't take this, man. It's been like a 12-hour day, 13-hour day for no money. And now he's sending me out to go get dog food in the middle of the night to drive up to his fucking house. And I just like, I, 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 I'm I done. I, I'm at the low point, what happens with comedy. Oh, I don't know David Taylor. And uh, he catches me crying by myself. Wait, I do know David Taylor. He, he catches you crying. Yeah, and I'm like the last person in the world. Like He was like, Simone, what's going on? And I'm like, nothing. And he was like, are you crying? And I'm like, no. <laughs> it's like the meanest person in the world catches you crying, and he was so cool about the it. The meanest person in the world. I think I do know David Taylor. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, is he still do stand up? Yes. Where's he? Is he at the store? Yep, he's at the store, and he. I think I've seen. I know I've seen him do stand up. Yeah, and he's written on a couple Comedy Central shows. Yeah, I know I've seen him do stand up. I don't know. I'm sure he's like, does not know me, but I was. Everybody like, I know, knows you. Dude. No, I think I know people before. I definitely know people before they know me. Like I'm one of those guys. Like I remember in I remember in grade school, I knew who all the fifth graders were when I was in first grade. Yeah, me too. I'm the same. the same exact way. One of my favorite. Brody jokes ever when he was like Chelsea Handler. What, what how did he say it? He was like, I've known Chelsea for twelve years. She's known me for three. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's one of my favorites. I knew Brody before Brody knew me. I knew pretty much everybody before that. And even now, I always assume somebody doesn't know me. I always say my name when I introduce myself to people. Always. When I say hi to people, like, oh, hey, it's Bert. And they're like, no, I, I know. Gene, uh, not Gene Pompa. Gene Pompa. Gene Pompa is one of my favorite fucking He's tremendous. Movies. Yeah, he is awesome. He's so funny. Um, uh, Tom Papa. Love that dude. I always say, I always say my name to Tom. I yeah. always go, hey, Tom, it's Bert. Because I don't want him to ever go... Nope. Like, because he's got to know a million people. A million people. Like, he's got to know. And so, like, we were eating dinner. This is probably a situation you'd feel akin to. We were eating dinner at uh, California Pizza Kitchen with me and my family. Nice. My sisters are there. I'm there. And uh, we're all talking. I see Tom with his family, like, a table over. But there's something in between us. So, but I can see him, but yeah. I saw him, and then yeah. in my head, I'm like, do I? Yeah, that's what I, that's a dilemma I have often, where I'm like, I, what's the more polite thing to do? Do I go over and say hello, and then he knows that I'm here, and he's got to deal with the fact that I'm, that maybe I've, I'm going to be making eyes, to, I don't know who yeah. fucking knows. Yes, I, and yeah, I get in my head so much thinking what's going on in their head, yeah. and I'm like, how do I make this person as comfortable and to show my respect for the, and sometimes I just go. So is ignoring them the proper is thing? It, is it? Or now or, am I being phony? Yeah. Because now I'm just like, so I literally was like, I was like, all right, I need to. I was like, I, this is making me so uncomfortable. Got to go like, over, jump on the grenade, shake the hand. Thank you. I don't want to interrupt. Yep. Boom. And so I just walked over. I go, hey, Tom, it's Bert Kreischer. And he goes, oh, hey, Bert. And I was like, just wanted to say hi. We're eating dinner over there. Didn't want to bother you, but I just got to say hi. And he was like, no, no, no. Who are you with? And I was like, so my sister's my. And then now I'm like, now I'm like, dial it back there, Papa. Like, no. But, <laughs> but he was so regular that I felt stupid for even doing that. And then as we sat like twice, like we made a joke to each other back and forth. But then I saw him in the um, <laughs> the complete total opposite. I 
think I had just I was going to Alabama to drive motor. No, I was, I'd been in Hawaii riding motorcycles, oh, and I cool. thought about him because That's he he life. rides motorcycles. So uh, yeah, I know Tom right? Papa. Yes, yes, like rode a motorcycle across country to California with his wife on the back. Oh, he's awesome, dude. He's not. What you think? I can have him on the podcast, but his dad's still in a motorcycle. His dad got like one of those electric glides. Wow! And, like rides all over the place. So, um, I, 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 when I was riding motorcycles in Hawaii, I thought about him and I thought, so beautiful. So there's like only a, like I think of like a handful of people that I know that ride motorcycles. My buddy Terry in Canada, who, who does. Uh, you ever done uh, the comic strip up there? No. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be with Burn next week in Calgary. It's, I don't uh, know what club that is. Yuck, 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 yuck. Maybe. But um, uh, Terry has a radio show up there. He rides motorcycles. Um, my buddy Brenton, who's on Trip Flip, rides motorcycles. Cool. Like the, at the time, this is who I'm thinking of. Um, uh, Tom Papa rides motorcycles, and that's kind of all. Like at the time, that's all I'm like I'm yeah. thinking about those guys. Your old acts, like yeah. yeah. And so I, I, I'm at Gelson's, and I see Papa walk, t- turn a corner, and I just jumped on him. I'm like, Tom, it's Bert. Oh, my God, I just wore motorcycles. And I was, but it, it was, he was trying to get out of the way because we were in the middle of, like, where everyone lines up. So it looked like he was walking away from me. Oh, that's hysterical. I saw Fred Durst at Gelson's yesterday, and I didn't know if I should say anything. Tremendous. I wanted to say something so bad. One of my favorite celebrity sightings ever was I saw uh, – Danzig at a Chinese place in Hollywood, and he came in like he's little, but he came what? in like evil. Yeah, he's little. Glenn Danzig. How tall is he? Shorter than me, bro. Shut up. Yeah, he's little, but he's like that. I remember mother that old. Okay, so anyways, he comes in and he's got. <laughs> I was like, do I say something? To, and he could tell that I knew. Like you know, when you just the energy just changes, and I'm like, oh my god, like that. And I'm like, do I say something? And I didn't, but the best thing ever is he's got his, like, evil face on. But then when the the thought of him eating Chinese food made him so happy that when he placed his order, he looked like a seven-year-old. He was like, and can I get the general's chicken and a side of this? And then he went but right it, back to Danzig's how face. How tall is Glenn Danzig? I would say, like, 5'4". Shut up. Yeah. Let's type in my password, herpes boy. <laughs> I do that every fucking time. Always funny. Uh, I did it to my wife last night. I, was, uh, <laughs> I typed in her password in front of my cousin, and I went, herpes gal, 72. <laughs> um, I should might as well make that my password. Glenn, Dan, Glenn Danzig. You know what's so funny? There, have you seen this Lena Dunham? controversy going on no um i don't want to throw my i don't have two cents but i don't want to like say what it is because i think even saying what it is is more than what it is gotcha i mean but like she got she wrote an excerpt in her book and used the term lightly jokingly that she was a sexual predator to her sister and and maybe possibly some of the behavior between her and her sister were unsavory I don't, it was weird it was weird yeah. it was weird i think her goal was you know like like i said I, I everyone's attacking her so now i'm on lena dunham's side yeah yeah yeah. like trying to defend her because i don't think she was trying to i don't think she was trying to be like i don't think she was confessing to anything i think she was trying to be it's like a little silly and shocking, shocking a little bit and 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 culpable and um and honest yeah i mean i, I never i never didn't 
I mean, I very definitely never did anything sexual with my sister no. ever, either no. of my sisters ever. But I'm a boy. I, I don't know. I never. I never. Like I don't know. Yeah, me might. You know. I, I mean, I, that whole I just, thing's just weird. I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna slam Lena Dunham or defend her. I don't know what she meant to say, and I have not read her book. You got to read the whole book in order to get a, a tone for the book. Yeah. You know, you can't just pull out a page and go, dude. Whoa. Yeah, that's one of the scariest things of life. That anything you create or say or do could be taken out of context, and somebody could try to ruin your life over it. Uh, yeah, I'm very. Holy shit! He's five four. That's what it looked like to me, yeah. Are that's how I knew serious? it was him. Holy shit, he's 5'4"? Glenn Danzig's 5'4"? Yeah, he was My tough. wife's taller than Glenn Danzig? <laughs> that's a t-shirt. <laughs> you get a Holy t-shirt. For, my wife's taller than Glenn Danzig. Yeah, that how, about was a, how about a baby doll tee and you go, this shirt would be Glenn Danzig's <laughs> nightgown. Oh, God, I don't want to. He could still kick my ass. But my point was I Googled Lena Dunham because I was like, I've never been a fan of girls. I've never. I'm not a fan. No. Of, not. A, I'm not a huge Lena Dunham fan by any stretch no. means. But the second everyone starts attacking her, I get defensive of her, and I and I want to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. She's under fucking microscope. She's a woman. She's an overweight woman at that who's yeah. unattractive and has a voice which no fucking dude likes. No conservative dude's like, oh, I can't wait to hear what the fat chick has to say. Like that's just. And not, not to discount Lena yeah. Dunham, but like. Yeah. My wife pointed it out to me. I'm not a conservative, but I am a regular dude. And one time my wife pointed out that um, I gave my chair to a guy who was bigger than me because mm-hmm. I had an exit row. Yeah. I just assumed he was a football player and he had bad knees. I just yeah. looked at it that way. And I happened to have the single aisle row. Yeah. And the single exit on the on the on the. You know the one, you know the fucking plane. It's a, it's an ER seven. It's, uh, it's hard to explain. You gotta fly a lot. Right. Uh, it's like the, the bomb, and bombardiers. The, and if you're flying Chicago to uh, Milwaukee on American, it's that. Oh, okay. So um, like one of those little ones. Little ones. And yeah. so I had the single row, and he was in a, he was in, not the exit row, but there was, the exit row was open. I said, buddy. Or whatever it was. But I said, would you like my seat, sir? And he was like, yeah, I would. And I said, don't mention it. And so I went and sat back. My wife was on that flight. We were not. She was in the next row, too. Yeah. My wife said, got done. She goes, so interesting. She's like, three or four overweight women walked past you. And you didn't offer them your seat. You offered it to a dude. Huh. And I was like, Yeah. And I was like, well, there's a lot of, like, you can't just go, ma'am, you're a big woman. Do you want my seat? That's a, yeah, you got to be. Yeah, and, but that's part of it. She goes, no, I think you find unattractive women worthless. Oh, my God, what a terrible thing to say. And I was like, I was like, you know what's so funny is I don't find them worthless, but I definitely put more weight on hot women. Like, like if your society hot, does. Society does. And so I don't know how I got into fucking outing myself as a horrible person, but my point is, Lena Dunham, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of dudes that are like, I'm not watching fucking girls. Does Brian Williams' daughter get naked? Maybe I will then. Right. But like, like a lot of people are like, I don't want to see the fucking, the lead characters, uh, not what I jack off to. No thanks. Yeah, like, I, and I think that's a great point. Cause that is, it's fucked up. Like, I never really thought about all the pressure we put on women to be beautiful. It's terrible. Oh, it's like, fucking horrific. Terrible. The- like, I don't realize how many chicks have eating disorders. Dude. Like, all of them. Can I tell you, I, I'm really shitty about, like, about like 
progress. Like I go, oh, enough. How much do we have to learn? But man, I've learned a lot of shit since I was in high, like, like, yeah. and since I was in high school. Like I didn't know a fucking thing about women in high school. Me neither. Now I look at it and I'm like, eating disorders are a very real thing. Yeah, all uh, of them. The the catcalling video, like disgusting. I, I've never been a cat. I've never catcalled. I can't imagine someone actually does that. Yeah, I, yeah. But the fact my wife was like, oh fuck yeah, that's New York. Like dudes like walk next to you. She's like, and you just feel unsafe. Yeah, it's terrible. I can't imagine what fucking type of person's like. Hey, sweet tits. That I had a friend of mine, her and her husband are like two of the coolest people I know, but she's a model. And she's the sweetest woman ever. But she puts on, like, I don't, I forget the term she used, but she was like, yeah, I have to be very disarming. Because she was like, when you look, she wasn't, and she's so fucking cool, she wasn't like, when you look like this. Yeah. But she was saying, she was like, she was like, guys get flat out creepy, they make you feel, and she was like, I could be a victim of a crime yeah. <laughs> because people don't know how to deal with it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I guess you do have to sort of put your guard up. She was like, I watched, absolutely. I watched that video. Then I read the YouTube comments. Let me tell you something. YouTube comments should be posted on your fucking skin for a week. You oh, my God. That's so that true. Because people say the horrible, horrible thing. And then fucking have no connection to it. They're like, put it online. Don't give a fuck. It's terrible. Started a fight. Didn't even read the rest of that thread. Yeah, dicks. Complete dicks. Nobody's ever like, wasn't my thing. Not really into it, but good luck. You know what I mean? Like, I could see how somebody might like this. What? It's always like, hey, faggot, die. And I'm like, I, I was just a joke about cartoons. Wasn't my thing. <laughs> not, not my cup of tea, but best of luck. <laughs> Terrible. Not my cup of tea, but best of luck. <laughs> Why can't, dude, you know, and I'm starting to talk about this on stage. You talk about getting more personal. There's no more moms. And that's what's. And look, I'm not some conservative dude yeah. where I'm like, be in the kitchen and raise kids. But I'm like, we all need to feel loved. And we're developing this whole society where people are growing up not feeling loved. Yeah. So they think being mean and buying shiny shit is going to make them feel loved. And it only makes them feel worse. And that's why you have dicks catcalling at women. They're not raised. Dude. They're not raised. The term bastard used to mean something. Yes. Now we're living in a society filled with bastards. Dudes catcalling women. Because they hate their mom. They they, they were never raised. Can you ready? You ready for my theory? And this yeah. is one even fucking meaner. Yeah. And by the way, I apologize if I'm hurting the feelings of all you cat callers. Yeah. Like I, this is how I surmised it. Their moms were whores. Their fathers weren't around, yeah. and their moms uh, uh, reacted to those to that behavior. Yeah, because they that's thought how, that's what love was. They saw, and so they thought, oh, that's that's how I've. It's got to be something learned. You got. Well, they, I, they, they say. Meaning, psychologists say that all behaviors learned behavior. Yeah, it's got to be learned, and that what they did is they saw it work one time, and it had to be just, just slutty moms, or yeah. like, or like they. Because when you're a kid, you're. I remember, um, I remember walking with my mom, and uh, some guy said. Uh, some homeless guy when we were in downtown Tampa, he was like, "Man, you got one beautiful mom." And I was like, "What the fuck?" Uh, yeah. I was in first grade, and I was like, and "I want to jump like, into a wood chipper." Yeah. <laughs> and my mom's like, "Keep walking." And I was like, "I was like, that's so weird." And my mom's like, "Oh, some people." And I was like, and at that moment, I was like, "Well, I will never do that. I will never be like, man." And, so, and everyone says on YouTube comments, "Oh, then you can't compliment a woman. I guess uh. you can't just say hi to somebody." Yes, you can say hi. There's a fine line between 
good morning. Yes, and, acknowledging another soul. And your ass looks fat in his pants. Yeah. Like, I've always said good morning to people. Me too. I, okay, I'm not a morning person. Like, when you said 10 a.m., I set three alarms to make sure I was here on time. <laughs> but what sometimes I feel my reward for waking up early is walking down the street and saying good morning to strangers. I yeah. fucking live for that shit. <laughs> Where I'm like, hey, good, we made it through another day. Hey, we're here. Uh, woke up again. <laughs> High five. Pat. Like, I love it. Where did you record your CD? Uh, La Jolla Comedy Store. Oh, yeah? It's my favorite room in the country. So now who do you tour with? You tour with the Renazizi Store? Everybody. I'm, okay, this is another thing I just started to realize. Life is a team sport, and I never realized that, and how blessed I am to have certain people. I'm on their team. They're on my team. We're all on the same team, yeah. you know? Um, I have the best friends in the world. I, like, I've heard so much about you, and everybody was like, Oh my God, you and Burke Kreischer. Oh my, you guys, you're, you're going to have the best time. You got to hang out with him. You got to meet him. Like, because I would go out with Burn. I'd go out with Renazizi. I'd go out with Ari. They all have the best things in the world to I, say about Yeah, I love all those guys. All of them. I'm just lucky, man. I've been out with Dalia. I've been out with, um, I've even been out with Paulie every once in a while. Like, it's just cool, man. Yeah. Joey Diaz, are you kidding I me? I fucking love Joey. Funniest person in the world. Like, I love that dude. He dressed love up for Halloween. He, I forgot what he wore, but he dressed up. Wizard of Oz. His daughter was Dorothy. Joey was the wizard. <laughs> Tremendous. He had a wizard hat on. Uh, oh, I love that guy so love much. I that guy. I do. I love him. It's, uh, he's an interesting... He genuinely is one of the more interesting, fascinating people. So he's yeah. got a heart of gold. Heart of gold. He's so there for you whenever you need him. Yep. Um, and but then there's a very genuine, vulnerable side to him. For sure. That you get to see. And, and when you see it, you're just like, shut the fuck up. It's the best. Burn's an interesting guy. Burn is like, you can learn something from everyone, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's like Joey, the thing you learn from Joey is that he is, he is, First of all, he actually works hard as fuck. Oh, not and he always has. Yeah, he's not a guy that just sits back and smokes weed. No. Like no, he's no, no. out. He's checking the breakdowns every morning. He's up yeah. before everybody else. He works harder than his agent does. Oh, he's the one that he was. He does it. Yeah, he was like, "This is it. You got to take your responsibility for your own career." Bert, like, he broke ahead. my balls about the CD. Like he. And I know it's because he loves me, and he knows we're similar in a lot of ways. But he really was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" He goes, "Don't." I have this. I have a lot of fears that I'm at least I'm becoming more conscious of, and I never realized that perfectionism is the the worst kind of fear because it doesn't seem like fear. But I'd record something, I'd be like, "I'm not going to share that with anybody because I'm afraid of the shitty YouTube videos. I'm ashamed of putting something out there and having." having it not be my best and he's like listen cocksucker just fucking get it done he goes you put out the goddamn cd you pound it on facebook and twitter you make connections with these people you start doing these little clubs anybody that let you fucking headline you get out there and you fucking build it and i was like all right fear of, uncle joey fear of success is is uh is very real and it's and it's only because it's like I'm actually really comfortable failing. Like I've failed yeah. so much. It's part I, actually, of life. It's a, it's a it's a safe place for me to land. Interesting. Like I know what I know how to deal with it. I don't know how to deal with success. I don't know how to deal with the pedestal that becomes success. Yeah. Like and the, the pressure. pressure. And I, yeah, the pressure of like of like yeah, you want your CD to be number one, but do you want it to be number one and then written up in USA Today as the number one selling CD ever? Right. And then everyone's like, "Who the fuck's this Steve guy?" Right. What, which what ha is what happened to Dane? Yeah. Like, I don't want that. Like I don't yeah. want what happened to Dane. Like Dane had an amazing amount of success, but man, 
it's like that kind of success scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Does that make sense? A hundred percent so. Like, I often go, maybe I'll just be a writer. Maybe I'll just be behind the scenes. And I'm like, I love movies. I want, I don't think there has... Like, you mentioned Stripes. But when was the last time you saw a movie that funny get made? It's they, been they forever. Making, they stopped making... That was a comedy with heart. It was a, it was a story. It was a good story. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like... Now comedies are like... I mean, they're just so... They're terrible. It, they're high premise. They're terrible. As opposed to... They're high premise, uh, big, like, gags, like, big Oh, gags. joke after joke. It's not, it's not character the, driven. The deer pee no in his story. mouth. Oh, my God. It's just crazy. And you're just like... Oh. I hate mean stuff. Like, I hate, like, all these hidden camera shows. We're going to make it look like we threw a baby in the traffic. Yeah. You know? No. And then a lot of the comedies, they stink. I think the Fairley Brothers, their first three movies out of the gate were the last... They were the last guys that knew how to do it. What were they? You had uh, Dumb and Dumber, the first one, amazing. Uh, Kingpin, amazing. Kingpin and then there's was something so fucking good. Kingpin is one of the most underrated comedies of all time. It is so fucking good. So good. And I think, for me, the last great com- well, Old School was tremendous. Old School was a great comedy. Uh, I loved Step Brothers. Oh, MacGruber was the last one that came out that I loved. MacGruber was really good. Laugh out loud funny for me. I like dumb stuff every once in a while. I like dumb stuff, but I want I want a comedy that, like, like I don't mind, like, a, a Zoolander. Right. But I want, like, Stripes, and they don't yep. make it anymore. No, and that's what I want to write. Like, Stripes. Type. I love John Hughes stuff. It was a little bit sweeter, a little bit more on the dial towards, like, drama. It was, but you know. Stripes, Caddyshack, you know what they Animal love? House. Is, like, like, you know my kids, the one thing my kids... Um, quote nonstop out of stripes is boom shakalaka laka boom shakalaka laka boom shakalaka laka. So great! Why did the chicken cross the road? But it, 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 to get to the other side, sir. It, there's no the the point of that is it's it is funny, but it's more like cool. inspirational and cool. cool. It's like Bill Murray was funny and cool. Yes, Bill Murray is a national treasure. Yeah, I uh, one of my dreams in life when I was 13 years old. So this is almost 30 years. I'm 41 now. When I was 13 years old, I was so... Bill Murray had shaped so much of that first 13 years of my life that I took money. I was a baseball card guy. I'd go up to shows. I'd sell stuff. I'd buy stuff. I'd trade stuff. And I knew Bill Murray was a huge Cubs fan, and I knew he was a huge Ernie Banks fan. So I remember buying and making a trade for an Ernie Banks rookie card, 1954 Tops, and I went, one day I'm going to be able to give this card to Bill Murray as a thank you. Wait, do you still have it? I still have it. Are you shitting me? No, my older brother has it. That dude, that's a... That's one that's of my a, dreams. By the way, that's a that's a 15-minute documentary. And I just want to be able to give it to him. I had this when I was 13. I just want to say thank you. Because like when Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, that was the battery of comedy in my house. You know they, you know they didn't speak yeah. towards the end. Yeah, they made their peace, though. What happened? Why did they not I don't speak? know. I think it had something to do with Groundhog Day, which was a uh, a masterpiece. Groundhog Day was it, It's a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, I remember reading an article about Groundhog Day where what's, what I find so amazing about it is all of these uh, different religions, all these different world religions embraced it as their own story. Hindus. Buddhists, Catholics, really? Jewish people, Muslim people, all saw that universal truth in that. Really? Yeah. What um uh what was I gonna say? 
uh, stripes define my personality. It define like I didn't realize it until I watched it with my kids. My my daughter was like, "You say that." Like yeah. I always I always say stuff like you quote. Me and my older brother talk about this. We will quote things that we don't even realize we're quoting. It becomes who you are. I've said on TV at least five times. Chicks in chicks in New York are paying top dollar for this garbage. <laughs> Anytime I get in the mud or like we do something like chicks in New York are paying top dollar for this garbage. <laughs> I say that to this day. Like it, that, that movie defines who I was. So I was on a job interview once, and I really you know the line where the guy is just a formality. Have you ever been convicted of a felony? And Bill Murray goes convicted. convicted? No. no, never convicted. I did that on a job interview once, and I'm killing it. And the guy was like, "What?" And I go, "All right." I still got the job, but I know it's, it wasn't a good fit. That movie is, uh, I thought, I used to think Fletch defined me, because Fletch was like a movie in college, my freshman year of college. I smoked weed every night, ordered it. I mean, I lived Groundhog's Day in college. Every night I smoked weed. I got a, a pepperoni and bacon pizza. To me, ordering pizza was the best. Like, some people go to college, they're like, I can drink whenever I want. I can get laid. Yeah. I get, I was like, we can have pizza whenever we wanted whenever it. Whenever you fucking wanted it. was the best. I got a pepperoni and bacon pizza and a six-pack of Coke every single night. Like, and, and Almost paradise. <laughs> I would watch Fletch. Bump, bump, bump. Bum, bum. I when mean, I hear that Fletch music, it's the greatest. I get excited and I go. Chevy Chase killed it, man. Killed he it. Really did. How is it? Isn't it insane that Bill Murray's become an icon and Chevy Chase has become a guy that you kind of like? Uh, yeah. Like you don't you don't look at Chevy Chase. I guess he was a mean person. Yeah, that's what I've heard. But I also I think him and Howard Stern. I'm a huge Stern fan. I'm a big Stern. Oh, fan. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, By the way, yeah. I became a um. I became. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm. Maybe I, or I don't care. I started enjoying Tim and Eric more because I found out they, they were certain. Yeah, friends. it's a very funny thing. Like I started getting their sense of humor because I didn't get it at first, and then I got it, and I was like, oh, I think I understand what I'm watching. Yes. Yeah, and that's one thing I do love about comedy. I love how everybody has a different approach to it, and it's the coolest. Dude, Tim and Eric, and I only say this because I got these GoPros yesterday. Tim and Eric do this GoPro series that is so awesome, so funny because it's so it it's so funny. It's so fucking funny. So well, I, I support them 100 percent just because they're silly guys too. Oh yeah, that's right. Temple. Yeah. I'm like I'm like one of those morons where yeah. I'm like, that's it. I got to back anything. I got silly. no one in Florida. Tosh. He's awesome. Yeah, but you, no, Hulk Hogan, bro. Hulk yeah. Hogan's from Tampa. What else could you want? But like, it's like Tosh is from like Orlando, but he doesn't really own it. It's like where he's from, and and like Billy Gardell, kind of Jim Brewer, kind of Todd Berry, kind of yeah, uh, fucking. So uh, Billy Gardell and Jim Brewer, two of the funniest people ever. Jim Brewer's one of the nicest fucking guys in the world. He, I gotta meet him. I too. love Jim Brewer. Do my dad loves Jim, Jim Brewer so funny that he's my dad's favorite yeah. kid. <laughs> Sebastian's two. I'm three. Wait, 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 what were you saying before this? Were we talking about Bill Murray or? I don't know. Or um, we were talking about stripes, quotability of movies. Right now, someone's listening, going, "You going, morons!" It's the beauty of podcasting, though. It's like 
I watched uh, Getting Dog with High uh-huh. yesterday, and I watched the one with Sarah Silverman and Todd Glass. And, I mean, for a 10 minutes, they just try to remember what they were talking about. The best. And it was such, so fun to watch people try to remember what they're talking about. So fun to see people that, be so, humans. Yeah. Have was, a real talk. It's the opposite. Like, God bless, like, Jimmy Fallon and all these guys killing it with Late Night. Yeah. God bless. But this is the opposite of that. This is just real people hanging out. It's yeah. not produced. Nobody's. I, I love it. I just I'll tell you what it. I like what Jimmy Fallon's doing. He's, it, he brought fun back. And he's being him. Yes. He's being him. He's not being an, an imitation of what Letterman or no. No, or Car, well, Letterman or Carson did. I think that's the secret. To, you had talked about comedy, and for whatever reason, you were able to sort of do that early on. Yeah. Say whatever you want about the comedy store. For me, it's a place where I formed awesome relationships. Oh, I love the comedy store. Yeah. I think it's an amazing place. I wish I had, I wish I had gotten past there because it's a place I'd love to perform. Uh-huh. But it would have. We gotta get you in. There. It would have. It would have broken my heart to to try to work to my way that. in. Uh-huh. Yeah, it would have. I would have not been in the comedy. The first thing I show kids that when they do show up and they try to try to work their way in, and so many people that are store comics don't even look at this or know what it's about. But when you walk up the steps of the original room, you have that ticket booth right there painted on the ticket booth it says uh monday night is potluck night it means anybody with the desire can have three minutes uh on stage that doesn't mean you have to be funny in three minutes but you have to be you yeah in three minutes and that's the essence of everything figuring out who you are and sharing that and that's what fallon's doing he's killing it with oh that. yeah you're right fallon is being him and you know what's so funny is I like him. He's on, super nice. I like him on SNL. I thought yeah. he was good on SNL. Yeah. Everyone's like, well, he always laughs at himself. I don't really care. Yeah. I felt like he was having a good time. That's did it. I think? Did I think maybe he went to the well too many times? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but those moments like that, it's like I, I loved when Spade and Sandler and Farley were dressed as the gap chick. Oh my! When Spade and Christina Applegate are biting their lips and staring at their yes. feet when he's doing Matt Foley for the first time. That's one of the reasons why I'm happy that I'm old, because I saw that sketch live. Yeah. I saw Chris Farley come out as Matt Foley, and my head exploded with laughter. And everybody talks about Saturday Night Live. I wish everybody all the success in the world, but to me, Chris Farley was a force of nature when it came to comedy. Oh. Force, like, that was, I love Bill Murray on the show. I love Eddie Murphy on the show. But nobody made me laugh. Like, I could appreciate things for being cool. I could appreciate things for being funny. I could, I love everybody else's approach. But just, you wanted me to laugh my balls off? Chris Farley, just the way he moved, crippled me with laughter. He was so genuinely funny. Like, so funny. So genuinely funny. So funny. And there was, you talk about Uncle Joey and his vulnerability and his sweetness. And to me, that's uh, that's what made Farley. Even See, I always like those broken characters, I, and I feel like I've kind of pitted myself in that direction on accident. Yeah, it's like it's like being a little broken and being a little complex and being very vulnerable. Yeah, and being a little bit of a mess where you're like, like I'm not a fucking come in like dice and like, hey, fuck this guy, fuck you. Right. I'm like a more like a, like a. You know, it's so interesting that you mentioned that though. Um, because I, I was just thinking this thought as you, you said the word vulnerable. Uh, the dice behind the character is a very sweet guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, And yeah. he, years ago, like, I was just started working at the store. He saw something in me, brought me out on the road with him, and let me 
didn't even let me know I was performing that night. So it's like 2,000 people. I'm backstage, and he goes, why don't you go on for five minutes? I go, what are you, crazy? Yeah. I don't have anything prepared. He's like, just go out there and do your thing, whatever. It doesn't matter. And what he told me that night, and he was like, look, you did great. There was no way you could have prepared for this. He knew what a big deal it was, and he was like, I'm going to say this, and don't take it the wrong way, but he goes, you're very vulnerable on stage. And he goes, but don't ever lose that. He goes, because that's what hooks people in. Vulnerability is, vulnerability shows the side of a human that I, that, like, I don't know, we were, I forget who I was talking about this. We were talking about comics. Are you a man first or a comic first? Mm. Like, are you, a, like, do people see you and go, oh, no, he's a man. Yeah. Like, Rogan's a man. Yeah. Like, like, I would say it's a, it's a close tie because you forget, you forget just how funny Rogan is. Yeah. Until you're, until, until you hear, like, like, he did, he does these, uh, watches the fights and hangs out mm-hmm. and it was him like Brendan Schwab um, Eddie Bravo wow and, it was, and Rogan was so goddamn funny that I was like oh you totally forget how funny he is he's one of the best comedians ever yeah and he's just so, I think the UFC thing the fact that he's a fucking black belt and a philosopher and but take all those other things he is out of the equation just go how's Joe Rogan stand up comedy yeah he's one of the baddest motherfuckers he really is to ever touch a microphone he really is and uh and but you you forget like uh like fucking um like then you go like Eddie Murphy was a man first then a comic yeah. like you could picture him fucking you know yeah. like he like well, that's interesting. Yeah, well, I, I, someone came up with it. It's not my idea, but we talked about it. Um, but I am very much a comic first. I'm very vulnerable. Yeah. And, I, and I, my insecurities kind of drive me as a person. Like, I, I definitely am driven by my insecurities. Uh, yeah. I think that's the only reason people get involved in this type of life. And for, uh, look, yeah, I'm yeah. working on all of it. Are um, you in therapy? Uh, no. Have you ever been? No. Oh, you'd love it. Yeah, I would love it. Everybody love tells it. me that. But I, I read a lot of self-help book type stuff. I, uh, I'm i always working on myself. You yeah. Know? And I, I, I'm blessed to have comedy in my life, to have that tool, that gift to sort of like – the more I try to figure out about comedy, the more I figure out about me. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, totally. I, the, when I'm writing the most – I'm figuring the most out about myself. Yeah, and like I'm life going through self-exploration. I woke up yesterday, day after my birthday, and I wait. It was just your birthday? Like Monday. Oh my God! Happy yeah, birthday! Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I woke up Monday. I woke up Tuesday, and I went, and I'd been we drank and went to uh, um, uh, Tokyo Delves. What's that? It's so fucking fun. It's just a, it's like imagine if. Uh, Imagine if you went to the very first Fridays, like right when they were singing and they were chanting and they yeah, were everybody was into it. Yeah, but it was but and that's Tokyo Delves is when it's packed, it's chaos. People are on tables, they're making you dance, they're pouring you shots, you're doing body shots. They're, it's amazing. That's how. However, awesome. when it's empty, it's even more fun. And we were the only people in there: me, my two kids, my wife, my two sisters, my cousin, and my brother-in-law. Oh, that's awesome! And we ran the place and we were singing karaoke as much as we wanted and my kids were singing karaoke oh, we did stocky awesome. bombs and my kids were videotaping us <laughs> with bombs. it was so much fun did you have the most fun family ever it was so much fucking fun but I woke up the next day and I was like I was like I was like I don't feel I feel like kind of hungover but not really but I bet I could sleep more and then I was like whoa that's that mindset determines your day 
buddy. And I was like, get the fuck up and write. Yeah. So I, I go, you're 42. What, are you going to fucking wait forever? Get the fuck up and go write. And I got up. I walked to the breakfast table. I poured a cup, a cup of coffee, and I just started writing. And my, the best. And my wife was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm writing jokes. She's like, why? And I was like, because I'm a goddamn comic, and that's what I should be doing with my fucking life. Yeah. So I wrote for like 30 minutes, made the girls lunch for their thing, walked them to school, walked them back, got on the treadmill, bought some shit for the podcast. I was like, I'm focusing on me this year. That's I'm going to awesome. be more creative. I'm going to have so many more outlets. And this is just a little byproduct of it. it That's is, awesome. It's fucking put up the vi video. Let it yes. go online. Let people... Everyone's always like, what's the man cave look like? Well, this is what it fucking looks like. Dude, it's the coolest room ever. It's not a bad room. It's, oh, it's awesome. It's the reason we're going to this shit out forever. It's the greatest. The house sucks. I'll walk you through the house. You'll be like, dude, well, what, first off, I love your neighborhood because it feels like yeah, a neighborhood. It's a great neighborhood. It feels like America. Like, it feels awesome. I'm like, am I still in L.A.? I, I, see, I feel the happiness. Uh, one of the jokes I've been writing is, this is one of the rare, this feels like a home. You can feel the love and connection here. Yeah. Even in L.A., you go up to these people. They have millions of dollars. You walk into their house, and they go, it's a nice place, isn't it? You go, yeah, it's a place. It's not a home. Yeah. And there's a difference. Oh. I've been in mansions, but it's like, who the fuck wants to live there? This place feels like a spaceship. There's, this is the way I think a house should be. There should be kids' art on the refrigerator. There should be a pi either a pile of dog shit or something. somebody just cleaned up dog puke right yeah. there. Toys everywhere, homework, screaming, laughing, chaos, phones ringing. Every day should be like that scene of Mr. Mom when the, at the fucking end. Yeah. It should have that kind of energy. That's a home. This city doesn't have that. This neighborhood has it. This place has this it. This is awesome. Home. There's dogs sitting in our yard right now. The Dude, you have a trampoline. You have yeah. pools. You have multiple grills. This is the coolest place this, ever. This is a home. Like, I always, I always, um, I, I used to be fascinated, like, when you'd, and I thought about this yesterday, or two, yesterday I was driving down uh, Crescent Heights. Mm -hmm. I remember I went, I met this chick, and we kind of, like, hit it off and we went back to her house I think we'd met on a hike and then I said you know we should go on a hike me and you yeah. she's like great and we went to her place and her, pl her place smelled uh, didn't smell real it didn't smell like a human hmm. like Mike if you go into my house it smells like a family yeah. it smells like bacon the best. and like like cookies it smells like a Dude, I almost think joy leaves off its own scent you can feel it it's tangible do you remember when you were a kid you go to people's houses and it smelled weird you're like the best is this is what your house smells like yes was what I, I remember trick-or-treating and being like oh fuck these people either drop it in the bag I'm not walking in your house I dated a chick I dated a chick and I, we, I hooked up with her the first night and she smelled reeked of baloney and I was like and I was like I remember thinking, who fucking eats bologna sandwiches before they go out? Like, in my head, I was like, she must have been, what like, kind of in, a, animal are in you? a hurry and just jammed some bologna. <laughs> so I, Eating over the sink yeah. real fast. And she was hot as fuck. So I was like, all right, never, not a big deal. I'm going to go. Uh, we'll hang out next night. I'm sure we'll be gone. Next night, she smells like bologna again. And I'm like, motherfucker, she must love bologna sandwiches. What was it? That night, I spent the night with her. Yeah. Uh, did not have sex with my night at her place. Woke up in the morning, like at 10. She's like, uh, I'm starving. And I was like, me too. She's like, what do you want? And I remember thinking, well, fuck, I might as well have a bologna sandwich. I've been smelling it for two days. Yeah. She was like, ooh, I don't have bologna. And I was like, you smell like what I smell bologna to be. And I did it for three years. 
That's <laughs> Dude, my buddy once dated a girl that was so dumb, he convinced her that baloney came from a flying baloney bird in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you can't let her know. Baloney oh. birds aren't real. Those were the funnest when you dated really dumb chicks, and you could just fucking have your way with them. And, yeah, I could and, never do it. Oh, it was the best. I dated a chick who one time asked me if the Concorde went the speed of sound at the speed of light. <laughs> no Make you think of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> She's like, does that mean they can't hear anything? And I go, no. They made, a, they made a plane where you're definitely the fucking world. She said that. Does that mean you can't hear anything? The worst part is she goes, well, how do they stop it then if it goes that fast? And for a second, I was like, how the fuck do they stop it? Like, I don't know how they stop planes. And then I was like, I was like, oh, wait, they don't need to they don't need to land at this speed of sound. They can fly like regular speed. Oh, that's so uh, awesome. Same chick I asked her uh, when I first moved to New York. She goes, um... Are the subways safe? And I was like, well, at the time, and this is what I told her. I go, at the time, it was Latin King's Initiation Week. Oh, my God. What they God. were doing is they were cutting people in the face with razor blades. They go, what time is it? You look at your watch, they cut you in the face with razor blades, and that was in Latin King's Initiation Week. But normally they're safe, but that was going on. And she oh looked at me God. dead serious, and she goes, why do I need to worry about getting initiated into a gang? I don't even want to be in. <laughs> oh, how did this woman? She must have been really hot to survive. She's so hot. She Isn't that weird? How hot. life, that nature balances itself out. Yeah, she was smart in. She was smart in dreams, like in like in like dream ways. Like, I don't know if I, I, I hope this is paying her compliments. I doubt she listens to this, but if anyone knows me, they know what I'm talking about. Um, she was, she was really. That's my wife. She was. Uh, she was undaunted in possibilities in life. Huh. Like, so, like, when I said I wanted to be a comic, she was like, you could do that. That's awesome. And the girl before that was smart as fuck, but when I told her I wanted to be a comic, she was like, oh, you're not, like, smart funny. You're dumb funny. Yeah. Like, you're, you're, you can't do that. You're not that kind of, like, very, very funny people are comics. You're, like, frat boy funny, but you're not, like, funny funny. Huh. And I was like, whoa, I'll never tell wow. anybody ever again. Yeah. And then when I told this girl, she was like, oh, you could totally be a comic. She's like, you're the funniest guy I know. You could do this. That's awesome. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. That's so cool. And, so, and she was like, you should move to New York. And I was like, I should. And it was like, she just didn't, like, there were things that she did not, she was very simple in certain ways. But simple in a genius way that, like, a lot of people didn't have that. That's true. Didn't have that ability to kind of just look at life and go, oh, yeah, why can't I do anything? Right. It's tr There's a truth to that. Like, when people, I don't think you're smart if you think everything sucks, if all all you see is obstacles. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, you're kind of a moron then. Um, and sometimes the simplest people have more figured out than we do. Like, I... I I kind of think like I had more figured out when I was four than I do now. And then I'm like, no, wait, get back to that point where everything is possible. Everything is exciting. Everything is, is, can, you can make it happen. I, I had a problem working with people in production whose instinctual response was no because. Because you get no. into production, you go, here's the deal. We're going into this canyon. What we need to do is, and they're like, no, 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 hold on. Because they were yeah. so conditioned yeah. to tell you why things wouldn't work because that's how they'd seen the business come out. As opposed to great production companies go, great producers, mm -hmm. not produ like great producers go, yeah, why not? Yeah. Like, I, I'll say this I'll say this now. Um, 
the producer I have on my show, director, EEP, EP, co-EP, whatever he is, named yeah. Paul Baldwin. He's on Trip Flip. He is the most refreshing dude to work with because he sees He's the most optimistic person in the That's world. It. He sees everything as a possibility. That's awesome. Almost to a fall. Like, he'll literally be like, why can't we shoot 25 hours in one day? Like, <laughs> because there's only 24. And he'd be like, but I bet we could do it. Like, he's really one of those guys that's like, before, people would just, and, not, and I'm not talking about anyone specifically, but there are people that you just, that you'd work with, and they'd be like, no, 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 that'll never work. That'll yeah. never work. The network would never let us do this. Right. Paul's this guy that's like, why not? That's awesome. Like, and I love people like that. I love Me people too. that see that. And that's the way this business is, is that, like, I don't know, you don't know who's listening to your CD right now. No. It's a beautiful thing about it's this. cool. You don't know who's, I don't know who's listening to this podcast. Let's look at it this way. Matthew Modine, uh, I, I, I had a dream about him, and I tweeted that I had a dream that me, him, and Jason Ellis, and uh, Brad Gerlach were riding motorcycles. <laughs> that's awesome. So I tweeted it. I just tweeted it. That's what, I, don't, I didn't think any of them were going to see it. Matthew Modine then responded and was like, was like, uh, who? What? How did this get involved? Then he Googled some of my comedy and thought I was funny. Maybe Matthew Modine's listening to this. Maybe Matthew Modine's doing a movie about Philadelphia. Yes, you know. You never know the you possibilities know. of this business. And he's like, this guy's accent's great. You never, you never know. know. Like I, I, that's one of the things that I, uh, I loved about the Farrelly brothers. I remember because I, 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 I was the original comedy nerd. Yeah. Like I wouldn't just watch films. I'd read, try to figure out everything. I, I mean, I was thirteen. And I knew Bill Murray's guy was Ernie Banks. You know what I yeah. mean? I was that kind of kid. But I remember reading an article about the Fairley Brothers casting um, There's Something About Mary. And that, to me, that was the role that made Ben Stiller. Because he had been given shots up until then. I loved his TV show. Oh, yeah, that I was, was the role that fan. made Ben Stiller. But that's what took him to – I mean, that I think was – at the time of its release, before The Hangover, that was the number one R-rated comedy of all time. Oh, I remember my dad. I thought my dad was going to die. Yeah, my parents so went out on a double date with other parents, like other grown-ups, came back. I said, buddy, you got to see this. My dad was like, wanted to drive me back to the movie theater to see it. Your dad's got a great sense of humor. The best. Always up for laughs. Um, and I, you know that expression, rolling in the aisles? Yeah. That literally happened to me. I fell out of my chair and I was rolling in the aisle with the hair gel scene. My dad crippled me. My dad in that scene fucking was literally. And what makes it better is my dad loves. If my dad has the most insane laugh. Oh, that's my like dad. it's like me. It's like just I. I have the same. Like I just go. It's the best. It's the best. And my dad fucking fell apart in that. <laughs> the greatest. But they were talking about like you said. You know who's listening to and. The Fairley Brothers talked about casting that movie. They couldn't find anybody. And I forget how they stumbled upon Ben Stiller, how that worked out. But I remember Peter Fairley's quote was, uh, sometimes you just got to let God do his his job. God, yeah. the universe, whatever. Who knows how things are going to work you out. Go to church? Yeah. Catholic? Yeah. You go every Sunday? Yeah. Where? Uh, I go to St. Cyril's in Encino. Yeah. And sometimes St. Monica's if I'm on that side. Because my girlfriend just moved from Marina Del Rey to Sherman Oaks. Really? Mm. You do confession and stuff? Yep. Really? And I was afraid of it for years, like petrified, because oh. I thought I had to be perfect or whatever, and now I just go in and just dump it off. I feel great. I'm like, fresh start. Let's I go. Haven't gone to, I haven't gone to confession in forever. I tried to do confession in the Vatican, but all they had were Italian people speaking people, and I was like, nah. Dude, I'll, I'll go with you. 
I might be my virgin forever. My one buddy, I brought him to confession. It had been like over 20 years. It's been probably 20 years a month since yeah. I left confession. It's the best. I went to confession in, uh, in, uh, in, we used to do, there was a cardinal that would come to school wow. once, once a month and, uh, he would hear confessions and you could confess to the cardinal. That was like, you're fucking. <laughs> that, that, that's so awesome. The bell rings as soon as you said that. I was supposed to, oh, fucking shit. I need an assistant. I need someone to streamline my life. Bro, I need a part-time job. Bro, get to it. God. <laughs> so wait, so are you what? eating my snacks? So I think we just wrote a hit comedy. Where are we at? Okay, we should, I'll probably wrap it up. I've, I've fucking... I have so much goddamn shit to do today. What? Uh, let's talk about your CD. So your CD came out Monday? Yesterday. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, the 4th. It's Wednesday. I'm going to release this Friday. Yes. And uh, I'm, tonight I'm releasing Tom Segura. Nice. Uh, and then Friday will be you. That's and, incredible. Uh, and how's it, how's it been received? Uh, it's so well. It's Yeah. It's... I don't just not just the fact you feel that weird. Yeah, when I saw all the comedians that sent out a tweet for me, like that validation from your peers. I hate the way they do that, by the way. Only because you go everyone at one thirty do that, and I go one thirty. I just got your email now. Why can't I do it right fucking now? Yeah, whenever I gotta tell like that because I got the I got an email about like all things hey, comedy. Yeah, yeah. Just give you a hint, like, uh, and I was like, oh, I'm having Steve on my podcast tomorrow. I'll just do it tomorrow. That's awesome. Um. But, like, Rogan sent out a tweet. Oh. Dalia sent out a tweet. Renazizi. Like, all these people. Ralphie May, Neil Brennan. I mean, these are the best comedians in the world. Uh, you're, you're, you have a reputation of being a guy everyone likes. Like, wow. that's a, it's a, there's very few people that, let's see, how do I tweet? I wonder if I can tweet. How do I tweet your a link to your, let's see. It's interesting the way you spell your last name. Yeah. With the middle E. Yeah, it's Simone, though, right? Yeah, that's how we pronounce it. But when I was doing that show, uh, tour for the military when we went through Italy, it was great because the guys were like, ah, Simeone. When they oh, is that how you normally tour. say it? That's how they say it in Italy. But we say Simone. Irish, Italian, silly so, kid. This is your podcast. Um, fucking shit. Fucking... All right, let me go back. What's the name of your album again? Remember this. Remember, remember. People are like, this is a fascinating podcast. How do you like doing your podcast? I love it. Do you? I know you're super busy, but I would love to get I'd you I'd love on to have you on. I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it. It's, it's so much fun. Here we go. Now I can tweet a link to this. Thank you so much for having me on here, and thank you for <laughs> no, don't showing a little it. Twitter love. That's awesome. Fucker. How come I can't? I can do it on my phone and send it do you to have you. A, do you have a link? Yeah, I'll send it just, to you. Just tweet me. A, just text me a link and I'll tweet it. Okay. Um, because uh, yeah, I it's it's you're you're so. I remember the first time I saw you do stand up. Do you remember? No. Did yeah, you yeah. saw me do stand up. Yeah, we were in the back. It was at I the improv to, that yeah, time. It was, yeah, it was the improv. Yeah. And I was like, who? I go, who the fuck is this? I think I was with Segura and Ari. Yeah. And they were like, oh, you don't know Steve? And I go. 
I think I do. And they're like, oh, he's a fucking beast. Dude, I got so nervous shaking your hands. <laughs> Could you tell? I'm like, oh, my God. I have such a fan. No, no, no. And and, and then I and remember then that. I just, your name kept coming up over and over and over again. And then I got a thing, and I was like, in my head, I was like, and this is the way I think life should work. Because I go, I should just reach out to him and see if he wants to be on the podcast to help promote your CD. Yeah, but more importantly, amazing. to get to know each other and hang out so that... Like, if I if there's fucking dates open or I would, whatever. Yeah, that's awesome. But I remember Byrne telling me stories about you. And then I guess Run Is Easy did your podcast like a year ago or whatever or something. You guys yeah. were hanging out. And he was like, dude, you got it. He was like, I know you two guys are so similar. We're, we are very similar dudes. We're, yeah. bo- we're both very um, sensitive guys. And we're both yeah. very positive. I think that I don't think that there's – I don't – I always try to say – like, I look at everyone forming opinions these days and then throwing their opinions out on the Internet, and I go, yeah. so interesting. I really put some thought into my opinions first, at least a little bit before I put them out, because I don't want to hurt yeah. people's feelings. Yeah, and then here's the other thing, too. Uh, I want my opinions to change. As I get more yeah. information, I hate how people are like, oh, you're wishy-washy. This. I'm like, no, I, I, I know I don't know it all. Yeah. And what I'm noticing is that society's getting broken apart where it's like, you think like me or you're an asshole. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Number one, I appreciate all different points of view. That's why, like, I don't, I'm not politics at all. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't have fuck? any fucking view no. on politics. Where I'm like, wait, you might know something I don't know. You said it earlier on this podcast. You can learn from everybody. Yeah. So I might think something now, but then I might hang out with you and go, fuck, you're right. Yeah. Or even better, where somebody shares their opinion, I go, thank you for sharing that. But I feel differently. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. What's wrong with people? Or that I don't want everybody to think like me. Like, How boring would love, life be? One of the things I love about Byrne is Byrne loves confrontation. Yes. And I, I can't stand confrontation, but he, he loves fucking it. thrives on it. And I love watching him get like that. Oh, and I love his comedy because of that. Yeah. I, I, he's, he's one of the first people. I've known Steve for a very long time, but he's one of the first people that I genuinely, as an adult, decided to be. I was like, I was like. I need to be better friends with him. Yeah, he's awesome. And I and and he introduced me to Ernst, Sebastian, Renazizi, Mike Young, Ari. Yeah, it's a great he, crew. He introduced me to everyone technically by uh, by do, we used to do softball. I know. I've heard about that. It was fucking so jealous. I didn't get I'm probably working as a telemarketer at a gym or making pizzas while you guys are out playing softball. <laughs> it's so many awful jobs. Out What's there. your five year goal? What's your goal? Well, now that the CD's out there, I, I want to keep on doing comedy, but my goal is to write a movie that one day kids will talk about it the way we're talking about Stripes. Dude, I'm putting that in my goals. We should we should write a movie together. I, I don't know that. why people don't do that. What we should do, me and you should go out. I'm home all November. Okay. Um, Let's go out and get coffee or we'll go get uh, dinner or something. I would love that. And, and we'll sit together and we'll come up with ideas for a movie that we could write together, and then while we're gone on the road and back Work and forth, yeah. we'll just send it back and forth, and then see if we can sell a fucking movie. Yeah, I would love that. And I have a, a first draft of a script, and I would just love to get your comedic insight on it. I think I have the story down. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. And that's what I want to do. I want to make movies. And I don't know how to direct. I'm fascinated with acting. I was in acting class with this guy, Bill Howie. That was Sam Kinison's acting coach. Yeah. So he, he would tell me old school stories of the store. He's still the go-to comedy guy in town. Like, meaning he can he loves comedians stand-up so much. He's an expert at turning a stand-up comedian into a dramatic actor. Um. But I love that process so much. I had so much fun with that. I would like to do some acting. And 
God damn, I'm loving stand-up again because now this material is kind of retired. Oh, it's And I'm great. on stage just connecting with the moment. And so I want to do stand-up, write movies, maybe do some acting, uh, get married, have kids. Ultimately, yeah, that's it. Get married, have kids. It's not a bad goal. Yeah. And I think that can all happen. I think it's all doable. Yeah. I think it's all doable. Steve, thank you for doing this, Steve, man. thank you so much. I really this is the best. This has been a blast. Guys, get a CD. It's on iTunes. It's called Remember This. Download his podcast. It's called Good, Good Times. Times. And uh, and hopefully I'll get to, I'll be, like I said, I'm all around. I'm only gone like like two days in November. Next weekend, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then I come home Sunday. Awesome. So, and I'm home all then, and then I'm home most of December. Well, I, I'm in Asia in all, most oh. of December. So, cool. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's actually pretty cool. You have the best life ever. Uh, I'm not going to fucking deny that. I really have a pretty great life. If I could just take my kids with me, that would be better. But, yeah. But you know what? They're, they're not that interesting. All right. This episode was brought to you by The Machine. Hey guys, go to BurtBurtBurt.com. I got all new BurtCast gear. I got a new BurtCast shirt. I got a new BurtCast coffee mug. I've always got the machine shirts, the Murdered Out Machine shirts, and my book, Life of the Party. You can also check out my tour date, namely... January 30th, I will be in Tampa, Florida for an 11 a.m., 12 p.m. early morning call-in sick-to-work show. I will do Cowhead, I will, or Michael Calta, whatever you want to call this fucking guy these days. I will do Cowhead show, and I will head directly to the club with a little bit of a buzz on. So call-in sick-to-work, start your Gasparilla right, and we will party Friday. And then I think Cowhead and I are getting afloat. I'm not really sure how that works. Um, today's guest is someone I'm really excited to talk to uh, as an FSU alumni and a guy in general. She is the original FSU cowgirl. She is a TV host. She is a stand-up comedian and also the recipient of an infamous dick pic. Today's guest, Jen Sturger. You grab that mic. You can hold it like this or you can just talk into it like that. It's easier to hold sometimes, I feel like. Because Joey Diaz is the only one I don't let. I just have. Hello? Hello? Oh, I think this is in the other ear. Okay. Talking that? Hello, hello? Yeah, our levels sound, I mean, almost professional. I mean, quite we honestly. Are, we're perfection, let's be real. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> uh, in the, I'm going to change this. I'm going to make this totally different this time because I'm so tired of fucking editing my podcast. In the man cave is Jen Sturger. Jen I feel is, honored just to be here. Uh, you're going to be honest with you. I told my buddy Eric Grusin that I was interviewing you, and he literally had a million questions. Oh, and God. If, he, if he wasn't in Mammoth right now skiing, he would be all over this. He'd the be, first five were all about boobs, right? No. No, actually, uh, none of them were about boobs. Or 40-year-old <laughs> penis. Those are the two that I normally 40-year-old penis was definitely what he Googled first. <laughs> That's, by the way, that, so unimpressive. If I had that, I would never text that to fucking anybody. Exactly. Oh, I mean, here's the thing. I, that's where I learned not to text your dick to people. That's when you That's when you just hand your phone off to the black dude in the locker room like, handle this for me. Hey, yeah, can you take one? <laughs> Do me a favor. How many of us are you 
a picture of your junk? No, I uh, I, I used to text it. I used to be good friends with a uh, guy named Jay Moore. Yeah. And I used to text my dick to Jay nonstop. <laughs> Like not like I mean it was like my favorite thing to do. I only texted it to dude. He'd wake Tom, up and get a get a dick. Him and Tom Segura, I would text my dick to all the time. And then, uh, and then I think that was like the the beginning of finding out. I would never text it to a girl. Who in their fucking right minds does that, thinking that's fucking acceptable? What's even better is a girl that you've never met. Think of it that way. Like, how is that your, like, opener? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I don't. It's not like, uh, hey, let's meet up. Hey, let's get a drink. Uh, hey, want to see what I'm working with? Like, just remove all mystery from, like, get-go. It's like, it's like you, that's, that picture exclusively is like a, is like if Cameron did the next cover of his album and he was in front of a uh, fucking ca- uh, Corolla. Oh, my like, God. It, like, it was just not, it's not, I, Eric Cruzen is responsible for me. Because oddly enough, I, I'm going to tell you this. I didn't know that was I didn't know that was you. Oh really? I had no idea. Oh, I, thank I knew God. you were I knew who you were from Florida State. Oh I had yeah. no clue that was you. I didn't I, I it was one of those things where I was like People usually know me from, from one of two things, you know, either my college experience or that. I would much rather them know me from Florida State, but um that's yeah. one that ages us both. <laughs> and then the fact uh, that I still go on state number one party animal in the country, I the fact that it that is it brought up in my life, I we have a we have a number of interesting connections. Uh, like that, I that hopefully we haven't had sex with the same people. <laughs> not, I doubt it. I thought my number is like six, and my wife's two of them. The uh, no, but uh, no, that but I didn't know that was you. And and then what's interesting is I remember is oddly enough, and Eric's losing his mind right now. He was like, "Do you think you'll bring that up?" And I was like, "No." Because honestly, because I know what it's like to not want to be associated with something for the rest of your life. Uh, it sucks. But, you know, I, I've come up with a very interesting way of dealing with it now. And that is I'm just, you know, full, like full disclosure, everything. I went and I actually taught a class on it. Not on like, on, they're like, yeah, no, on, on sports media. I, was, I, I taught a oh, class yeah. sport, called sports media at the University of Florida for, I just came in as like a guest lecturer slash like, you know, whatever. They interviewed me and I was like, look. Nothing is off limits. I'll be completely honest with you guys about everything, you know, from start to finish, whatever you – literally, figuratively, whatever. Um, and I'll just answer everything that you want to know because – and one guy was like, so what's the best way to get into sports broadcasting? And I was like, just don't download Snapchat. That's the only yeah. thing I can yeah. recommend, you know? It's, 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 there's so many things that – and especially the, that – tier of human being like there's white privilege then there's then there's pro athlete privilege oh my god yeah where you believe where it's just it's narcissism at its finest you know what i mean um dr drew wrote a really great book about it and i was just like reading through it when i was going through everything in 2010 um and just like how a lot of celebrities have that whole narcissism thing where they just can get away with anything until like some superior power comes along and is like no you're screwed but when the superior power is roger goodell (laughs) You know, whatever. Did Nothing's you, ever going to be. Did you have to deal with him? Oh, my God, yes. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. I actually, I had to sit down in a meeting with him, and um, he had on more makeup than I did. Really? Yeah, it was he's so awkward. That, he's got that creepy old plantation gay. Yeah. That, like, that, like <laughs> he's, he, he strikes me as a guy, like, do you remember the, the last Boy Scout with Bruce Willis? Yeah. Do you remember that uh, governor that would take women, tie them up, and beat them? Yeah. No, I'm not saying that Robert Goodell does that, but I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Look. I wouldn't be shocked if he did. <laughs> Um, he, I made him so angry, uh, with this one comment that I made, because in case you haven't figured it out, I'm wildly inappropriate and, um, and just very blunt and like one of the guys. So 
you know, it wasn't even necessarily the stuff that I went through in 2008 that sucked. It was when everyone found out about it and passed judgment on me without knowing the whole story. Yeah. That hurt way more, especially when it was, like, people that I respected, like, my peers in the industry. Because I had my own show at the time. Yeah. Like, I was on the air. Like, I was working in sports. And, um, like, seeing guys like uh, Florio and, like, you know, NFL announcers that I'd worked with before making judgments on my character. I'm like, how can you say that to me and then run into me somewhere and be nice to me? Like, you're so yeah. full of crap. Like, let's not talk out of both sides of our mouth just for the sake of your ratings or for, like, you protecting the shield. Because that's what the whole thing was about, you know. I don't make the NFL money. I didn't make the NFL money then. So they had no reason to protect me. And um, Roger Goodell made some comment. I was like, I basically said, you're not going to uh, – I was like – He's like, it doesn't matter what I tell you or if I cooperate because it's going to remain the same. He's like, are you saying I, I can't do anything? I'm like, I'm not saying you can't do anything. I'm saying you won't do anything. Yeah. Well, you, what you said is so brilliant because it is very true. I go back to the – I'll take it back one step. And what you said, uh, you don't make the NFL any money. No. And that is look at comedy clubs, which you're dealing with now. You yeah. just, I mean, if, if you don't – I mean, and I love, I love all the clubs I work at. But when the comedy store had that beef with Carlos Mencia and Joe Rogan, Carlos Mencia was making the money, and Joe at the time was the guy from Fear, he wasn't he, he wasn't was the guy from Fear Factor. He, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't uh, the mind of Mencia. He wasn't where they thought, and so they picked Carlos. Horrific call. Yeah. But they picked Carlos, and they said, "Sorry, Joe." And the agent said the same thing. Manager said, not Joe's manager, but like they did, that's what everyone did. They went to where the money was, and it was the wrong fucking call. And at the time, Brett Favre was this dude yeah. that was just like, I mean, he was, I, I, was with, I was in love with the guy up until that point. Like, I was, because I was, I, he had a drug addiction, so I connected with him. Yeah, exactly. I was like, that party. Well, people want to see that you're flawed, and you know, like, that's why I think stand-up has been so good to me in the little time that I've been doing it is, I love talking about how fucked up I am because I'm just like, look, we all have our stuff to deal with, you know, and the fact that I get to deal with it on stage now, I feel like, and, and I get to keep my clothes on while I do it, it's just something I never thought I'd have the opportunity to do, but I always wanted to do it, you know? Yeah. Well, the, one of the first thing, I'm going back to Eric Gruzin one more time, and he was like, uh, I don't know. Eric's like, like, I got so many mentions in this. Eric's going to, I guarantee we listen to this on the ride back from Mammoth, and he will be like, oh, call on me now every five seconds. The, Aww. um... He's not that good looking. Um, but uh, one of the things I said was, I was like, well, she's in a comedy. She's there. The you, you, there's no you can't horse shit around with comedy. You can't lie on stage. You can't go up there and go go. Um, there's I, I I'm a different person. I'm a I'm a no. The audience smells it. They smell the bullshit. And you know, one of the things that I was learning really early on was, I thought I had to make people like me when I went on stage and. Then I fell into this whole kind of like with the roast battle at the comedy store. I fell into this kind of roast world, and I found out that I was really good at being a jerk. Yeah. And but being a funny jerk, you know, like almost likable. Um. And so once I started like tailoring my act more to that, and just my natural no BS East Coast kind of voice, like I started like really settling in, and so my shows have been a lot better ever since I stopped caring. It's. Uh, well, once you stop caring, it's so freeing. And then some some people find their voice quickly. Some people, it's thrust upon. Like some people, like I, I got, I, I, I don't know. I think it comes natural to some people, and I don't think it comes natural to some people. Yeah. And I, and I, you said something very interesting, and I don't know if it was on TMZ or if it was on something. It was one of the things that Eric brought up is like, I don't, do you talk about 
the Brett Favre Dick situation. On stage. And you were like, no, I don't. I kind of want to move past that. The fucking smartest thing in the world because, like, what – you do not want to Everyone be the person. Everyone else making dick jokes, first of all. Like, yeah. I feel like it's just so blasé. And granted, I did make one yesterday. Because um, if I could ever tie dicks and sports together on Twitter, it's just retweet gold. Yeah, uh, it's kind of sh- yeah, shameless. You know what I mean? I'm like, whatever. Um, but I was stuck at home, sick, and just, you know, making dick jokes from the comfort of my own home yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but I won't do it on stage. I just don't. Well, it's 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 it's, it's just so much other material. Yeah. When I started stand up, so I, I want to, I'd like to backtrack if I could. Whatever. This I want to go to. The, I want to go to. Well, I, what I find fascinating, what I've always found fascinating about you, is that we come from the same cut of cloth. Florida kids who went to Florida State, who found fame at Florida State, yeah. and then moved into the entertainment business, and. I I call it white trash glory. Yeah. <laughs> It, it it really that's is. That's why I love this cave. I'm like, holy crap! How can I make one of these? Oh yeah, this thing, this thing. I couldn't afford this thing. They uh, DIY Networks built it for me. Oh, it's so sweet. Yeah, it's it's the best thing that happened to me, including my family. Like, <laughs> the only reason we're not getting rid of this shit house is because of this goddamn man cave. Like, you have to have this in your life. I like it's got like double security electric locks. Like no one is getting into this shit. <laughs> I got knives everywhere. I got a machete. I, I'm I'm literally I'm. It's like my uh, Howard Hughes room. Like, if I didn't know any better, I would wonder if I was doing a podcast or coming under the set of Deliverance, like yeah. the technology. <laughs> it's got, There's just a lot of weapons around, but I dig it. I really dig it. Yeah, it's uh, it's got – I love I, – I set it up because in a weird way it's a representation of all the shit I'm not. Because I don't really have the kind of money that would build this man cave. And I don't really have the kind of taste that would put up – you know, all the pe- albums are the albums I like, but they were put up by the man cave people. But, but your inner white trash soul goes, oh, yeah, if I had class and taste, I would have done this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> then I've got the my adventurer's corner. I've got my scuba gear, my climbing gear, my motorcycle gloves. Love it. My Puerto Rican, uh, I think it's kind of like, I don't know. Someone's, but, like, I, it's, it is a – it is. Do you wear that out in public? The mask? Yes. Yeah. I, we were in Puerto Rico. During and, sex. And I thought it was so inappropriate because it looks racist. And they were, it looks so inappropriate that I fucking bought three of them. I was like, give them to all my friends. I need all of these. These are my Christmas gifts. <laughs> um, but you went to Florida. You grew up in Miami? I was born in Miami, raised in Tampa. You were raised in Tampa? Yeah. Where did you go to high school? Gaither. Shut so the I was the Gaither up. Cowboys, which is where, okay, so there was this really hot mom, um, Josie's mom. I don't even remember her name, but we called her Josie's mom. And Josie's mom would come to all the football games. Is that the, same, that's with the like, song, Josie's mom? No, that's Stacy's mom. Stacey. And that's my sister's name. So everyone was always like, and my mom's super hot. So when that song came out, I was just tormented relentlessly. I think your mom is super hot. My mom is smoking hot. Where did you guys, where'd you guys live? Like North Tampa? Lutz. We live right near Jeter. Dude, I live well, in Lutz. old Jeter. I grew up in Lutz. Really? I grew up in Lutz. I grew up on... Uh, All 500 of us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I always make this joke, but when we moved into Lutz, I moved in like like 80s, in the 80s. Oh, there wasn't anything out there. There was nothing. There was a Circle K. That was it. Did All your house Florida. have wheels underneath it? Be real. Nope. Oh, nope. really? We were in the one of the few... It's You know where Avila is? Yeah. We're right. We're Avila adjacent. We're on that on the lake. Our yeah. lake shares a lake with Avila. I was right by... the. just north of there. It was a, it was a newer subdivision. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess you probably can't say the name. I was about to say the name of my parents' subdivision. I was like, that's probably a bad that's idea. Probably a bad idea. Yeah. But um, yeah, we grew up out there, and uh, and then I went to Jesuit. Sweet. And then you went to Gaither, and I would have gone to Gaither because that's where I would. Yeah, that's where your zoning. Yeah. Yeah. But I um, my parents actually 
we lived right by Gaither, like right behind like the checkers and stuff that was, like I said, white trash roots. Um, right behind like the checkers and the Texaco and stuff. Right off Del Mabry? Right off Del Mabry, yeah. And so we moved out of there because um, my dad had a better job at the time, and so he built a house up in Lutz to get us out of that neighborhood. Are you Jewish? Just, no. Okay. I took the Jew out of my nose a long time ago. <laughs> Um, I'm very honest about that too. You yeah. know, like if people people are like, she did something to her face. I'm like, what haven't I done to my face? Like, Wait, what? you know? Oh, you get a nose job? Yeah. Well, I got a nose job because I actually took a softball to the face in eighth grade, and my mom and dad were like, no, it's fine, it's fine. Oh, yeah. Um, and then when I got the money to replace it, I did. You know, yeah. I've paid for all my plastic surgery. Like my parents never bought me any of that crap. Um, in fact, they mocked me when I would be in my recovery processes. Like, Really? Yeah. One of my favorite stories is when I actually got my nose surgery. Um, I was dating a guy at the time. He's the only professional athlete I've ever dated, and he played for Tampa. And he was like, you got to watch me. I'm the Bucks? No. you got to watch me. I'm going to pitch against – I'm pitching uh. against Boston. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, it was the day of my surgery that he was pitching against Boston, so I, like, drug myself out of bed. I dragged myself out of bed and, like, was laying on the couch with my mom, like, all doped up on drugs. My mom said that I started petting her arm, and I looked up at her, and I go, you're not Vegas? Like, I didn't even know where I was. I thought she was my cat. Like, so needless to say, I have no idea if he pitched well or not that day. Um so, so wait, so you go to Gaither and then, uh... I went to USF because my parents didn't trust me to go away to, to college at first, and they were absolutely right in that assumption. Yeah. <laughs> because look what I did in the two years I was at Florida State. Um, I tore that town up. I don't know how I did not get arrested in college. I have the same Where I'm just like, how did I never end up in, dr in jail, the drunk tank, like, nothing, you it know? Was, it, was such a, it was such a user-friendly town. Yeah, it, it was, still it was, is. It's a town with bumpers. It still is though. I went back for the uh, for the Florida game this year, and I haven't seen that town since 2006. Didn't even recognize it, you know. Yeah, I, someone I, someone told me about it. They built this whole college town thing, which is basically like South Beach for college kids, right across the street from the stadium. So it's super convenient. So wait, wait. So like right across the street from the stadium. Meaning where all the warehouses and yeah. apartments were, those are all gone. Now they're like high rise, like amazing just, just, just north of the stadium. Meaning mm, like uh, no, like what's, what's off campus, like off of. Oh, over! Oh, I know what you're talking about. Right over where the cowhouse used to be. Right by late night library, right across from where yeah, the library. Yeah, okay, used I know that. Yeah, I know where that is. Yeah. So they built like a like a like South Beach clubs like, and stuff. Like there's clubs everywhere. I was like, damn, you kids don't know how good you had. Like I sound like God. the old person on campus. You guys don't know how good you have it. Blah blah blah. If you wanted to do, if like clubs, when I was in college, clubs meant you were doing coke and ecstasy. But if you wanted to do coke and ecstasy, you had to go to like downtown Tallahassee. There was that club. I, I, I was like, I forget the name of it. I want to call my buddies right now. But like there was like one club. Uh, downtown, you know, like like I didn't really party that hard like that. Uh, I didn't go that hard in college. Neither than I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you want, you did something, bro. I couldn't be I couldn't be trashing that thing any more than it already was. Ours was Yanni's. Uh, it would have ended up back on the table. Yeah. Like that's how broken my nose was. <laughs> and then it just <laughs> exactly. jumped right back out. Exactly. Um, no, ours was Yanni's, Ken's, uh, like the Tennessee Strip. Yeah. That's where. Um, I came into the I came into Tallahassee during the. I closed down Late Night Library. Yeah. Um, I bartended at, like, Baja's, and I bartended at Elements. I'm pretty sure I'm they're all those. called different things now. Yeah. Exactly. 
Um, but like, I just, I was so blown away with what that town is like now. Yeah. It's, I, I haven't been back. I haven't been back since I graduated. But don't get me wrong, that town's still warm. Like, I went there for two days, and I was like, I woke up like Zach Galifianakis on, on, on Sunday. Like, didn't know where my pants were. Like, completely, like, my body hurt from head to toe. Like, my ears hurt. I was like, how am I this hungover? No. I'm like, I didn't even, I don't think I took in a thousand calories that weekend that wasn't in beef. And I, that's something I just don't do, you So when know? you go back, do you go back with friends? Do you meet up with people? I met up with people. You know, I, that... That um that was my birthday weekend, and so I took a bunch of girlfriends up there that, like, I had done the whole cowgirling thing, or they had done it after me when I left, um, and we just kind well, of all met up together. So, so all I remember about the cowgirl thing is I was in New York, I want to say. I want to say it was, like, what was it, two, 2004? 2000, mm-hmm. I, 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 2005 was when 2005. I started. Mm-hmm. I just had kids. I had just grown up. And my buddy Keith Street texted me. He's like, holy He's like, you picked shit. the wrong time to grow up, He's dude. like, you got to come back. Look at the talent at Florida State. And I was like, I was like, I have kid. I'm grown up. I can't go back now. I don't. And, I, and it's like. But I, you make a very strong argument. And I saw the picture and I was like, holy shit, man. And then, then it was like all over. I mean, it blew up. And it was. You know why I think it happened, though, is because I was really active on the message boards. Like, I participated in people knowing who I was. You know what I mean? And I made myself really approachable and likable online because that's just who I am. Yeah. You know, like, really honest and blunt and inappropriate. And none of the other girls really did that. And so, like, people didn't know them beyond the pictures. But, like, I got known as having a, a personality, too. So, wait, how did that How did that whole thing? Because I was definitely the ugliest one out of all of us. Let's be real. Like, no. <laughs> No, there's yeah. one. That, there's one that that Eric Grusin could argue didn't belong in the lineup. <laughs> um, but now wait, how did that start? How did you? How did that? Sheer dumb luck. Like, like walk me through it. Like people always go, how did you get voted the number one party animal in the country? I go, fucking the guy called five people. The five people were head of scalp hunters, head of lambda chi, head of ATO, head of KA, and the president of the school. I knew all five of them and partied all five of them at the, that night before, so they all said my name. Yeah, and you were fresh in their memory. And I was just, and, it, and they all, and half of them thought I was prank calling them. Because <laughs> I partied them into the ground that night, and everyone was like, oh, bird party's hard. The guy called me, I was taking a bong hit, and... As I answered the... You're like, do you need references? I have a couple. Yeah, I, I exhaled and he goes, this is fucking perfect. So people always ask that and I go, that's the simplest. There's no real fucking, like, there's no real, like, I didn't win a contest. But, like, I always wondered, how did that happen? Like, what, like, were you guys doing that every game and then no. it got discovered? Or did it happen one time? And I know Brett Musburger had a lot to do. Yeah, that with, was huge. You know, um... And I'm still pissed now because, like, when Catherine Webb got discovered, they put, like, her Twitter handle, like, up on TV. Oh, I was like, man, if that had happened to me, I'd have blown up. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, no, it was it was just him making that comment. Uh, and just they kept coming back to us, you know. And they it's weird because they kind of did it this past Thanksgiving, too. They would keep coming back to us on TV and stuff. Um, and my friends were all making jokes. They're like, you're totally going to be on TV again. I was like, no, ESPN moved past me. <laughs> and they were like, no, I don't think they have. Because um, you can only show, J- show Jameis on the sidelines so many times uh, before you're just like, yeah. Um, that fucking guy. That guy. Everyone's always like, I can't cheer for your team because I hate your quarterback. I'm like. I hate my quarterback too, but I'm still gonna cheer for my team. Yeah. You know, like I, Poor kid. I I'm ready for him to move on. Guy. You know, he's he, he it's needs narcissism to move on. at its finest. He's not a dumb kid. Yeah. He's not dumb at all. Really? 
No, he's in like AP classes and stuff. Yeah, I don't believe that though. I do. Like, I, like, because I went to Florida State, and I remember, like, I, everyone's like, he's got a 4.0, and I'm like, hold on. Yeah. I, really? Yeah. Ta- you know Tom Segura? Mm-hmm. Tom Segura and I had a debate about him being, like, Forrest Gump. Like, <laughs> just being so fucking lucky to be in the wrong place, but at the right, and, yeah. and just get through life. But <clears throat> I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna pass judgment on the kid. I'm not him. I never yeah, had to deal with his shit. Exactly. I can't imagine what that microscope's like. It, and that, but but when you live in that microscope, you have to understand like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. That kind of thing. He you definitely know? does not see that. He doesn't get that no, at he all. Is, he's, he's like, why are people judging me? Because uh, <laughs> it's pretty easy at this point. <laughs> he's Superman, but his Superman didn't have the discreetness to ever be Clark Kent. Exactly. Like he's just doing shots in the case. Just exactly. <laughs> Watch this. X-ray vision. Light that fish up. Exactly. Oh, but I mean, I don't. I don't necessarily think everything went down at Florida State the way the media wants you to believe it did. Like having gone through a media shitstorm. I understand how the media twists things. So that was something start, that I, hold on, start. Take me to the media because I had, I, I, and this is by the way why I was so um, fascinated by your your trajectory because I had a media shitstorm happen to me. But I want to know. So you girls are at one game. Brett Mer- Musburger lights you guys up, yeah. and then all of a sudden, I, and I, your life changes. Yeah, it was pretty much overnight. You know, um, I like a month to put it in perspective. A month later, I'm posing for Playboy and Maxim within two weeks of each other. Holy shit! So okay, so you have to have tons of haters on campus. Absolutely. Oh. And what's funny is a lot of people think I they they didn't want to believe I went to school there because I would show up like this to class. Yeah. I didn't care. Yeah. You know, um, I was like, oh my god, you guys got ready. I slept in an extra hour and a half. <laughs> Jokes on you. You yeah. know, I just didn't care. Um, uh, so, like, people didn't think I went to school there, and then I actually had one girl in one of my classes not realizing that I was in the class make a comment about the girl at the football games, um, basically saying that women that – because it was, like, at a time that a police officer – we were talking – it was a criminal justice class. We were talking about how a police officer um, had gotten thrown off the co- uh, off the um, the squad or whatever because she had posed for Playboy. And I was just like, I think that's just such a dumb thing, you know, because I, she's like, she basically said that the girl in class was making judgments on the lady saying she was dumb or, you know, basically saying she wasn't qualified to do her job because she'd done this other thing to get paid, you know, yeah. on the side. And so I just leveled this girl in class. I'm like, you know what, for the sake of generalization, let's just say all women that have nice bodies and can pose for men's magazines are just complete idiots. I was like, but what do I know? And yeah. I just, like, it was one of those Kermit the Frog memes, but, like, before it got started, I was like, this is none of my business. Yeah. And I just sat down, and people were like, oh, shit, that's the girl. <laughs> and um, that's when people were like, oh, she really does go to school here. Yeah. yeah. I had a class. I had an English class about me. <laughs> we spent, we spent like, three classes talking about me and what I had done to the school and what my responsibility was. And I was in the fucking class. I was an English class. Did they know? Yeah, yes! It was like a fucking class of 22 people. 18 oh, people. Man. I sat in there, and, I'm, and the teacher, by the way, failed me. Uh, it's in my book. I wrote a book, and it's in my book. That's the fucking teacher who told me I'd never amount to shit if I wanted to be famous. I had one of those, too. You know what happened? Three weeks ago, he got arrested for having child porn. And I was... Thank God. And so I just posted this picture. I was like, to the teacher that said I would never amount to shit in life, um... Thanks. Things are going really well for you too, apparently. Yeah, I, I sat in the teacher's office. He failed me, and it was a it was a fucking 
objective writing, a subjective, objective writing course where it's like, it was like short stories. And it was like, you can't fucking fail me. I no. heard in the shit and he failed me. And I went, and so the, I went to the registration building and I was like, yeah, I failed. And they're like, oh, you're a graduating senior. Go talk to him. He'll let you make it up. That's, there's, they never don't let a graduating senior just make up the class over the summer. So I went to his little fucking closet in an office and uh, in the Williams building, and I walked in, and he just was like, I'll never fucking help you. You're, you fucking, you do, sullied this, sullied the school's name of which I've gotten my degree. You are a joke. You've made everything a joke. You flip-flopped your way of life through class. You you can go fuck yourself. I remember thinking, like, is this a prank show? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Ashton, where's yeah. Ashton? You got me. And he was like, he was like, you're fucking, I'll never give you a credit. And he's like, you're famous, man. Go to Hollywood. Be a fucking star. You got a book. I had gotten offered a book deal which, which, which fizzled amazing which, and an Oliver Stone option the rights to my life and it was like a big fucking deal I mean it was a real like it was I, I can't I cannot it was not as big a deal as yours own I, I would say only in the sense that like it was print it was it was like a fucking Rolling Stone article so it was like you know I mean it, it is what it was but it's at huge. the time at the time it was the biggest thing that I had ever experienced and it, so I can only put it in that but I remember him telling me that and I was like Motherfucker. And I was like, this is, this sucks. But. Mine wasn't any bigger than that, though, dude. You at least got words. Mine were just pictures. <laughs> yours were pictures, but it was viral. I mean, you were, you were arguably. You know one who was really responsible for a lot of that, though? Who? I hate to even say it, but Deadspin. Really? Yeah, Deadspin really was the one that brought me to the attention of uh, the Maxim editors. Really? Yeah, because AJ was really good friends with uh, this guy, Eric, that worked at Maxim at the time. And uh, that's where he'd see my pictures. And so that's how they contacted me. So the media. So Deadspin was actually my rise and my demise. Well, they, they, yeah, I, 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 don't, I only know of Deadspin. I don't know any of their, I've never been to their site, really. Yeah. But I've seen their shit. So you, the media glare is enormous. It's you. It's you. It's this girl. Who's in the cowgirls? That, like, if you could say, like, the the four horsemen of the cowgirls. Uh, C.J. Perry, who's actually now Lena on WWE. I saw that last night. I, yeah. I, I don't... She was in... Uh, she was in, like, the second generation. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like she was in the next generation of, of Star Trek. You yeah. know, like, the new class. Same yeah. with all the new class. But the original were, like, me... Fabiola, who was a Miami Dolphins cheerleader, and my girlfriend Crystal, who I'm actually really still good friends with. She's out here. Um, she has her own Pilates studio. Um, really? Yeah, and we're still great friends. Um, that was that was real friendship. You so know? that was the first three was was who were kind of recognized. Yeah, and then and then CJ and Allison came along the next year. Um, and I kind of got them started, and then left them. How does that work? Do they know you, and they're like, I want to party? They kind of reached out to me. You know, they reached out to me through Facebook, and they're like, I want to do what you do. You know, and um, Allison had already posed for Playboy at the time, uh, and she just had, like, this New Jersey, like, you know, um, kind of sass to her, which I liked. I identified with just because I liked, I liked her spunk. Yeah. And then CJ was just – she had the biggest heart in the world, and I could tell she was going to do whatever it took to make it, you know, and be a good person about it. And CJ and I are still really great friends. We actually went through the Divas training together. Like, I, WWE approached me about being a diva, like, about a year and a half ago or something, and went through the training, but I had already had too many head injuries, and I broke my neck in 2011. No one knew about it. How? Car accident? No, I fell off four-story scaffolding. Oh, what? 
When were you doing construction work? No, I was actually doing a bit for Fox about being over my fear of heights, oh, and I just shit. landed wrong. Don't ever let a guy named Tex teach you how to fall on your head properly, is what the moral of the story is. Oh, fuck. I do that shit all the time. <laughs> what, I, falling on your head? No, I jump off into, like, airbags and stuff. And yeah. It's a fucking nightmare. But you have to learn how to do it properly. And so... All of WWE training was that. So day three of WWE training, I'm getting steroid shots in my butt. I'm like, this is the beginning of the end. Yeah, like, you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to be I'm going to be, be like Hulk oh, Hogan. Exactly. I'm like, I'm going to be a home run hitter. This is – my sports career is going to take off after this. Yeah. And so so um, so um then the, the the five of you do it the next year, and it's and, – and, and then now – and then, then it's just – Yeah, and then what happened was – um. A website at Florida State, Warchan, actually took over, and they they were asking me. And the only reason I let them do it was because my friend at the time was running, was kind of, like, overseeing it all, so I knew it wasn't going to be used for, like, bad. Um, but, like, I just felt like any organization that was run by men that was going to try to take control over this thing I'd created was going to use it to exploit women, you know, and make them do shitty things in order to do what I did on campus. And I never had to do any of that. Like, I never – I answered to myself, you know, when it came to that stuff. No one told me what to wear. Like, I, I did everything. Yeah. So I, when my friend was running and I felt really good about it, and then it just kind of fizzled out from there um, – you know, I'm sure I still saw a bunch of girls wearing cowboy hats and stuff to the game, and I was like, yes, it's I started this. It's interesting to create something, like, and and then go, and then have it take off to the next level and see it being replicated and want to have somewhat of ownership to it. Dude, it happened to me last week, though. Have you seen the article? No. Oh, my God. So this is going to be, like, it's, it's good and bad because, one, it, it'll probably piss off my fan base. Um, but two, it shows that I am funny and I can write jokes. So I got asked by a buddy, a comic buddy of mine who was doing the shows for the two Rose Bowl teams to write him some roast jokes for both teams, for Florida State and for Oregon. Who's comic? Can you say his name? Brad Williams. Brad? Yeah. Brad's like my little, Brad's like my comedy godfather. You know what I mean? Like, I don't say I have a mentor, but he's like my little comedy godfather. You yeah. know what I mean? He's like your, he's like your angel he's my shoulder. Fairy, yeah, he's, he's my fairy godfather. But he's Brad. like, you know, everyone needs a midget. Like, that's that's just the bottom line. Yeah. Um, a midget father. So it's so funny. He'll be like, da 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 You know, like, pointing up to me and yelling at me about stuff. And I'm like, bitch, sit down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so he'd ask me to write some roast jokes for him. And I was like, yeah, sure. I, I love being mean. And... I wrote a bunch of jokes. They crushed. Like, I mean, I ripped both teams to shreds um, and, like, and their respective, uh, like, rivals. You know what I mean? Like, the Gators were destroyed. Yeah. Um, but the joke that killed the hardest for Oregon was Brad said, hey, guys, you know, just have a great time in Hollywood. And remember, no means no. Oh, really? Nice. And so then they take and that. And so they took that. And they did it after the game, and it goes viral. Oh, fuck. And I was like, oh, shit, what have I done again? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and no one's going to be able to trace this back to me. But I'm like, part of me but feels in your head, proud. But in your head, you're like, I, I had a hand in this. Yeah, part of me is proud. Like, yeah, I wrote a really solid sort of rape joke, yeah. but it's more about a PSA. Like, yeah. that's the angle that I went with it. I'm like, it was a PSA, you know? God, that's so crazy. And... So I was like, no one's going to know it's me. But, like, I kind of felt a little validated because you have to always find the bright side when you get your, you know, curb stomped um, in yeah. a game like that. 
But so, like, the next day, I get a call from Brad, and he's like, so, uh, TMZ found out that I said the joke, but don't worry, I gave you full credit for it. You're like, stop, Brad, you're what I'm looking for. You're not looking for it. That's what I'm looking for. Exactly. It's a nod from you. That I it's a nod. It's a nod. It's a nod. It was written by a really good comic friend of mine. Um, but, you know, I I didn't really get as much flack for it as I thought I would. I bet that joke murdered in the fucking locker room. It just, well, it wasn't even in the locker room. It was at the improv. Oh, I went. they came to the improv? Yeah, I went. Oh. I went and I sat down next to Mariota and I didn't even realize it. Because, like... From the waist up, this is going to sound terrible coming from me. From the waist up, he didn't really look that big. Um, <laughs> He's one of, is he one of those big-hipped, big-ass, long-legged dudes? He's just super, yeah, like, he, for sitting down, like, he wasn't any taller than I was. Yeah. Um, granted, I was sitting on a stool. But, like, I, I came in to watch Brad, and when he did that joke, it just destroyed. Like, the room got ripped off the improv. Yeah. And, like, I've never felt more validation when it comes to writing jokes and then when you get that, like, oh, snap. Like, I'm never going to have a joke that, like, makes people, like, laugh hysterically. But I always have the jokes where people go, oh, damn, or yeah. oh, snap. That's just. It's part of, I always say on stage, in, uh, this is, this is going to sound, I'd say this to a guy in a heartbeat, but in a girl alone in my man cave, it sounds creepy. But when you get a crowd to do that, it's like when a woman gags when she's blowing you. <laughs> You're like, it's not the reaction you're looking for. You don't exactly. want a girl just too too far east as west sometimes, but not one good gag, and you're like, oh, I'm going yard in this jog. Exactly. Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah. Um, when you can make black guys jump up on the on the like bench seats at the improv and like smack the roof because they're laughing so hard yeah. and jumping around, like you know you've written a good joke. Can you make athletes laugh? There's a it, athletes in general oh are such God. like a bully, stoic, like stoic, like. You know, but but yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. That's fucking insane. So then, so so tell me about the media glare then. Right after you guys come out with the cowgirls, what? Like, that wasn't even the really bad media glare though. The the bad media glare, the one that I was re- referring to, was people don't understand how the media is so easily manipulated. Like it's all about like when the whole scandal thing, the situation came out. Um, the farm it, shit. Yeah, it was all about what I could provide the media. You know what I mean? And it was the same thing I was talking about before, where it's like the shield, you know, where I didn't have anything to offer the media. And unless I had a tidbit to offer them that they weren't going to get anywhere else, like some kind of exclusive, like they weren't going to be on my side, you know? Uh, Like I needed one of those like Ohio against the world, but I needed Sturger against the world shirts made at that point in time, you know? Yeah. Um, But like seeing how the media was so easily manipulated and, like, how the NFL would, like, put out statements in order to get me to cooperate or to get me to give them something, it was all a giant chess match, and it was such BS. And I watched them do the same thing for, like, for Jameis, for the Manti Teo thing. Like, it's just so interesting to see how, when these when these types of situations happen, just the chess playing that goes on. Like, the NFL finally got caught in the whole chess game thing with the Ray Ray Rice Rice stuff. There was not a better, like, vindication for what I went through than watching that whole thing just fall apart on them. Yeah. You know, I hate to say, it sucks that it came down to something that disgusting. And it stinks for you because you are a genuine sports fan. Yeah, absolutely. And and so to watch something you enjoy. Now I just watch sports to roast them, honestly. (laughs) You know, like, I, I love writing sports roast jokes. Yeah. And... I think I've always actually been that way, but now it's more so because now I've got no dog in the fight. Like, I'm probably not going to work in sports unless it's some kind of sports job where people get me 
and they get my sense of humor and they get that I'm going to be inappropriate like a, you know, like a Joe Rogan with boobs, you know, because yeah. <laughs> like you just have to understand what I come with, you know, the the baggage that I come with. It's great baggage and I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, it's 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 baggage. There's two things that I that I that you've said that I, that I that are huge things for me. Number one, you and uh, CJ, I respect anyone who comes out of Florida State with aspirations for Hollywood or or television or movies or or broadcasting. I respect that immensely because I don't think anyone listening, maybe a lot of people listen to this and understand this feeling, but. That is not instilled in us. At Florida State, you can be medical sales is like big. You can maybe law, law. That's what I would go to school for. Go to law school. Um, You you don't see a lot of dentists, oddly enough, at Florida State. You see a lot of nurses. A lot of people want to be nurses. We had a big nursing school, but like, and, and a lot of like hospitality majors. But you don't see people saying, like, I I did not ever hear ever of anyone wanting to be a comedian. So when I decided I wanted to be a comedian. I remember I told, like, this girl I was dating, this girl that cheated on me, she told me, uh, oh, honey, we were in bed before the Miami game, and I was laying in bed, and I realized I made people laugh tonight. Everyone always said, you need to be a comedian, and I was like, I told her, I said, laying in bed with her, and she was in uh, the theater school, and I said, um, I think I want to be a comedian. She was like, oh, honey, you're not smart, funny, you're dumb, funny, like, comedians are smart. Whatever. And I remember being like, huh, note yourself, never tell anyone I'm dreaming yet. <laughs> I guess I won't be dream sharing. snipers. I won't be sharing my dreams with anybody. I, I have so many dream snipers, though, around but me. That's what, that, my what, parents are my biggest haters. Are you kidding me? Like, they love me, but, like, they're always like, when are you going to give this up, you they, know? They get protective. My parents were the same way. And they are because they don't see things around them. No one no one from fucking Gaither is mm-hmm. in Hollywood. The only person I jammed Channing Tatum, actually. Channing Tatum went to Gaither? Yeah. He actually stripped at my girlfriend's bachelorette party, too. Channing Tatum went to Gaither? Yes. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? Yeah, his freshman and sophomore year, he went to Gaither. Liz Vassie went to Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. She's a pretty famous uh, actress. I did a pilot with her. Um, the uh, Brittany Snow went to Brittany Gaither. Snow went to Gaither. Uh, there's a girl that was that went to Academy. Yeah. That I know of. She has like a girl group, but she does some acting too. I know you're talking about. Yeah, and um, Lauren something. I, I ran into remember. Britney Snow's married or to uh, married to the center fielder for the Indians, right? No, 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 no. Garcia uh, is married to the center fielder for the Indians. Yeah. Uh, uh, she she went to I think she went to Academy. Garcia. She's an actress. She owns horses up at the horse ranch up there. Oh. I shouldn't say that, but whatever. I don't, but. Um, Putting so everybody's like personal shit on blast. Small, people <laughs> in Tampa and out of Florida State don't have those dreams. So when, no. like, when like I hear, like out of my graduating group, it was me and this girl, Courtney Hansen. Courtney Hansen was a pie fi She went on to host all those car TV shows that blew up. Like, uh, yeah. and she, I still talk to her, but it was just me and her. That was it. Yeah. It was, and I and I didn't know anyone else. I came out here. I didn't know a fucking soul. I went to New York. I didn't know a fucking soul. Everyone. That's exactly how I did it. I went to New York, and the only person you graduate, you graduate, and then you just moved right to New York with 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 a lock in, or did it, did? I had the Jets job, and I had a bunch of other jobs lined up too. But right when I moved to New York was when everything crashed in 2008. So a lot of projects that I was working on lost their funding, like major television shows lost their funding. And I was the Jets job was the only job that I had. Pretty well, great people, job though, right? I mean. No, I really? hated it. I had to take so much medication, like prescribed medication, just to be able to handle the anxiety that I would go into that job with. So wait, what did you do for the Jets? 
I did like I was basically the cheerleader that was too retarded to dance, so they gave me a microphone and I got to interview celebrities and stuff like that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um so I was basically just like in like an stadium like an in stadium host, you know. Sometimes my stuff would air on like S and Y and little tiny things, but it was predominantly in the stadium, you know? So like uh, you had to interview Joe Namath, right? Oh my god, I have the best Joe Namath story ever. Uh Joe Namath actually was there when I took my friend to uh this like this like VIP thing before I started working for the Jets. I took my gay because every girl's got a gay. Yeah. I took my gay to this Jets game with me, and we had, like, the whole VIP treatment, and my gay had kind of wandered off from me while I was, like, talking to the Jets Where people Mark and Sanchez? stuff. Where is Mark Before Mark was there. Before Mark was there. Uh, but, so anyways, he had wandered away from me in, like, the VIP, like, area where people were drinking and stuff like that. A lot of booze going on, food, whatever. They take really good care of you and the hospitality stuff. And my gay comes back, and he's loaded. And he's like, oh, my God, Jen, you got to meet this cool guy I met. It's so – he's so hilarious. And he's like, Jen, this is my friend Joe. <laughs> and they are both hammered. Joe yes, and it was Joe Namath. I'm like, you have no idea who you're hanging out with right now, and it's adorable. But then Joe got whisked away. To, he's like, oh, I got to go do some media stuff on the field. He's like, but I'll catch you later. Like, he was really, like – he was, like, really getting drunk with my friend, yeah. with my gay, and that was the day that Joe did the, Susie, I just want to kiss you. <laughs> my gay was responsible for getting Joe, Joe that so drunk. Oh, that's so great. It was so amazing. Uh, I was and so Gavin, Gavin will just post pictures of him with Joe. He's like, remember that? He's like, never, hashtag never forget. Like, <laughs> Joe woke up the next morning, I'm never hanging out with gay guys again. Exactly. They're the fucking end of me. Holy shit. <laughs> That's fucking great. So how long yeah. did you work for the Jets? I only worked for them for a season. Really? Yeah. And then and that's a season. That fucking and you and and I'm sure that you're on the big screen. You're walking around the sidelines. Everyone's seeing you. You are in 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 essence still carrying the torch of hot as shit uh, Florida State girl. But now you're hot as shit Jets, Jets girl. girl. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. And, and it's so funny because when I moved to New Jersey, I still had all, like, my southern flair. So I had, like, big hair, fake nails, big fake boobies. And then I realized when I got up north, like, fake tan, when I got up north, it was no longer, like, southern flair. They're like, oh, she's from Jersey. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so then, like, when I realized, like, that was, like, what gave me away is New Jersey, I ripped out my extensions, ripped off my fake nails, like, stopped tanning as much, and I took out my boobs. Like, I took out my boobs so when you take after out- the season with the Jets because I just realized that they were just a huge distraction in my life. And they were just attracting the wrong kind of people. Like, and I was getting harassed for them, you know? Not publicly yet. Like, people didn't know what I was going through. But, like, 2008 was a terrible year for me. Really? Abs- like, it was, the, it was the year that I think made me find the dark, like, I just, it was a super dark year, you know, like, stuff went through my head that year that, you know, I don't wish on anyone, and I think it's that kind of stuff that made me realize, like, comedy is what I wanted to do, because you can't have the funny in your life without the dark in your life, like, people that are super happy, I'm like, yeah, you're not that funny, like, you're funny yeah. to your mom, but you're not funny in real life, Yeah, you know? I don't get, I don't get it, I, I, I always, I always sometimes, I, I think I, connect mine with like uh substance abuse or whatever yeah. i go i go if you hey if, if if you don't get down 
the way I see people get down, or if you don't have that, if you don't have that trigger for spontaneity, for that that trigger to go, fuck it, let's get high, fuck, it, let's get drunk. <laughs> like if you don't have that, I don't. Not yeah, that I, I don't think, trust yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. I just, I go, I go. Then what is it? If you're a comedy, I go, what is it? What's the thing in you? Like if, because, because, like I was so- sober for years. Yeah. For years after I left Florida State. And before I moved to New York, and when I moved to New York and I started going through all the stuff that I was going through and I wasn't telling anyone about it, I mean, I not only fell off the wagon, the wagon backed up and ran me over. Like, that's how bad it got. So what was your inner circle like when all this shit's going down in 2008? You're living in Hoboken, right? Yeah. And you're you're working for the Jets. You're working for the Jets while this is going down, correct? Mm -hmm. And and it just must – I can't imagine the shitstorm. Well, I moved to New York. And I was dating this guy. I thought we were going to move in together. Within a month and a half of me moving there, he cheated on me and then left me for a Hooters waitress. Uh, Uh. So, yeah, that was like my whole world imploded because that was where the majority of my friends were. You know what I mean? Like they were his friends. And when you get, you know, when you, you know, break up with someone, you lose the friends in the divorce, you know? So his friends weren't going to choose me over him, even though what he did was wrong. They were just whatever, you know. So I was literally alone out on a ledge, and, and, and I'm it, surprised I didn't jump. <laughs> and you get into the Jets, you make these friends at the Jets, and then all of a sudden everything implodes at the Jets. Yeah. And you're just sitting there like, great, I'm in Hoboken. I feel like Frank Sinatra before he was famous. Exactly. <laughs> like this. Oh, there's a there's a vibe about that city. I tell everyone, but well, not Hoboken, but just New York and that area in general. I tell people that that city loves to hate fuck me, like we had this weird relationship that, you know, like, I don't know what it's like, I don't know whether I want to have sex with you or fight you, but something's going to happen. Like, it's like that guy that I cannot quit, no matter how yeah. bad he treats me, because the sex is so good. <laughs> you know, like, that's, yeah. that's New York. Because if you can make it there, I mean... They say you can make it anywhere. I mean, not to <laughs> no, but if you can make it there, I think it built me up so I was strong enough to handle the criticism and the backstabbing and the... The uh, Hollywood knows that I get out here. You yeah. know what I mean? Hollywood, Hollywood's an interesting town. It's a lot. I, I enjoy it more. I lived in New York for right when I graduated college. I moved to New York to do start stand up, and it definitely turned me into it turned me into uh, moralistically and 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 stylistically, personality wise, it grew whatever I thought I had in Florida State, yes. and it turned me into a much more uh, assertive person than I ever would have been. It's like when Batman goes away to like train with <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And he comes back and he's like he's got his ninja skills now. That's what I felt like New York did oh, for me. Fucking I always say this. Ari, you know do you know who Ari Shafir is? Yeah, of course. Ari okay, Ari is LA guy for a long time where I remember dropping him off at his apartment one night and he goes, Yeah, I'm moving to New York. I'm getting rid of my place. So I was like, What? And he's like, you know, I always I was always jealous that all you guys had these stories about living in New York and doing stand up in New York and I wanted to see that. He goes to New York. By the way, tell Arlie I said this. I'll tell him one day, anybody. He goes to New York, I, I want to say almost with nothing. Comes <laughs> back, and he's got a TV show he's producing at Comedy Central. He's got an hour special. His podcast runs circles around majority of podcasts out there. The Punch Drunk one or the other one? What's, no, 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 no. Uh, um, uh, his Septic Tank. Yeah. Septic Tank. He's he's traveling the world doing stand-up, snowboarding in, in Austria. I mean, all these making things, out with dudes ringside at UFC. The funniest thing <laughs> I've ever fucking. I saw seen. them and I made my buddies. I was like, rewind that, rewind that. Him and Duncan. That is the that is 
the comic spirit. That yes. is that is that's something the that's, stuff that I live for. That is, there is That's why I take Brad rewarded, Williams to everything with me. I'm they like should be the one day a, that I end up Grant. on the kiss cam is gonna be legendary with a midget. Are you oh. kidding me? We're gonna we're gonna like burn the place down. I I saw that. I was taking a shit yesterday, and I saw that, and I called my wife in while I'm taking a shit. I'm like, you gotta see this, and she's like, I don't want. She's like, see I don't want to see it. it. And I was like, no, it's Ari and Duncan, and she was like, huh? And and it, I. What are you guys doing in there? <laughs> it looks like Ari and Duncan. I want to see this. Take a picture. Post it. No, I was so. He's like of the them. kind of guy that takes pictures of his poops, like the really uh, good ones. Used to before I realized you're not allowed to. <laughs> you're not allowed. Uh, and, and and send them. Uh, there was a time well, uh, working at Travel Channel. There was a big learning curve when I started working there. I've, I've been there. They had they, to send you letters. Nope. It was, for, it was please stop sending pictures of your shit to people. It was <laughs> phone calls at first, <laughs> and it was like listen face to face meetings. You can't take pictures of yourself on the toilet. You know your rep of the network we're brand friendly you need to understand what is you're putting out there you by the way can we look at your youtube page and there's a few things that maybe you could just retitle and i'll be like oh yeah and like one was it, it it was a big learning curve but it was a learning curve about growing up as well i think i was i came up in the in the generation of comedy where people did not know how to get on the road people did not know how to start hosting if or featuring if you're out of la or new york you were like how the fuck it's just like I become a headliner, and, and, and me and Gary Goldman and all these guys were like, how do you get out there? And, and we saw our way out on the road as like, push it on the online. Get get a ton of MySpace followers. Clubs respect MySpace followers. Put YouTube. So you'd title things on YouTube like black people, and then and then it would get 40,000 hits. Yeah. The majority of them were just negative comments of this white motherfucker. The joke wasn't racist, but that was how you got eyes on it. And uh, and that was the, you know that was it's like almost you became better at marketing yourself than you did at your stand up. You didn't give a fuck about your stand up. Yeah, you cared about marketing yourself. And I felt like saying, you know, I'm I, working so hard now on just trying to gain credibility within the comedy world as not being the hot girl. You know what I mean? Well, you're never, um, okay, you're never gonna get past that. You, you, really? You're never gonna. You're a hot girl. That's look, Sarah's hot. Sarah is. Sarah's hot, and I and I still see Sarah on stage, and I go, God damn it, she's beautiful. I still see Eliza. I still see Amy. I still see Push, Christina Pajinski. I still see all of them, and I go, they're beautiful. They all girls beautiful. that I look up to, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's that's where I want to get yeah. to. You know, Nikki Glaser. I, mean, I don't want to leave out anyone's names, but like, I, you you look at them and you go, because I don't want anyone to go, well, it's not about that. The thing is, in, in comedy, it's like people want you, people want you to pay your dues it's the dumbest thing in the world but they want you to know well they just care that you respect the art form yeah and that's all i ever care about any comic is that's why i get so angry though when i see like comics posting pictures of themselves like female comics posting pictures of themselves like with no clothes on and they're like well you did it i was like i did it when i was 21 yeah well, you know what i mean like well, you've got perspective yeah you've got a lot of perspective on of what you want to be seen as, I avoided the fucking Rolling Stone things for so long. I wanted, I didn't even tell people about it. I got TV shows and people didn't even know about it. And and then uh, my buddy Grimes Cannon, we were uh, we were out here trying to make videos. It was like before YouTube was popular, really, and you didn't know what to do with shorts. Yeah. You just made shorts. My buddy <laughs> me, Grimes, and this my buddy Croy and uh, Caleb, we were making these shorts and we didn't know what the fuck to do with them. And Grimes said something about this art, the article I was in, and I go, let me tell you something. 
let me talk about that. And he goes, you need to respect that because had that not happened, I would have never had the balls to come to L.A. to try to make it. And I went, what? And he goes, well, that happened to you. And I realized, oh, shit, we can go out there. We can move out there. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. So in a weird way, I, and I saw this with you, I was like, the fact that you got discovered on TV, it gave balls to a lot of girls to go for their dreams and say, fuck it, I want this. That's it. That's, that's what CJ was. And that's why yeah. I, I took CJ under my wing is because she was just like, she saw what I did and was like, I had those same dreams. It becomes and it was just, real. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I couldn't be prouder of her for how she's like really taken this role and just, you know, she's one of the most hated people on WWE right now, but that's a good thing, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah, great especially thing. in that She's a fantastic industry. heel. She's got great stage presence, you know? And she's hot. She looks amazing, you know? So what was the time like after the whole jet shit goes down to now? Like, we're, what, we're, like we're, it's 2008. You, you end up in L.A.? I end up in L.A., and within a month of moving out here, I find myself in the hospital. Like, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I was incredibly ill. Um, and it turned out, like you had mentioned before, that I had been on Xanax for, like, five years since the Favre stuff happened. Like, when the Favre stuff happened initially, I went to a therapist, and I confided in the therapist what was going on. Yeah. And I was on a ridiculous amount of medication in order to get By the way, I have to say this before I forget. His fucking voicemails are fucking pathetic. <laughs> I'm so, like, I really lost so much respect for that guy in a way that I looked – I, I lost respect for him the other day when he's, he's doing every goddamn commercial out there. I'm like, dude, aren't you a simple farm boy? Just go out and mow the lawn. That's all we're looking for. And now you're doing fucking Wrangler commercials and haircut commercials. The number one thing people never understood about that, though, is that I never met him. Like, I never met him. I never met Brett Favre. Like – it was literally me being cyberbullied. It was like a troll, you know? Yeah. That was essentially what it was. A troll that had my phone number and my MySpace, because that was still a thing back then. And that's all it was. Wasn't he but like, it was wasn't so, he like vile, it was a, so a, vile and mean, yeah. the stuff that was said to me. I just, I don't wish it on any female. Did, wasn't he using a fake MySpace profile or something? Yeah, I mean, whoever it was. Like, I, I can't say definitively that it was him because I never met the person. Yeah. Um, but it was very implied, and I don't think that they would have said certain things if it wasn't him, you know? Um, yeah, I, 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 Eric pulled up the voicemails, and it was just like, it was like, it's like, not only can the night, could the guy not take a hint, but it's like, it's like, it, it, it just came off like, like, I was like, man, not only, and aren't you fucking married, not only all that shit, but like, you ain't got no game. Like, literally none. <laughs> I have more game than him, and I have no fucking game. Oh, like, I, am, I love to hear some of the drunk voicemails you left chicks back in the day. <laughs> I used to leave. This is before you could – this is when, you, like, your creativity would bubble, but you didn't have a place for it. I would leave my agent's assistance messages. Oh, my God. Constantly. Hammered listening to music. They're like, like this guy's got talent. This song defines me. Allison was her name. She's an interior designer now. I would leave Allison – voicemails all the fucking time oh and she would call him back the next thing like okay that voice behind me in hysterics but i like i had no i had no in hysterics it's so no... funny because that's what i used to do too on my friends answering machines in high school yeah like the stuff that i would do to people like i always had this like funny snarky side of me my parents will always tell you like 
I was just always like their smart ass child. But I had funny parents too. I mean, my yeah. parents thought it was hilarious when they pretended to leave me at the Mexican border when I was five. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So to get back at them now, I'm dating a full blown Mexican. So like, it's whatever. <laughs> um, but like, they they literally did that. They're like, Jen, sorry, they're not letting us bring you back because I don't look anything like my parents. I have like darker skin, darker eyes, you know, dark hair. They're like, they're not they're not letting us bring you back, Jen. Sorry. <laughs> we'll write you. You know. And I'm just sitting there five at the Mexican border, having walked through Tijuana. I saw people like banging donkeys and like dealing drugs and following us around like you want leather goods leather goods five dollars you know yeah. <laughs> two for almost free you know <laughs> and i was so te- te- ter- like just petrified that they were going to leave me there you know I was yeah. like, how am i going to make it in mexico i'm five you yeah. know that's the kind of stuff my parents use they would punk me non-stop what's your dad do um, he works in like plastics. Once yeah. a graduate, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not plastic surgery, unfortunately. What? Unfortunately. Wait, when you get your boobs taken out, what do they do? They do they, re- do they, they replace them with another? I had car? spacers for like two years. What are spacers? Like they just they were just like little saline things that they put in there to like kind of your boobs have to kind of like retract, you know? They have to like the skin has to be given time to like kind of suck itself back in, uh-huh. and then um, I finally had them um, like completely done done in. December of last year. So when I went to the national championship game last year, I was real doped up on my pain meds. Like I was like maybe 10 days post-op. I had no business being out in public. Um, and I just remember that last, that last, um, when, when he's running, running down the field, we're about ready to score on that, on that kickoff return. I'm jumping up and down, and mi- like midway through my first jump, when I'm like get in the air, I realize, oh shit, this is gonna hurt so bad. And so I'm holding my boobs and like crying and screaming at the same time. I was like, man, I really hope someone caught that on camera because it was hilarious. I was, I was. You want to know the biggest saddest story in the world? I got way too fucked up at the pre-party. I, I hadn't seen. You miss it? I, you pass out? Hold on. I guess it's worse. You're like getting teary-eyed just thinking about it. I, it's the reason I didn't go this year to the game with the Ducks because I was like, I was like, I know myself. I get, I go with, a, I go with Segura. I buy tickets for me, Segura, one of my cameramen, and, uh, and another dude. And uh, and then I get on this Lambda Kai bus to all these old Lambda Kais. They're all like 45 at the time. It seemed old to me. But they're all grown-ups. They were all, like, yeah. graduated when I was there. And, and then I have all these ATOs that I grew up with in in college. And then I, and I, was, I was in college for, like, seven years. So I know everyone. And and, and I'm on TV. So I, do, I know a lot of people that I barely remember. And I just got way too fucked up. Not that I was – and so – and I'm, like, I'm out of it. I'm having the greatest day of my life. The weather was perfect. It was my so great. My buddy Eddie Fernandez has me in stitch. He's the funniest human being I've ever known in my entire life. And he's just trying to make me laugh. And I'm laughing hysterically. We get into the game. It's me and Hatterman and Eddie are sitting together. We're like per- great seats, amazing seats. And we start getting down and I start getting real contemplative of like of life and what is life about and Hadman and Eddie are getting pissed. Oh no, you can't ever get in that. You can't and, ever get in that thought process. And I, and I'm leaving I'm flying to Munich. No, I'm flying to Zurich the next morning. I, like I have to fly to Zurich. Like I can't go morning. out this way. And I'm like no and I'm just thinking Bert, who are you? I go <laughs> and I'm like, you're a dad first and foremost and you're a husband and oh you lo- and and you are here with your friends and you're getting fucked up and you're and you're drunk like like when they threw the spear I started crying and I'm like I'm like you're, you're, oh you're in a place 
where you you don't belong. You belong with your daughters. You belong with your daughters and watching You're the like, I have to go home. So I go to look at Adam and Eddie. I go, you guys want beers? They're like, yep. I go, I'm going to get beers. Anyone else want beers? Everyone's like, oh, I'll take one. I walked out, got an Uber, came home, sat down with my kids, watched the game, got on the trampoline. They jumped around. It was like the most beautiful moment. Then my wife comes out. We're on the trampoline. And she goes, you're going to be killing yourself in about five seconds. I go, why? She goes, this might be the greatest game I've ever seen. I come in and I watch the score. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, my God. You're like, I love goes, my family. And the girl's like, where are you? Where are you? Are you watching this? I'm like, I'm at home. He's like, what? So I, that's why I didn't go this year. But, uh, but yeah, those, the, I, I had such an amazing – Bill Burr called me and was like, are you going to the game? Because he's had this, in, like, epic tailgate. And I was like, ah, uh, maybe. My buddy Josh Temple called. He goes, I got an, I got two tickets for you and your your wife. And I was like, uh, like everyone was calling about tickets. And I was like, mm. uh, I can't. All my friends are like, I'm holding off for Dallas. And I'm like, yep. Mm. <laughs> How's that plan working out for you now? So okay, so you so you, I've always wondered about when people get their boobs out. I would never understand how that works. But so you get you get after the farm stuff, you get put on Xanax by a doctor. Yeah, I got put on Xanax, and um, I was on it for like five years. Like like daily? Yeah. That's super dangerous. Yeah, but they don't tell you that. Like doctors don't tell you that stuff. Yeah. And um. What you gonna say next last night? Yeah. Well, it's. <laughs> I love that. I you and me both. But <laughs> I I found out because I took myself off of it. You can't just jump off. You can't of it. jump off of it. And so I was having like strokes and like didn't realize it. Like I was having like little baby seizures, which you can have, you know, when yeah. you come off of it the wrong way. And they didn't realize that that's what it was. So they were, like, trying to diagnose me. I was sitting in a in a neurologist's office, and they thought I was, like, they were testing me for, like, MS and Parkinson's and stuff like that. And I was just, like, I'm too young, and this is, like, I was, like, this is crazy. You know what I mean? I was just sitting there, and, it, like, that was my, oh, my God, I have to get my life together moment. But I didn't even realize until maybe six or eight months later that it was Xanax, and I figured out that it was withdrawal. Yeah. You know, that I was going through. Because okay, I didn't psychologically need it. You know, I didn't. And I'd gotten down to, like, a really small dose. Like, like what were your milligrams? I, 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 was I, taking a, I was taking a quarter of a half a milligram at the end. And it was still staying in my system long enough to freak me out. Yeah. Um, and getting off of that was the hardest thing I've ever done. They wanted to put me in rehab. And I was like, you want to put me in rehab for something that you put me on? Like, Eat a bag of dicks, guys. You know, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not fair. It's interesting. I, uh, my, uh, my wife's dad was on it for a long time, and they, but doctors just prescribed it. Yeah. And then they tell him, hey, because the dosage says take uh, one tablet as every, needed. as needed every four to six hours. And you're like, huh? Uh, I, I was, I've been very open about this, but I was, I would say, addicted to Xanax uh, when I was, I stopped drinking. And then I had kids. It was during Last Comic Standing 2. Yeah. And I was taking Xanax a lot. And I, I was taking it because the doctor said, I didn't know that you couldn't take it as much as you wanted. And I was drinking on it. And my wife oh, just, I never partied on it. My wife just pulled the plug and was like, she's like, hey, I don't know if you noticed it, but you're a dick the next day. The next day when you, oh, have, you yeah. have it, you're just, you're just real short with everyone. And you're I was short like, and you just don't care. You know what I mean? Like there's no... You just don't care about anybody. It's really you know? hard to work You're out very the selfish. Next day. Yeah. You're a very selfish person on it. You don't really care about anybody or anybody's feelings. And it made me a terrible, terrible human being. But it was the only way I knew how to cope with the situation that I was going through and not talking to anybody. Like, I didn't talk to anybody about it. it you know? It definitely subtracts all of that 
that conversation in your head that you're obsessing about and that you want to share, once you take a Xanax, you're like, that's gone. Yeah. But I'm really cool with whatever's going on exactly. right now. You're just along for the ride at that point. But so when you were just saying, like, you know, um, addiction or substance stuff, mine was, like, unknowingly. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't think I needed it. I, yeah. I, I took myself off of it, like, eh, I don't need this anymore. You know, I'm in California. I got great weather, blah, 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 you know. And I just, you know, I it was it was a hard thing to get over. And it sucked because, like, I was in groundlings and I was, like, busting my ass out here when I first moved out here. And I had to, like, kind of take a step back from everything career-wise. People were like, oh, you disappeared. I'm like, I disappeared because I got incredibly ill and I had to get my life together. Yeah. You know, I didn't put it on blast because I didn't want people to perceive me as unhirable. Yeah. You know, but that's, that's really what happened. Yeah. So stand-up started coming along. I really studied stand-up when I was sick because I would go to these clubs and I would be miserable with all of the stuff going on in my life and being sick, and stand-up just made me feel better being around comedy, and I was like, this is what I want to do for people. You know, like, this is what I've always wanted to do for people, but I never thought I'd have the balls to do it, and I studied it really, really hard, like, hung around a lot of comics and just kind of learned, you know, like, how to tell a joke, what the, like, the ways to, t how to write a joke, you know, and finally I got the balls to do it, and the first time sucked incredibly bad. Where'd you go the first time? Oh, that was the problem, is I went down to Irvine, and oh, I I did a show at Irvine, Ooh. and Irvine Improv gave me, like, seven minutes, and that was the longest seven minutes of my life, and... Wait, who, was, who else was on the show? Do you remember anyone? Grant Cotter, uh, Nigel... And uh, Johnny LaCosta, and they were just all like, "Dude, that happens to the best of us. Don't worry about it." You know, they were like, "You actually got a lot of laughs for your first time," and that's a really hard crowd. They're like, "They are terrible people." Irvine's <laughs> a, Irvine's a, Irvine is a fickle, it's a I, tricky I crowd. It's a I really just, tricky crowd. I just did New Year's there in the new club, and it's it's an interesting type of person because it is a specific demographic that that uh, kind of only really enjoys. I don't know. It's a specific demographic, but they also get the number one headliners in the world go through there. So and some of them eat it too yeah. because oh, yeah. it's just such a fickle. It's a very specific crowd, you know. I love that. Having said that, I love. I I mean, Irvine and Breyer were the crowds I cut my teeth on. Yeah, those, the, those are the two that I I was getting out of L.A. and doing that. And whenever I need like a a reality check as far as like where I'm at, I'll go down to like San Diego and do like the Wood or. Um, even the comedy store down there in La Jolla, and it's just nice to get around crowds that aren't jaded. It's like this is a really hard town to work in comedy. I haven't. I mean, I, my, my life's a little different in that I'm super busy. Uh, with I travel. I'm traveling every every week. I'm traveling for three weeks, and, and I'm trying to be a good dad and be healthy. So like I find myself not going out unless like unless like Duncan or Ari or Joe or Joey says Wants hey let's make out let's let yeah they go hey let's go do something tonight <laughs> and then I'll go, to, I'll do go do spots but I don't really I'm not really focused there oddly enough I oh, it's a fucking why are we talking about me here's my point um, do you do the road much I haven't but I'd like to you gotta do I, the road I you gotta do the road you fucking love it I think I would honestly it would take me back to like my Sports Illustrated days. Uh, Are you going to be in Tampa in uh, January 30th? I could be. I could always. I, I, I am one of those people that it's like, if my friends called me up and said, hey, we're doing this in New York, 
I'll find a way to get there. You it's know what Gasparilla, I mean? It's Gasparilla weekend yeah. in Tampa. Of course. I'm doing – do you know who Cowhead is? Yeah, of course. Cowhead is one of my one of my best friends. I'm going in. I do I do a tour called the Call and Sick to Works tour. So I, just, <laughs> I go in. I do radio. Uh, I drink on radio, and then I go to the, right to the club. And after radio at ten, and I do an eleven a.m. show. And everyone calls in sick to work. Goes into the club. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, it's been selling out everywhere I've gone. And uh, and so I told Cal about it, and I was yeah. like, I was like, let's do one. So I got the improv on the thirtieth. And, uh, and my parents have been begging me to do stand up there, and I'm you like, should, you guys don't want to hear me talk about look, you. Look, I'll figure this out. We'll figure this out. But like, you should definitely come in, come in and do like uh, you can. I don't. I don't think when I do these, I don't have anyone on the fucking lineup. Like because no one, no club books 10 a.m. spots. No. So every time I've gone in, like if we usually, did, if we did a show together, like Tampa would probably explode. Yeah, uh, Tampa <laughs> is Tampa's. Um, my parents would probably disown me as well. I don't know um, who's headlining that weekend, but usually like the headliner will come and do a set. Yeah. Like Mitch Patel did a set in Pittsburgh. Bill Crawford, who's Bill's, Bill and Randy have the biggest radio show in Pittsburgh. Bill did a set. I want to say um, someone else. Like, but it's it's kind of a free for all. It's a little yeah. bit like the store, a little bit like the improv. But then I do an hour. I love the store um, just because. I feel like I can take risks there. You know what I mean? Especially since I've been doing a lot of those roast battles. The store is a great place to learn. Yeah. The store is the store will teach you more about who you are, who you are. Uh, and I, I don't work the store, but I but I definitely say for you, the store is a great place to be. Well, because I'm I'm in that weird area where like I've talked to a couple of comics that I really trust on it about like whether I'm a club comic or an alt comic, and they're like, you're such a good. They go, don't worry about it. Really? Don't worry about it. Don't worry. About it. Right now, and I'm being serious, and I, I think I realize that I've been doing stand up for I've been for a very long time. Just, just honestly, don't the the titles and the and the and the. But it's like rooms. high school. Like there's still groups. There's still cliques, yeah, and it, it kills just, me. Just be nice to everyone, and everyone will like you. I mean, like. Oh, I'm as nice as a person like me can be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm genuine. No one will ever say that I'm fake to them, and I'm a good person. Like I don't screw people over. Yeah. You know. Just, and that's what I do. If I were you, you're doing the right thing. You uh, honestly, I would go when I first started in New York. I would just go sit in the back of the club, and and I would just I would. It's amazing to. And you were saying this earlier about learning how to write a joke. You're watching people, and you're going. I've had that thought before, but I didn't know how to say it that way. Mm -hmm. And and you'd sit back and you'd be like, motherfucker. There's a period of time where you will emulate people you respect, and you go like, you'll be like, you'll find yourself sounding like there are a lot of women. And I that sounded like Sarah when yeah. they first started because Sarah was so dominant. Still is, still yeah. is. Sarah is, is one of. I enjoy her personally now more on podcasts because when she's being, when she's high with Todd Glass on a podcast with Doug Benson, the three of them. I get giggling. her a lot as a as a reference, and I get uh, Schumer a lot as a reference. Schumer's the sweetest girl in the world. I love. I love her. Woman, I, 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 don't I know have such a girl crush on her. I love Amy. She is. Um, she is. Uh, I can't imagine what she's going through in life with um, the amount of things happening in her life right now. I I know that we. But she deserves them. Oh, oh she deserves all she's of them. Monster. We got uh, drunk one morning at an airport, or maybe. <laughs> um, and uh, we had hung out the night before and partied late, and then caught a flight, and we're on the same flight. And she was saying to me, and I didn't understand at the time, because I don't. I don't think I was doing. I was just doing travel channel and stand up. But she was like. I didn't think I'd ever be this busy. I don't know if I can handle it. Like, it's a lot of fucking responsibility. And then, like, um, 
six months later, I'm doing my book and doing press for my book, and I'm losing my shit. And all I could think was Amy now has a Judd Apatow movie. Like, holy fuck, I should reach out to her, and then I didn't because I'm fucking not a good friend. But, <laughs> but, um, but I would just sit back, enjoy it, write as much as you can. Oh, and, I write all and, the time. And, and take chances on stage, but don't – it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen – it's it's not going to be something. If you're good at, you you just get better quicker. I believe, based on the fact that we were state school kids that learned how to develop our our personalities before we did anything else. I mean, our, our ability to get along in this business is leaps and bounds. We take great general meetings. We take. Oh, I give great meetings. Yeah, I give <laughs> great meetings. And it, I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It's fucking. It is uh, that is Florida State. That, and I'm, I'm, I honestly believe this. Going to a state school for me taught me so much about interacting with people. And and I feel like it gave me a leg up in the business in just in being regular. I didn't go to Princeton. You yeah. know, like you look at, I didn't go to Harvard. Like I, I, a good friend of mine is Dimitri Martin. He's a mm-hmm. comic in New York. In New York, Dimitri's. I remember going into a meeting after Dimitri, and they were like, "So I talking about him not giving a good meeting." Well, Dimitri's a little finicky. He's a little quirky. He's a little different. He went to fucking Princeton. He went to an NYU law. He married a, a doctor. You know, like, he's... He's brilliant. If he's I have brilliant. to have surgery, I mean, I trust him to do it more than my drunk buddies. Yeah. You know? And he's um, an amazing writer yeah. and amazing comedian. And if you want a project done seven different ways in one day, give it to me, Dimitri. Don't give it to me. Yeah. I am but if you want someone to talk about that project with, I'm the fucking guy. Yeah, like, exactly. I can talk your ear off at a bar. I can... I can get into your uh, financial pants quicker than a lot of comics, but that's just, I believe that is, and I said that in the Rolling Stone article, we are we we are taught social skills on a fucking steroid level. Yeah. Whatever Harvard does for brains, Florida State, Florida, University, or uh, Ohio State, um, uh, fucking UCLA, all these state schools that are, that are powerhouses in partying, that does that for us. I do genuinely believe that. Because we're the master of happy hour connections and getting it done. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I networked in college getting and no it other. Getting done. We fucking would go out and party <laughs> balls and then get it done. It's yeah. like, listen, I'm not playing. I don't know how I passed. I don't know how I graduated. I really don't. I still am shocked that I graduated that fucking <laughs> school. I am still consistently shocked. I wake up having dreams going, fuck, I didn't do the homework. Like, Oh, my God, I have those, too. I'm I like, heard. when are they going to take my diploma back? Yeah. I literally have that dream once a month where I'm like, oh, man, they're going to realize that I forgot to take this class or this class. I mean, it's going to happen yeah. one day. One of the things Amy was in, and I'll, I'll correlate your career with Amy a tad bit, because Amy was in a similar situation to you in that she was a comic for uh, for not a, a super very long time, not you know like not like fifteen years or anything, and then got on Last Comic Standing, and and Eliza as well. Yeah, they were comics. Got on Last Comic Standing. They were beautiful. They were noticed. They were recognized. And a lot of guys took uh, Amy on the road. Tell uh, Jim Norton. And they didn't take. They're all monogamous dude. They're not having sex with Amy, but they respected her. She's fun to be around. She's nice. I think you have to be able to be someone that people can spend time with and not want to kill. To go yeah. on the road, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's like taking, it's like having a road trip. Like you're not gonna take your annoying friend on the road trip. Like there are some girls that I'm friends with. I'm like, we are never going on a vacation ever, ever again yeah. together. Because <laughs> I will kill you. Yeah. You know. And I think going on a road, like I, I see it as like building a family, which is why I really like it's something that I definitely want to do maybe in the next year or so. Going on the road is gives you 
an insight to people, to yourself, your voice, what you want to talk about, like nothing in Hollywood or New York can give. Hollywood and New York will get you sharp. It'll get you tight. You'll get a really great 10 minutes, and you can hone it, and you can work on it. It's going to be a little out of touch for, say, you know, Des Moines. Yeah, like, Des exactly. Des Moines is going to go, I don't take taxis. I don't know what the fuck Uber is. Like, I don't know what your reference is. I don't get it. We don't have Puerto Ricans. Like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. However, going to Des Moines, do an hour, and you're like, and you and you you find these universal truths that that the and then your take on it is is when you realize oh that's why Dave tells a genius that's why Norton and Burr and and Louis that's why they're geniuses yeah. Louis C K does alt rooms let me tell you something Louis C K does the road more than alt rooms because Louis C K is playing for the world yeah and you know and alt rooms are amazing the fuck one of the greatest goddamn places I've ever performed meltdown is meltdown comics love meltdown I did uh, Doug, Doug it, it, Benson interruption there with Kumail and and uh, mm-hmm. Todd and B- Doug and I told. Uh, I have a story about getting involved with the Russian mafia when I was younger. I told that story there. I, I tell it on the road all the time. It, it's comedy fans. It's people who want to see comedy and or love comedy and, and respect the art form and respect the nuance. I fucking walked out of there going, I want to get on this stage every time I can. That is the greatest room I've it's, ever performed in. It's so weird, though, because like that's a stage that I really want to get on, but people... I, I had some people get in my ear and basically be like, Jen, no one's going to think you're funny because you're too pretty. No, no. You know what no, I mean? Like no. I've had and it and it's like, well, people don't respect you. Well, people don't think Jen you're Kirkman comic. Jen Kirkman is gorgeous. I mean? Morgan Murphy is I think I've I've had a secret crush on Morgan Murphy for fucking 10 years. Uh, there are the most beautiful well, women in the world perform on that stage, you know? So <laughs> yeah. that, that's not it's don't let anyone What's really tell bad you is anything. sometimes it's women that say that. Oh, of course. You know what I mean? And I'm just like Man, haters still happen when you're an adult. It's just so weird. It's so bad in comedy. Don't let anyone tell you anything. Don't let anyone tell you anything. Do whatever the fuck you want. Make friends with whoever the fuck you want. Don't think that click's different than this click. If you go into UCB, just be nice to everyone and say hi to everybody. (laughs) No, it's weird, though, because, like, like, when I tried to do, when I did improv, I'm really good at improv. Um, like I, I really am like, I love doing it on the stage when I do stand up. but like actual improv, I'm just like, you know what would make this really funny if we wrote it, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm on stage. Sometimes you're just like, you might create it and it's amazing, but people are going to laugh just as hard at improv if it's shit because, oh, well, they tried, you know what I mean? Like it's the, oh, well, that was ridiculous laugh, you know, improv. Uh, there are people that are amazing improvers. Yeah. I mean, there are. Then there's a lot of people that uh, are not. But it's the same as comedy. I mean, there are g- great comics, and there's a lot who are not. Here's where I look at comedy. This is my fucking two cents in how I perform stand-up comedy. I have a boat of material. I always figure it, because I'm from Florida, I always reference everything in, in boat terms. I have a boat of comedy mm-hmm. that is uh, just floating in the water. And when I get on stage, I kind of get in the water, and I have that boat that I can go to, but my goal always is to swim as far as far away from that boat as I can and come up with material on the fly because that's how I write. I love doing that I on I love stage. that because, because, quite honestly, if I just sat and fucking fished for grouper on that boat all day long, I would be bored out of my goddamn mind. Like, I got to go spear fishing. I got to get into the water. Um, it's, it's anyone who just goes out fishing and fishes and doesn't hop in the water at one point, I don't understand that mentality of life. And so I always try to stay, swim as far away from the boat and see. I can always swim back to the boat. I always have material I can go to. Yeah. But I love to create on stage. And I love, and without that, 
You get in trouble that way. You definitely, I definitely get in, I've gotten in a lot of trouble that way. I've gotten in trouble a couple times, but yeah. I mean, it, it's it makes it exciting because otherwise I get bored, and I have to remind myself, Jen, these people haven't heard your set before, so like they don't know your jokes, so you might be bored with them. But I have yeah. to present them in a way that isn't boring. You know. Well, what fucking who calls my home phone? Who has a home it? phone? That's the biggest my wife. problem. I guess one call. And they were like... Really? Um, yes, please let this be. Jan, I'm um, at the hotel. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Yeah, good afternoon, Mr. Uh, Kreitcher. Yeah. My name is Janet. Good hey. afternoon. I'm doing some calls out in uh, Valley Village, but I'm just contacting homeowners that use either DWP or Edison for their electricity. Janet, I'm sorry. I'm in the middle of doing a podcast, and, and I, I don't have time to do this. I uh, And now you're on it, too. I'm sorry. Can I uh, call you later? Um, I can call you back another time. That's fine. Sure. Call me back, Janet. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. My wife gets those calls and goes, you know what? Actually, that is important. Like, we should definitely call them, but I don't want to talk now. No. Like, my wife, some guy came by trying to knock on his windows. My wife's like, you know what? We need new windows. I go, I thought we blew these people off. She goes, nope. Sometimes they sell shit we need. And so we all got fucking brand new windows in the house. Oh. And I was like, interesting. Um, I, I didn't mean to interrupt with that. What were you saying about, how, how long have you been doing to stand up? About a year. A year, a year I was, you want, you want to talk about, you want to talk about haters. A year into stand up, I had a six-figure deal with Will Smith. I was living in L.A. in a, in a, a hotel, the Universal Sheridan, and yeah. I was still working the door at the Boston Comedy Club, but I was set. I was in New York. I had gotten a deal six months in. I had been doing stand-up six fucking months. Geez, make me feel like an underachiever, okay? But it was It'll be a year in March, you know, and I, uh, you know, till this day, like, there's there's days when I'm just like, you know what? Thank you so much, audience. This is the night that I realized... Um, I'm, I should probably give this up, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I'm actually, I've never really had one of those nights. It's never been that bad. But the one, like, there's nights when, like, I was doing the roast battle. The very first time Jeff Ross had seen me write roast jokes. And he goes, where the hell did you come from? You're so delightfully wrong. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I love Jeff's you. Jeff's a great guy. Yeah, he's like, I love you. He's like, you're so delightfully wrong. Jeff's a great guy, and he's a, and he's a, a, I say safe guy, but like he's not like a predator. No. So like I, I, he's a guy that I'd be like, if I were you, I'd be like, I'd hey, let's get coffee one afternoon. And Jeff would totally do that. I mean, but other it's, than it's like, but it's like little tidbits like that when people like like him that I respect come up to me and say that kind of stuff. Where I'm like, okay, I'm doing this right. You're doing it right as long as you're doing it your way. Yeah. And here's the thing is that, you know. You're starting in the right place. It's not like you're going out trying to sell out theaters and not know what you're doing. And there yeah. are people who've done that, and, and they go up, and then people just go, I don't want to see it. Learn the craft. Get into the craft. Dig it. And, and hop on the road with a couple guys. Find or girls. I mean, g girls, it's hard because it's like girls don't want to bring other girls on the no. road because you're gonna, you're, your shit's going to overlap. But there are guys that would fucking de definitely bring you. I'd, I'd bring you anywhere in fucking Florida. I mean, we'd sell fucking shitload of tickets to Florida. Yeah. But you got to remember, you know, we also have this propensity. There, New York, I mean, yeah. any of those places. And, and it's funny because if I did shows in New York, I think I would have to address the elephant in the room. You know what I mean? Like, you may. You and, may. No, but I, I have, believe me, I've already written jokes about it just in case it ever happens, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and I have great, great comebacks for if people ever said anything to me when I was on stage about that, you know? So now what's your, what's your five-year plan? My five-year plan? I always say five-year plan because I have a five-year plan. Like, I think in terms of that. Like, when I got into stand-up, I on my 26th birthday, I've said this a number of times, but my dad told me I was a piece of shit. I was doing nothing. I was I was just fucking being the party boy in New York. I thought that I partied in Florida State and got discovered. If I party in New York, something would explode. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing did. And I was there, like, seven months. And my dad just called me. He's like, you're a pe- on my birthday. You're a piece of shit. da 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 you need to fucking... I've had those come-to-Jesus meetings with my parents, too. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, they're terrible. Oh, it's... it's Well, it's, you know, it's... They're, they, you know, they still go to Carabas for dinner, you know? Oh. Like, that, like they, they have, think Duca Pepo is, like, Italian. Yeah, and so my my parents are the same way, and, and it's been really hard for my dad to, like, wrap his head around. And even when you're succeeding, my dad still has hiccups and going, like, buddy, I, I, don't, I don't want you to fucking kayaking with crocodile i don't know i don't know what the fuck you're doing like but that is so much fun like i love doing crazy stuff like that though like that's always what would you what would your five-year plan be like what what do you want to do five-year plan i honestly i got into stand-up because i love sitcom and i think sitcom is is a dying art unfortunately but i think that there's some shows out there that still do it right like mom is great you know, I yeah. really, Undateable's growing on me. I think yeah. it's maybe because I know a lot of the guys on the show. Um, but I love comedy acting. You yeah. know, I love Judd Apatow's stuff. I love that crew. And um, I want to do, com- you know, comedic acting. But I think stand-up is such a great way of learning how to tell a joke or what makes things funny. But, like, or now that I've... exploring your own personal timing. Yeah, exactly. You know, what makes me funny? And, like, instead of going to, like, a school that teaches acting and they try to tell you what makes you funny, you're like, no, you don't. I've tried this in a room of, you know, 500 people, and let me tell you, I know what makes me funny. Yeah. You know? Um, So that's, like, my five-year plan. I I love what Schumer's done. Um, And, like, I definitely would see myself going down a similar road as her. That's what I I would love, you know, God willing. And... I would definitely, like, stand-up is something that is going to stay. Like, it's not like I would stop stand-up for acting. Like, yeah. I would want to be, a, you know, I would want to be able to do both things because I get a certain thing out of stand-up, like a therapy that is just unmatched by anything. Do you have the goal of going back and performing a powwow for Florida State? Oh, my God. That'd be so fun. I got an offer, this is like, a long time ago. To go back and do that? I got an offer from my, my agent was like, would you be interested in doing powwow? for Florida State. 1,000%. I was, like, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I Especially I after going, seeing how my roast jokes went over at Florida, at the Florida State um, comedy thing. Yeah. I told one about Nick O'Leary. Or I had Brad tell one about Nick O'Leary. Um, so I, was, I had him walk out. I go, you have to find this guy in the audience. I'm like, he looks like a Viking. You're not going to miss him. I was like, dude, you look like a Viking from the Capital One commercials. <laughs> and he's like, what's in your wallet? And you know, Nick's been in a ton of motorcycle accidents. I said, you go, yeah. You go, what's in your wallet? And you go, hopefully not a motorcycle license. <laughs> and the whole room of guys just lost it. Like they were just like, oh shit, you know. Like I said, I, yeah. I'm always going to be the oh shit girl. Yeah. Um, like that just happened. My comedy's great for world star hip hop. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, going back and doing powwow would be awesome. Um, I have I have aspirations to. I've always had people always like Eddie F. Always does like shows at Florida State. I've never once been invited to do a show at Florida State. I'm not a good college act though. Like I don't like doing colleges. I usually this is my wife. Yeah, this is my wife. 
Hey, how are you? Again. Very nice to meet you. Um, we're talking okay. Tallahassee. Yeah, we're talking about. Yeah, I don't know much about Tallahassee. <laughs> She's a redneck, you can tell. Can I love her here? voice. Takes me back. Okay, well, we're home. All right. All right. Nice to meet you, too. Um, yeah, she. Uh, yeah, I'd be, I don't know what the fuck I'd do without her. She met that guy that was just partying his balls off and was like, it wasn't like I was, she was going to change me, but she definitely put things in perspective on where I needed to focus what I was good at and what I wasn't good at. Yeah. And what I wasn't good at was fucking controlling myself. <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, I always would love to, I'm not a big college guy. I don't, I'll do colleges if they pay my quote. And if they pay my quote, then they know that – then they've read the the writer that says, I'm not going to – I am not going to be politically correct. I'm going to say whatever I'm talking Yeah, exactly. Because I don't want to go into a college and then be like, hey, who who likes orientation? Like, I'd love to go and do stuff for the troops, but I feel like I'm just so ridiculously inappropriate. Like, they don't allow women to do that kind of material. Well, she does that shit, doesn't she? But you have to have, like, no sexual jokes at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, they were, they're oh, very weird about point. that. <laughs> exactly. You show up in a bikini and be like, I'm not allowed to talk about the sex. But- I'm not allowed to talk about the sex, guys. <laughs> I'm making the jerk-off gesture for everyone that can't see me. But, you know, I'm not allowed to talk about the sex. But, um, yeah, I, that's why I definitely, I don't like having, um, like, Things that are telling me like I don't like having boundaries. I don't like, like don't try don't either. try to cage me in and tell me what I can and cannot talk about. Well, let's let's try to maybe I'll, I'm going to talk to Cal. Let's try to figure out how we can do Tampa together. That'd be so sick. I got uh, I'm there the thirtieth, so I haven't I haven't figured out any of it. So uh, I don't know. Maybe if you're going to be down there. Then we'll get you on the show too. You can come do radio with me and Cal. Oh my God, that would. I mean, I, I think I'm going. <laughs> That'd be such a hot mess, but it'd be such a fun hot mess to be, be a, a part of. <laughs> it would be a pretty amazing show. Right now, everyone. Now, I shouldn't have said anything. I should have said to you off air. I'm like, oh, you should look in. But now everyone's gonna be like, definitely do that. Definitely do. That. Definitely get on um, that. But yeah, it'll be fun. We'll go do radio with Cal for the mornings, or for the you know, cause he's uh, we'll do like I don't know. I think I get in there from. Like on two, I don't know. When Do you I like start. land and then go straight to his show and start drinking? Uh, I don't know when I. I wouldn't judge you if you did. Not, I've uh, done that before. <laughs> Coming in, in from London, I'm coming in from Tanzania, so I I will be a hot fucking mess, uh, and I'll be on malaria medicine. And when I'm on malaria medicine, I'm, my my brain goes kind of haywire. Amazing. So uh, it, Cal's gonna love it, but yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go straight from Tanzania to Pampa to uh, to do. And then be there and try to try to regulate my fluids until the show, and then maybe go to Gasparilla. Do it the responsible way. And then I'm Look coming home to try to have, be a father. <laughs> so, what's your uh, What's your your Twitter's Jennifer Sturger? Yeah, it's my full name. J e n n i f e r. Yeah. Sturger. S t e r g e r. You your Instagram. Same thing. Same thing. You're I keep it real simple. Court. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and my uh, MySpace. No. <laughs> My, I, I like as a lark. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get the MySpace app because they have an app. I was like, yeah. I'll check out. Maybe, maybe I'll reinvent my career on MySpace. Like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll flip flop it and bring everyone back to MySpace. Pain in the fucking ass. No. Oh, all it does was just send notifications like 
hey, too live, too hot, too hip is coming to your town. No. Too, uh, like, I'm, I, I hate getting, like, the Google Plus and this and this. I'm like, are we still trying to make Google Plus a thing? Like, is that I, really happening? Just, that happened to me today. <laughs> that happened to me today. I was like, what the fuck are these circles? And I was Google like, Plus, LinkedIn, Instagram, oh, I've got the LinkedIn. Vine. I'm too, I'm not smart enough to work Vine. I was on Vine at the very beginning, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be on the front. But it's just children. It's like children do Vine. Yeah. Adults don't do it. So, uh. Uh, so I stopped. I stopped Vine. I don't know. There are these two. I forget what it's called. It's like Ghetto Vine or something like that. But there are these two black guys that make like the most hilarious videos. They reenacted Missy Elliott's um, Super Duper Fly in their closet wearing trash bags. <laughs> and I was like, this is genius. There are some really good Vines. <laughs> yeah. Jason Nash is good on Vine. Ryan. Uh, Delia Ryan was Jim. great on Vine, but then he got kind of like butthurt because people were like, oh, you're famous on Vine. He's like, no, screw you. I'm. Famous in real yeah, life. Really is <laughs> legit famous. Yeah. Um, Instagram. Oh, Will Sasso was amazing on Vine. Oh, he's so good. Will Sasso was fucking phenomenal on Vine. Like, that was the only person. Brian Callen, I enjoy on Vine. Callen. Callen's just a funny fucking human being. Exactly. Uh, he's uh, Instagram. I'm big on it. I love Instagram. Like, I, I, I get a kick on Instagram. That's where I see. I'm good at Instagram, but only because I'm like, I'm pretty. I'm not good with the words. Um, <laughs> but, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not slutty enough for Instagram. That's what it is. I like I, to post funny stuff on there. I just unfollowed all the porn stars. That was my New Year's resolution. No porn. Good for you. No porn. I was like, it's inundating my brain. And it's coming to a place where it's like, I don't even know that I'm looking at it sometimes. Like, in, and a lot of it's like Instagram or YouTube or uh, Twitter. It's like you get on a link and you click it because you see an ass and you're like, oh, what? now I'm looking at porn and my family's in the room. So I unfollowed You're all. like, I follow her for her witty jokes and inspirational quotes. I followed this girl, Jessie Andrews. She's a porn star. Uh-huh. I followed her because I was interest, I was genuinely interested in her life outside mm-hmm. of porn. Like, I was like, she's this DJ, she makes jewelry, and she, and she was having these really cool, for like a period of three months, she was on tour for her music, and it was really cool to look at. Her like, not being not just being a, a porn, porn star. star, yeah. And and she, like, went to the Kentucky Derby, and she had all these pictures with, like, old people. I don't with know. clothes on. And You're like, like, holy yeah. crap, she's a person. I was like, they don't even know who they're hanging out with. Like, they're, they're hanging out with, like, a legit porn star. And, um, and it was really kind of neat to see this double side. And then, and then it just, like, and then I just kind of got turned off because I was like, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, like, a fan of her porn work. I don't, like, <laughs> like I'm, so then I just unfollowed her. I was like, eh. Oh, I've never understood that. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of your work. I'll tell you what. Here's what. Here's where it goes. If I could talk to you on my podcast, I'm a fan. Like, yeah. if I could talk to you and have genuine, this is my daughter, Georgia. Oh, my God. George. I love it. Um, She's doing I, the Harlem Shake. Oh, my God. Hey, George. This Hi. Is my, this is my friend, Jen. Nice to meet you. George has got a pink eye and an ear, double ear infection, so, oh, lovely. so she will not be coming in. <laughs> George, 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 beat it. And tell Isla there's no reason for her to come out either, okay? Isla, you want to come out here? <laughs> Isla's my fucking lunatic kid. Oh. This kid is going to be... Uh, a fucking nightmare. Um, but if I like I said, if I could interview on my podcast, yeah. then I then I'll follow you and or I'm a fan or I get like I'm interested. I'm genuinely interested. Poor Jesse Anders. I don't know what I talk to her about on a podcast. I really, I don't. You know, uh, like you have nothing in common. Yeah, you know, like I was really excited for this podcast. I was cause I was like I was like there's you're a like lot she's of, either gonna be a hot mess or awesome. My fear was honestly, my fear was you were gonna be a disconnected hot chick. 
Like that you would be like that you'd be like. The number one thing I was like, hey, do I have to get dressed to come there? And you're like, no, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, I'd, rather, I'd rather you be comfortable and not use video. Yeah. Then cause video does add like a. It adds a level for me. Lila. I mean, they're both phenomenal. I love that you like let them get dressed in the Big Daddy collection. <laughs> What's up, I? Isla, this is my friend Jen. Hi. Nice to meet you. Isla's healthy. She did have a. You're not coming in, Isla. Don't shut the door. Isla. Isla. That's what, see, but that's what I want. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be able to have a good enough comedy career where I can have a family and, like, have a life. And don't get me wrong, they're going to be a big part of my material, I'm sure. Oh, Isla's a big part of my material. But you have to be able to grow. And I feel like comedians that can't grow and, like, can't take the next steps in life, like, I'm not going to be, like, the single hot chick forever. Like, I want this. You know what I mean? I, I I feel like you... There is a point where you start, you start to regress if you don't grow. Yeah. And you go. You I'm know. not gonna be the 45 year old single hot, you know, milf ish chick that doesn't have a kid. Yeah. You know, that's not what I want. Yeah. I, I mean. Do I you mean, agree with all of this? Do you agree with this, Isla? Maybe. <laughs> do you know what a milf is? No. Good. We'll keep it that way. <laughs> um, is it hard having a dad that's a stand-up comedian? No. I feel like that would be the best interview you could possibly have. Is interview your kids? Nope. Oh, really? Because they are ham. Do you see what she's doing right now? I love it. She's a ham. She's mocking the crap out of you. The other day, I'm losing. Uh, do you remember when I lost my I lost my shit in, the, in your bedroom, and you and Georgia stopped, and you went, Daddy, you're funnier when you're serious than when you're trying to be funny. Oh, my God. Remember that? <laughs> Why? Why am I funnier when I'm serious? Because you're I get that, too. People are like, when you're angry, you're hilarious. There's a part of your real personality, yeah, that, that shows up. And these two are like that. When they're try- not trying to be funny, they're hilarious. But then when you know when they come on the podcast, they get a little hammy, no. and, and they'll just start doing bits or doing, like, voices. <laughs> I love that your kids have bits. Oh, they, but, well, they're not funny bits, but they think they're funny. <laughs> like, the funniest thing Isla ever said, she said, I, I mean, I've said this so many times, but what? Oh, yeah. Is uh, we needed a safe word. And she came up with our safe word. Oh, my God. And she was like, I got it. But she was being dead serious. Like, and I was like, what do you think it should be? She goes, uh, how about motherfucker? Oh, my God. She goes, no one's going to say that to a kid. And, but she wasn't trying to be funny. She was being dead, dead serious. She was being brilliant. Oh. And she didn't know she was being brilliant. I doubled over laughing because. It's when she's not being funny. No. That's like my buddy's kid the other day that I, like, would watch on occasion. Um, He had, like, one of those elf on a shelf things, and he was very creeped out by oh, it. yeah. And so he's gotten to that, like, he's, like, three and a half or four. He still needs, like, help wiping his own ass, like, that type thing. Yeah. So he just finished taking a crap, and he's like, Daddy, get in here. I need help to wipe my butt. And so he comes in, and he's like, Jesus, what did you do in here? He's like, what's your mom feeding you? He looked in the toilet. And the elf was in the toilet with a giant turd on it. Are you serious? Yeah. He's like, me elf. and he just looks over and he's like, exactly, your mom's been feeding you elves. He goes, Daddy was creeping me out. Isla told me one time I was taking a, I was taking a dump. She goes, de- like dead serious. Do you remember this eye? She goes, Dad, one time I, took, I had a poop so big <laughs> it had a slipper in it. Oh yeah. Oh my god. And I went, there's no way you should have slipper. She goes, swear to God, ask mom. So I go, Leanne, did Isla shit a slipper? Leanne walks right in and goes, yeah, she did. It was a Barbie slipper. Oh She's like, apparently she had swallowed it and it left, like it was really hard to come out. And oh Isla did not forget about it. Barbie's got them size six and a half. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap this up. Why don't you go in and hang out with Papa Jay? I'll be in in a second. 
why why don't you grab a candy cane and go in and hang out with Papa Jay? Go, come on. All right. Yep, grab a candy cane. <laughs> grab a candy cane. You dress. You do dress like a homeless person. <laughs> no, it's the Big Daddy you collection really for do. spring 2015. Have, very few people can wear uh, stripes, leopard prints. Minions from Despicable Me pajamas. Minion pants. Okay, go, Ala. She pulls it together. Uh, you're missing the best part of this outfit, which apparently she took off, which is her fedora. She's your hipster. She, nice. has a, she, had a fedora, she has the baddest fedora you've ever seen. Isla, can you please leave for like five minutes? I'll get the fedora. Okay, go get the fedora. All right. Cry, Isla. <sighs> That's why I want a man. I have so much stuff around my house that needs to be opened that I just can't. Do. I'm like a fruit cup girl. Like, I'm just like, I can't open this. But that's yeah. the only reason I want men in my life. <laughs> That that uh, and on. wrap it up, I that and adult sleepovers because I feel like that's the one thing oh. we shouldn't talk about in front of her. <laughs> no, I, I I can't imagine when I'm on the road by myself. I just I get so bummed out. So I, was, I would love if you could hire someone just to cuddle with you or just to so that good night, I I love you <laughs> to just to hang out with you because I get so the prostitutes would be super confused. Like if, if you if you could just say hey there are our ground rules we're not gonna have sex but I do want someone in the room so that if I have an anxiety attack in the middle of the night they can be like it's gonna oh be my okay. god I have some of the worst ones at night. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm gonna do a podcast when uh, when I uh, have my next one. My next one, I know when it's gonna be. It's gonna be in Africa, but I'm gonna oh, do a sweet. podcast while during it, a solo podcast, and tell you what's going through my brain. So I'm doing a real hardcore study in anxiety and 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 fear and shit like that. But here's I don't know. This is the last thing I'm gonna say to you. I believe this. When you find your passion, it's super fucking easy, and 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 I think that. I think that one of the things I, I, I dug about your career or what you've gone through is that you've been forced, be it by TV, be it by media, be it by other people, you've been forced to be yourself. You've been forced to find out who the fuck you are, and you've been forced to be Jen Sturger by yourself a lot. And, and yeah. it, it's one of the things that I've... I found you you were forced a hand that is now commonplace in society but was not commonplace. You were forced a hand of being famous for being hot and not really having a talent per se. And you were however people didn't know I had talent. People didn't know you had talent and they weren't allowing you to explore it and you had haters because of it and you were then you you went to New York and you and you really said, I know what I'm doing, and it fucking haters showed back up, and you were forced once again to be Jen Sturger. If stand-up comedy, if 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 there's one thing that lends itself well to stand-up comedy, it is being yourself. Truth. And you are, and you are, I'm telling you I said this, and I I didn't know what to expect when you showed up. I didn't know, uh, and sincerely, I was like, wonder if she'll show up in the Calgary office. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to expect. I'm but sorry, I have the worst laugh ever too. No, but it's what? So, uh, it's so but real. You're very, you're a very normal person, and you are definitely you. You know who the fuck you are, and that is why you're going to succeed in stand up much quicker than the average person. Because a lot of people show up at 21 and they don't know who the fuck they are. They just see what other people are doing and they replicate that. If you continue to stay Jen Sturger. You are going to be a smashing success, and I do think that means a lot to me coming from you, man. You're you're going to 
and I, and I say this, and I, I will, I don't get to help any alumni out. Yeah. I will do whatever I can to help you out because we come from the same cloth. We are two kids who showed up at Florida State with, as hot messes, as, and we <laughs> left that school confused with a tad bit of fame under our belt. Yeah, and and everyone wanted us to fail. Everyone wanted the kid that partied his dick off for seven years and then got discovered by Rolling Stone, optioned out by Oliver, St- Oliver Stone, and moved to New York. They wanted me to come back and sell boats so that they could come up and go, ah, didn't work out, huh? Well, that's why I got into carpet sales in East Georgia. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the, you know? And they, they, they wanted that for both of us. Oh, hardcore. People and, want me to go to porn so bad. I, yeah. Well, there's, I'm sure Eric Gruzin's like, yeah. well, give me a heads up if you do. <laughs> but, no, but, but they do. They want you to do that. And, and I'm telling you when I say this, I, you, I will, you have my back. I, if you need anything, please let me know. I will help you out as much as I can. I want Florida State kids to have all the things I've had in this career. And I want you to experience it, and I will. And I do think keep with the stand up. Get yourself a tight ten minutes so that you love it, that you can perform it anywhere, and people love it. That tight ten minutes is so specific. Barry Katz and Judy Brown would say, "Cut it down to six and get it ready for TV late night, and 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 then and keep it fun, but also get on the road. and uh, And if we can get this Tampa thing to work out. Oh, that'd be, be so fun. That'd be so fun. Get out and show you the road and show you what it's like to stretch your legs out for 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. or, or or just get in there and have a destructive 10 and feel what 350 people on top of you in Tampa feel yeah. like and, and have your friends come out and go, I'm I mean, so I've, proud of you. I mean, I've done the, I've done like Gotham and stuff like that, sold out show at Gotham. Like I've done some really big rooms and I think that that's one of the reasons why I've been met with so much animosity almost yeah, in the comedy people, world is people are like why is she getting like I've done the parlor here yeah. on a Monday night I've done like this roast I've done several of them it'll be different for you yeah. and I hope this type of thing works out but it'll be different for you when you go home and people that you haven't seen in yeah. 10 years come out and they and they look at you and, and I can say this I can say this I want and I want you to have it as much as I enjoyed it is when you see someone from college who you know kind of did talk shit about you and then they see you, and they're proud of you, and they say, I'm so proud of you. And, and you realize that they And I go, remember. thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a perfect way to end this podcast. <laughs> ben, thank you so much for coming. Let's figure out Tampa. Awesome. And let's, let's uh, And like I said, you're a fantastic person. Likewise, man. I can't wait to hear what my wife has to say about you. My one-hour comedy special, The Machine, airs on Showtime November 11th at 10 p.m. That's right, everybody. I am very pleased to announce my one-hour comedy special on Showtime, The Machine, airs 11-11 at 10 p.m. So do me a favor. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Set your DVRs. Put it on your post-it at work. Tattoo it on your arm. Watch it in your machine shirt that you can get at BurtBurtBurt.com. And tell everyone, The Machine, 11-11 at 10 p.m. Hey, guys, don't skip forward. Let me talk to you for two seconds. This is the week. This is the time I've been waiting for. 
for a while. My Showtime special, as you know, airs 11-11 at 10 p.m. this Friday. It's called The Machine. You've heard the story. You know the story. But that does not mean you shouldn't tune in and listen to the whole, watch the whole special. So do me a favor. Set yourself a reminder on your phone for real. Don't skip forward and think I'm going to say the same thing I've always said. Tell a friend. Post it on social media for me. Take a, take a second and, and help. That's all I'm asking for is your help. If you reach out to, if you connect with five fucking people, I know how many people listen to this podcast. If you connect with 10 people, if each of you connect with 10 people, this show will be a massive ratings hit. If you each connect with five people, it will still be a massive ratings hit, and that will mean a great deal for me and my career and this podcast and who I can get on this podcast and what I can do with this podcast, and it would mean a great deal to me from the bottom of my heart. So just take a second and tweet about it or, or Facebook about it or download the repost thing from Instagram and repost one of my many trailers I've put out this week to promote this special, it's Friday. You have two days. It's Wednesday right now. It's Wednesday morning. Just go around your office and be like to, to 10 people, hey, have you seen Burke Kreischer? Let me show you this machine story. This is really great. This is going to be on this special, but it's so much better because that was four years ago, and this is now, and you've got to see this. This guy performs shirtless. It's fucking awesome. Just promote me. Help me promote me. That would mean the, great, mean the world to me. It really would. And that's coming from the bottom of my heart, sitting in my man cave, fucking ego destroyed from doing five hours of press every morning from five until ten. You get into this rote, fucking unreal thing where you're just, you're laughing and you're in it and you're fucking telling jokes and they're laughing and you don't know how much they're in it. And then you hang up and then you do it again. You do, you know, 20 or 30 of them and, and you do podcasts and, and you just, it's, you feel like a promotional whore. That's what I'm going to call my next special. I'm a promotional whore because I'm like, I'm bragging. I'm just bragging. And I'm, I'm not a braggart. I mean, well, yeah, I am a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a humble bragger and a little bit of a, well, whatever. I'm a, look, I'm already fucking destroying myself. <laughs> I've got a negative dialogue inside my head about myself, and I need you to help me change it. So just, like I said, help me spread the word. Let's do a grassroots movement so that, so that everyone knows that, that us podcast fans are legit. That when we're a fan of something and we dig what a guy's doing and putting out, that we support it and it's legit. Because, you know, there's so many people that want to shit on this medium. And I know that you know just as much as I know that I'm as much of a fan as you are. I like these podcasts just as much as you do. When we run into each other, the fucking first thing we say is, who did Rogan have on his podcast? Tommy and Christina are fucking hilarious. Are his fucking podcast about the running of the Bulls is amazing? Did you hear Joey and Felipe talk about fucking Judas Priest the other day? We're all fans of these podcasts. So let's take a second and see if it can benefit me. That sounds like a fucking horry thing to say. But you know what I'm saying. I've talked long enough. I appreciate you listening. Um, obviously, tour dates. I'm in Baltimore this weekend. Uh, coming up, I'll be there for the 11th. I'll be doing Elliot in the morning. I'll be on promotional tour all right now. So if you're listening to this, turn on your local radio station. You'll hear me uh, talking about the machine and Van Wilder and all the fucking shit that is my cult of personality, <laughs> my drinking, my fucking belly, 
I'm losing weight. I've got a bet with Ari and Tom Segura that was were, that is a legit bet. We're going to see if Tom and I can get our BMIs below obesity just into overweight. And if we can, both of us, then Ari has to take us on a trip. And if either of us can't, then we've got to pay for a trip for the three of us. So uh, that bet is real. So I'll be challenging myself to lose weight. I'll probably be putting a weight loss vlogs. Those were kind of inspiring. Kind of held me to the fire. Um, I got Tampa, Indianapolis, and uh, West Paul, Fort Lauderdale coming up in December, along with um, what the fuck's the guy, the thing, uh, Oxnard, New Year's Eve. That's it. That's my intro. Not totally, because i got to tell you who's on the podcast today. Today's guest is Steve-O. Uh, I love Steve-O. I think Steve-O's fucking fantastic. And you can tell it. In the very beginning of this podcast, his energy was like kind of guarded, and then it shifts, and we chill. We talk. Uh, we have a great conversation. All the stuff I'm fascinated about, about his past through Jackass and getting into stand-up and working in clubs and his Showtime special, it, it, is, a, uh, it is one of my favorite podcasts I've done. I know that I love when he's on podcasts, so I in, immediately know that you guys will love when he's on mine. So uh, it, it's a good podcast. He said to me, he goes, I hope I didn't reach right over any stories that I've told before. And I was like, I didn't want to geek out and be like, I've listened to you on every fucking podcast you've been on. I think we're good. Like, I definitely didn't know how much money you made on Jackass. Like, that was fucking fascinating. But uh, And we talk about that. So without further ado... Uh, no more plugs for this goddamn special. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Steve-O. Check that mic. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. You, you look so much more grown up than I thought you'd look. Um, let's see if I can get this Mevo working. Do you know what Mevo is? I do not, man. It's pretty cool. It's this, uh, let's see. Fuck it. Um, Let's see if I can do it later. It's this uh, Facebook Live thing. Uh, Okay. It's, uh, do you do Facebook Live? Um, You know, uh, I have. Do you do uh, any social media? I'm pretty active with social media. Really? Yeah, I go through, like, kind of phases a little bit. I've been mellowing it lately. You seem like a guy. It's it's interesting. I always, as you, uh, you know, who Bobcat Goldthwait is. Obviously, sure. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh When I first met him, I, like I have a weird thing with saying things. I don't mean it offensive by say things that I think. Uh-huh. You know how you have a preconceived notion of someone your whole life, and then you meet them, and you're like, uh huh. And I said to Bobcat when I first met him, I go, hey, "What kind of car do you drive?" And he just was like, "Why would you ask that?" And I was like, "I don't know. I've I've always wondered what kind of car a guy like you drives." And he was like, man, you're catching me on the wrong fucking day. I just got rid of this old suicide door Lincoln, and I just bought a Mercedes. And I was like, like you can see the sellout in his eyes, you know? <laughs> I remember meeting him and asking him uh, if if uh, he could, if he had an extra piece of chewing gum. And, yeah. and, and uh, I thought that my breath stunk. And so I asked him, hey, man, you got another piece of gum? And he says, oh, uh it's nicotine gum I'm chewing. I said, oh, no way, man. Did you quit smoking? He says, uh, no, I just chew the gum, too. I smoke, and I chew the gum as well. 
I thought that was so fucking cool. I mean, I guess he had tried, to, you know, to quit, and, and, and I don't know. But, yeah, so he smokes and chews nicotine gum. That, that's fucking impressive. Well, I think Bobcat's an interesting fucking guy. Yeah. How yeah, so? Uh, so I'm I'm dying to talk to you about so much shit, <clears throat> but namely stand up because sure, man. you're one of the few people that kind of you're the few people one of the few people that transitioned and your reputation at clubs isn't a dick, which is I mean cool. I say that from like from my perspective. I've, I've been doing stand up 17 years and uh, coming up on 18. Uh, yeah, 18 in two days. Yeah, I'm pretty careful about, like, number one, of course, uh, giving a shit about what I do, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just such a, a true attention whore. Are you really, do you think? Really, really. But, like, I'm not a, a thrill seeker. I'm not an adrenaline junkie. It's, it's not that. I don't even... I mean, for example, I'm fucking terrified of roller coasters. Oh. You know? Oh, there's, no, there's no part of me that really uh, wants the to to be in danger or uh, or or you know uh, even really to go faster. <laughs> 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 I just I'm just uh, an attention whore. I have some kind of primal um, urge to be known, to to exist, to to even have a legacy beyond my years, and um, you know who knows why, but. Um, but yeah, so it just really it really matters to me when people come out to see me that uh, that, that I put on a great show for them, and uh, you know that I think has has really been been the the number one thing that's helped. And I guess as far as like with, with the clubs, um, you know, I have a uh, my rider, which which is of course like the things that you demand. Yeah. And um, you know, all I have on it is uh, water. <laughs> yeah. And, and and that's fucked up too, man. I don't even need that on there, because uh, I, I and this is something that, that's really sort of uh, upsetting and 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 troubling for me because uh, I've hit my head so much over the years. Um, and 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 way back when when Jackass first started, I I uh, I launched a, a a live stage show, which was which that was that was an interesting that was like a, what Stanhope does is like a a bar you'd go bar to bar. And it was like fucking full on event. It was you, Wee Man, Preston. Pretty much, right? Yeah. And it wasn't even really. I mean, we we were doing like big fucking theaters and everything back then. I mean, it was like like you know really? when the Jackass heyday. Yeah, we would have like fuck man, like fifteen hundred up to three thousand even people would show up, and and it was like. Uh, I, I I would have stunts I was definitely going to do every show, but there was basically just, you know, I was drunk, you know, on drugs. I actually promoted the shows by promising that I would be drunk and on drugs or your money back. And without fail, like, the, my entrance, my grand entrance to the to this stupid show, like, I would come out on stage with, like, a 24-pack of, uh, of Budweiser cans. Yeah. And and I would throw some out into the crowd, and then I would just start to to Slayer music. I was just slam these cans on my head. You started that your hour special that way on Showtime. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'd slam them on my head, and they they'd break in half. And then of course I got sober, and so then I started fucking coming out with 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 carbonated water cans and smashing them on my head, which is how I, yeah I started my Showtime special, and 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 that's so cool that you know that. Thank you. Dude, I'm uh, not I'm not, like. I don't come by this interview casually. Oh, well, I'm a legit you, fan. I like I can tell you, I can <laughs> tell you things in your career that would you go. 
Really? I love that, man. Thank you so much. But, you know, it got to a point where I was fucking... I was waking up in the morning, and I'd get out of bed, and I'd walk like... Like, like I'm trying to walk straight, and I'm walking diagonally. Like, it was like... I don't know if it's vertigo or whatever it is, but yeah. but like, but I'm like, I, I gotta stop hitting myself in the head because at that point I'm I'm doing comedy clubs where you know you got one show on Thursday, two on Friday, two on Saturday, one Sunday, six shows for weekend, and I'm smashing fucking cans of soda water up <laughs> in every show. We're talking about 240 <laughs> cans smashed on your head. <laughs> it's fucked up, and, 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 and I finally said, thank God I stopped doing that. But uh, but that's why that's what why it remains on my rider today. A twelve pack of carbonated water cans just for, for me to smash on my fucking head. No no is there <laughs> is there a part of you that that because uh, you're ex- you're extremely accessible on the road. Meaning mm-hmm. the big thing that they say. I mean I, I do like uh, I think it's it was forced upon us. Dane was the first one that would do it. Would do be do a meet and greet before that. Uh-huh. Thomas would stay in the green room. You'd never talk to the audience. And then Dane did it. It became the norm. But then you took it almost to the next level because uh, I remember being in Omaha in that little hallway where everyone lines up. And, and that person who helped me sell merch was like, you know, Steve-O's out here for like a fucking full hour talking to people and taking pictures and answering yeah. people's questions. For sure. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of less of a meeting grade than just for people to get photos, you know. Um, and, and I did that right away. I mean, for... for uh, for me to be coming from sort of the arena of jackass and where I like, you know, break bones and shove shit up my ass and then all of a sudden I'm trying to, you know, sell myself as a stand up comedian, um, it was important to me from the very beginning that that I'd send everybody home possible that I can with uh, a photo. You know, thinking that <clears throat> thinking that if they enjoyed the show, which people generally really do that they're going to uh, post that photo and they're going to, you know, sort of let their friends know, hey, man, Steve will put on a great show. That's the philosophy of it. Um, and, I, and I did this for two years. I didn't even sell fucking one piece of merchandise or anything. Like, yeah. uh, it was just, let me take photos of everybody. And then I started selling merch, and it was like, oh, wow, okay, well, if I say, hey, I'm going to take a photo with everybody like I always do, but if you buy a piece of my merch, then, then you go first in the wow, line. Why didn't I fucking think of that? You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to take some photos. Every single one, but if you buy one of my pieces of merchandise, you go first. I have a merch line and then a photos-only line. Then you've got all these people who are like, man, I want to get a photo with them, you know, and I don't really fucking care about buying a Steve-O t-shirt, but fuck it, I don't want to wait. I'll just buy the shirt. (laughs) You end up selling a ton of merch. Um, I'll be doing that this weekend in (laughs) Baltimore. You end up selling a ton of merchandise, and uh, and at the end of the day, the people in the photo, the people who are just photos only line, it's like a neg- negligible. You know, it's negligible the amount of people who will actually stick around to be last and just get a photo. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, you come across like this great nice guy who's just gonna like absolutely not go anywhere until he gets a photo with every last person. But it's it's kind of the same as saying, hey, you know, buy something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is funny, but um, see, I don't know, man. I, I appreciate your kind words a lot, and 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 uh, you know, I, I work my fucking ass off to do a good show. Um, I, I really, I really give a fuck about it, and and uh, you know, I'd say I, I have a built-in audience, which is which gives me an advantage, and uh, and I've I've lived this fucking crazy life, so I've got like uh, you know, no shortage of uh, of material. That's salacious and and fucked up and juicy and and so I'm able to keep it interesting, 
And, and I'm just so grateful to be in the position that I'm in that uh, I'll be damned if I'm ever going to, like, uh, go out of my way to be difficult or, or anything. Yeah. You know, like, I, 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 even the, the water on my rider, I don't even fucking need it anymore. I should tell them to stop, and you know. All, all, like, I, I, have, I have a trick I do, which requires, like, a six-foot table. You know, that that's on my rider. Other than that, nothing. Jesus Christ. Now, what... Now, uh, I, w I definitely want to talk about the Jackass stuff. Wild sure, Boys is man. one of my favorite shows. But I'm still, I, I'm kind of. Uh, I heard you on Marin, uh -huh. and it was, uh, and it was, a, it was a really interesting interview. Do you now, when you did your special, your Showtime special, I watched, which was, if anyone hasn't seen it, fucking impressive. I think you get choked out in the first <laughs> five minutes, five minutes <laughs> by Tim Kennedy. Uh -huh. I, I trained with Tim Kennedy oh, cool, out in New Mexico. I have one of his shirts. And you know, you, I, you know, you know Tim. I, I only met him. You know, he's uh, a when, sniper, when, right? When I went down, yeah, fucking. He's like the, one of the he's sniper like, army um, ranger. Yeah, and, and he's most notable for uh, for for just calling out ISIS, where he like yeah. he, you know, like you know, cowards, pussies, and you know, like, and he talked enough shit on ISIS that they they singled him out as an individual, you know, for as a target. <laughs> and that, that that made him, you know, that, that got him all kinds of press. So then he's on, like, you know, all the news stations. So they're saying, yeah, you're a maniac, you know. Now they're trying to, they've singled you out. They want to kill you. Yeah. Tim Kennedy. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, bring it on. Come on, you coward. Last guy, last guy I just wants to fuck with. <laughs> last guy. Now, um, so, now, when you did that, do you, are you taking the Bill Burr approach where you scrap that and you want to do another special? Do you want to do a different hour? Are you oh, comfortable touring? Man. Fuck yeah! I don't. I don't like. Like uh, as soon as I taped that, I went out and started just doing new material. You know, I would like uh, as soon as I taped it. I taped it in November of last year, and it didn't air until March of this year. Yeah. So I had however many months that is, and uh, right out of the gate, what I would do is I'd go out there and I would just, you know. Uh, just jam on on new ideas and just tell like kind of different stories and you know, be like, to, 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 oh, I want to talk about this, I want to talk about it, and I would just go out and do it, and it would go how it went, and I would know that I had the the stuff I did in the special, which is proven to work, to fall back on. So I would just kind of do half and half, and then gradually I just weaned away like the the old the old stuff that I did on the special. So that by the time it came out, I had like a bona fide new show, which right. is great, and. um you know, I, I kick myself because fuck the the the, the, the new show I'm doing now. I genuinely think is way better than. Well, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> I just did my Showtime special. It airs on the 11th of November. I'll air oh, this man. the week of oh, election nice. week. Um, but uh, it airs on the 11th of November and at 10 p.m. on Showtime. And uh, and already the new hour I'm working on. I'm like I'm almost embarrassed of that hour. Right. I, 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 it's exactly how I feel, you know. Now, do you look at that hour? I mean, I think your stunts are fantastic. I'm more a story guy. I like stories. Uh, like I'm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm thrilled with how my Showtime special came out. I really, oh no, I love yeah. it. I love it. I'm saying, like, do you look at your new hour and do you look to do new stunts and new stories? Or are you focusing more on stories? Uh, do you feel like you let the fans down if you don't do something with fire or get something like bring some animal I, out? I. I uh, <laughs> It's weird. Like I, I think that um, my philosophy is uh, is that if I can do more, if I can bring more to the stage, if I can make it like uh, do extra stuff, 
Like, the, like everything in my power that I can do to make it the best show possible, that's what I want to do. Well, that's the thing. So, See, as comics, we put such handcuffs on ourselves to do what you can do at the store or at the Laugh Factory or at the Improv. Mm -hmm. And so you end up doing something very similar. And this past week I was doing this bit, and I was like... I've never done a music cue. I just have always thought them to be cheesy or hacky. Uh -huh. And then I was like, fuck it. I want a music cue. Like, and then I was like, fuck it. Why am I not bringing pictures up on stage? Why don't I have a right. projector on stage? Why am I, what am I doing? <clears throat> like, why not take it to the, try the next level? Try something right. different. It's so crazy because they say that because um, what I'm thinking about for my next special, which, which I really want to do sooner than later. Um, I really, I really do, and and like the the, the stories that I'm telling, like in my, my my new hour, yeah, it occurred, it occurs to me, like like that there, that I'm telling stories for which there is like full video documentation, and I could like why not incorporate that in for my spend, and I own. Uh, you know, I, I own like all the the old footage from you know from like uh like uh, all these crazy stories in the first half, and then it goes into the second half where, like some of it's jackass and and um so you know there's this story from the Charlie Sheen roast the you know but with with Mike Tyson, with Mike Tyson yeah fucking epic, and uh and you know and so if I were to do a comedy special for Comedy Central. Then through Viacom, they would get like half the footage, and I own half the footage, and I could edit it together. I think it would be fucking I think, cool. I'll tell you right now, if you if we're talking about an interactive show, and I'll tell you, I, these are the things I want to hear. So if you have a story, I would like to hear it. But this, the, one of the most engaging pieces of video of the 21st century, no question, or I guess 22nd century, no questions asked, is you uh, throwing up that goldfish. <laughs> There is no, I'm telling you, I've never been more riveted. The ending of Lost didn't have me as engaged as you swallowing, throwing up, and, and but, but, there, but there was an arc to it. There was an arc of oh, confidence, sure. and then you were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> right. I, it's, it's crazy, man, that, that you say that. Like the, the, I, That was an idea, the goldfish, that I was sitting on for... At least two years. And back so it's just then, an idea. Then, it's just then, an idea. Right. Back then, two years is a long fucking time, man, too. Like, it's crazy how time like uh, becomes meaningless the more that passes. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, I, I, I love that this is just an idea. I, I have a yeah, visual of you in an apartment with eight other dudes in San Diego getting up, pad and pen, and go, <laughs> I had an idea last night. Right. And drawing it out. But it wasn't that. It was me by myself in uh, this old lady's fucking house where I rented a, a single bedroom. And I was like, man, you know, my life sucks. And I want to fucking, like, uh, really break out. And I'm like, this is, this, uh, this is the one. This is going to be my card. It was my card on my sleeve. And I had so much confidence in it. I was like, man, I'm going to fucking swallow goldfish. I'm going to barf it up into a bowl. And, uh, and, and, and it said that's going to be it. That's going to, I just had so much confidence in it. <clears throat> and I was waiting for the right opportunity to do it. And of course, you know, Jackass was, really was. And that was the first this is, fucking Was this day. them doing Big Brother or was this Jackass? This is Jackass. This was when, this is, um, uh, after the pilot got ordered the very first day that, uh, and I was still working in the circus as a clown. And, uh, you know, my, my, my last day in the, the circus was my first day filming Jackass. Knocked on all these guys came and actually filmed me in the circus. And you met them through sending in tapes? Well, not sending in tapes as much as tracking them down on a Big Brother skateboard tour. You know? Really? They, they made this, they made this uh, skateboard magazine. 
And uh, I mean, fuck, I, I love the history of it so much that that uh, I'll, I'll just tell you real quick. There was a guy who uh, his name was Steve Rocco in the in the nineties, the early nineties. You know, else fuck, man, back in the eighties. You know, he 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 basically was like. Uh, yeah, the the first like real true conglomeration of skateboard companies. He completely dominated the skateboard industry. He made the first like uh, skateboard video where it was like like really fucked up shit, you know. Because up until that that point in the in the eighties, all the money that came into the skateboard industry came from uh, from mothers buying shit for their kids, you know. Yeah. So like in order to get the money from the mothers, you kind of had to like cater to the approval of the mothers. And so skateboarding videos up to that point were really careful not to be like offensive. Like even the the, the, the slam section where the people the the part of the video where the people fall off. The yeah. Stuff, they were, they were careful to make it not too violent, and they had like little, like sort of sound effects, like doop, oops, you know, yeah. make it look kind of cute when people falling up the skateboard because they didn't want to scare away the mothers. But Steve Rocco came along in the 80s, and he was like, you know what, fuck it, man. I'm so, like, it's so stupid to fucking pretend that we're not, like, skateboarders are, are, are criminals. We're fucking, we're vandals. We're fucking, we, you know, we're, we're daredevils. We're, like, we're gnarly. We're gnarly. And so he made the, and the first video that, uh, that Steve Rocco made, um, I mean, it was just fucking fucked up. And they had, like, they they just did a lot of like great shit in there, and and it, that video was it was called Rubbish Heap, and it was Spike Jones's first video project. Spike Jones wasn't even a video editor; he was a photographer for, for World for World Industries, which was Steve Rocco's company, this conglomeration of companies. World Industries and Steve uh, uh, Spike Jones was their photographer. They didn't have anybody to edit this video, and Steve Rocco demanded that it be a fucked up video. Yeah. you know, to like to to to, to fucking shock and uphold. Poor mothers, fuck them. You know we're gonna take pride in what our in, in what we are, and so Spike Jones got delegated by default, like the the task of edit, editing together this 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 video, and and of course Spike Jones went on to become a you know obviously Spike Jones. So he's had an interesting career by himself, right? And Super now, bizarre. Now in order, so this is Steve Rocker's mentality, like fuck, I mean, fuck everyone, I don't care. And and uh, he would promote World Industries, you know, in the, in the skateboard magazines, Thrasher and uh, and, and Transworld Skateboarding. These two magazines were were the, the media. So he sends his fucking ad in to Thrasher and Transworld. It's a, it's a little kid with a gun in his mouth, and it says World Industries, kill yourself. There's a photo of a kid with a gun in his mouth. Yeah. And, and uh, both Thrasher and Transworld sent back his ad. They said, dude, we can't. Have, we're not running this fucking ad. You know, this is fucked up. You can't. Yeah. You can't have a fucking. It says kill yourself with a kid holding a gun in his mouth, and and and, uh, and so they sent him back that they refused to run it. One of them also said, uh, "Hey man, I'm like particularly offended." The guy running one of these magazines says, "You know, this really upset me because when I was in high school, one of my." Uh, Best friends killed himself. So Steve Rocco says to that guy, he said, hey, man, do me a favor. Why don't you uh, make a, a list of every little thing that ever upset you so I can model the way I run my business after your little fucking sensibilities. He says, fuck you. Fuck Thrasher. Fuck Transworld. I'm, how about this? I'm not going to run ads in your magazine, period, ever. Fuck you. Yeah. I'm going to start my own magazine. And that's how Big Brother started. It was simply for Steve Rocco. Really? 
Yeah, Steve Rocker just said, fuck everybody, and he started Big Brother Magazine. Really, like, not even to, to be a skateboard magazine as much as to just simply be a forum for fucking filth that would never be allowed in the pages of Thrasher or Trampus. This is how Big Brother started. And, and boy, did they do fucked up shit. They, Big Brother came out, and I loved it, man. I loved this magazine so much. This was, like, I was so passionate about it. They had, like... Uh, you know, on the cover, you've got like the, they they literally put a stack of Bibles and set it on fire, and and had like a had a skateboarder dressed up as a devil, like do a jump over a stack of burning Bibles. They had crucified, they crucified fucking skaters on on uh, shit. They like they 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 had just even on the cover like nudity. And so you found Big Brother before the jackass. Oh, big time! I loved okay. I loved Big Brother. I loved it so much. That article, the ten most efficient ways to kill yourself, and it was like and they didn't and they they when they weren't dumb man, they had journalistic integrity. When they wrote the article on how to best kill yourself, they fucking really did their research. You know? Knoxville was Knoxville. For those of you who don't know, I partied with Knoxville in '97. Uh huh. Um, sure, he was, was working for Big, big brother. brother. Right. And he was telling me all about what he did at Big Brother, and I was just like, we were sitting in my kitchen going, right. the fuck, you're going to shoot yourself with a, uh-huh. with a crossbow? Well, yeah, he did that in like 95. Yeah. And uh, what, what happened was um, Steve Rocco ran the magazine. It was just so fucking great. How to buy crack, like how to make fake IDs. It's all the worst shit you give fucking do for, for kids. And and they, they, the different issues had like uh, whatever, like um, themes and stuff. And so... It, it, at one point, they put out the kids' issue. Was, the theme was the kids' issue. They had, like they're interviewing like kids, and, uh, and they say like, "Would you fuck your mom if you, you know, like uh, if that would make you a, a pro skateboarder?" Yeah. Like I'm just, all this inappropriate shit, and there was a big like a uh, media shitstorm over it, and 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 the, in in all the mainstream coverage of the wow, the skateboarding magazine is doing all this inappropriate stuff. Larry Flint found out about it. You know, the pornographer Larry Flint, yeah. he loved it, so he bought Big Brother magazine from Steve Rocco, and uh, and and he was pu- publishing like twenty some porno magazines and one skateboard magazine for kids, and um, now like uh, the, the way Knoxville came into the picture, he was. Uh, <clears throat> Like, had, uh, his story was like the bad company song shooting star, you know? Like, he graduated from high school, he's 18 years old, he tells his mom, Mom, I'm going to go away, I'm going to be a big star someday. He moves out to L.A. to become an actor, and, you know, from the time he was 18 to where he was pushing 30, he had, like, you know, gotten some uh, television commercials and stuff, but not, like, really the success that he wanted. That's where I met him, we we were shooting... An ESPN commercial. He right. was shooting an ESPN commercial, and I was the number one party animal in the country. Uh-huh. And he came to party with me for a weekend. That's awesome. Him and another guy. I wish I could remember the other guy's name. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and he he was getting by, but he really wanted to. He was sick of waiting to be discovered. So he was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna wait for someone to discover me. I'm gonna force motherfuckers to discover me. So he came up with this plan for. Um, to, and, and he he just canvassed the entire like uh, world of media like like uh, Leno Letterman you know Howard Stern like every every fucking media outlet in the world he said hey I want to do a, a a thing if it's for like um, however whatever media he he would accommodate I'm gonna do a, a product review of self self defense equipment I'm gonna evaluate the effectiveness of self defense equipment yeah. I'm gonna start by spraying myself with red pepper spray. Uh, I'm going to get stunned with a 120,000-volt stun gun. I'm going to uh, get shot with a taser. 
with the barbs and the wires. And then I'm going to put on a bulletproof vest, and I'm going to shoot myself with a, a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson handgun. And uh, he says, all I need is uh, the bulletproof vest, because it costs like 5000 bucks, you know, yeah. but I'll do this for it. And everybody in the world turned him down, except for Big Brother magazine. You know, it was Jeff Tremaine from Big Brother. Jeff Tremaine uh, was editor-in-chief. Uh, of course, he went on to become the creator and director of Jackass. Jeff Tremaine told uh, Knoxville, he said, I've got your... I've got your uh, your bulletproof vest. Big Brother's the only magazine. I think this is the only way that he found out about Big Brother. <laughs> the only media outlet that would accept this fucked up offer because that's what Big Brother's all about. Yeah. And so Jeff Tremaine bought Knoxville the, the bulletproof vest. He said, make sure you go ahead and videotape that. You know, and, um, and, and that was how Knoxville came to be a part of Big Brother. You know, they just hit it off right away. You know, and then Knoxville filmed it. And then next thing you know, he's like, oh, next thing you know, I want to ride a bull. And he gets in the bull ring. And this yeah. is all. That was so great about Big Brother is that they didn't have to have anything to do with skateboarding. The skateboarding was just a thin veil. So they got Knoxville. I saw Knoxville in the first Big Brother that he was in. I was just like, oh, my God, I love this guy. And and I was living in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, and they came, Big Brother came through Albuquerque with a team of the pro skateboarders. And I just tracked him down and, and uh, at the skate How old are you at this time? At that time, I would have been 23, I think. Okay. And, uh... So, what are you, are you 40? I'm 42. Okay. Right, yeah. And, and I just told him, I was like, I, I, said, I, I love Big Brother and, and I'm going to be in your magazine. Whether you like it, whether you like me or not, I don't care, but... And I wound up, like, uh, you know, burning skin off of half my face that night. And, uh, you know, like, yeah, my son went kind of wrong. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was hospitalized. I fucking had like second degree burns over like half my face, and uh, and I got my article in the magazine, and uh, and I became a part of the family at that point too. A big brother. A big. Brother. Now, were you skating this time? I always skated, but I just but my my emphasis was on you know, on uh, the stuff that wasn't skating. Because when you got sober, you started really skating a lot yeah, for I a period skated, of time. Yeah, I started skating more. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've gone through phases of skating a lot and not skating a lot. I haven't gotten on my skateboard since I fell. <laughs> I fell really fucking hard. Right. You know those inflatable. You ever see on Facebook they have those inflatable couches where you open it up and you fill it with air and then close it and then you can lay on it. I don't know what that means. <laughs> There's these fucking wind socks. That you fill with air and then tie, okay, and then it turns into a couch. It's inflated with air, okay. And I couldn't get it, so I got on my skateboard to fill it. So I'd skate down the street ah. and try to fill it, and I was not paying attention, and now, I had my now feet too back. Yeah. Anyway, I, I I digress. So so you became a part of the Big so Brother. I became part of the thing, and then and and they made these videos that uh you know they, they were sort of ancillary, and and they would show. All the stuff you had seen in the magazine and photos, but then when the videos came out, you could see the behind the scenes of it, you know, the actual footage, and it was great. And, and again, there there was so much that wasn't skateboarding, and it was just fucking awesome. So it it it, it all became really popular, and it, and at a certain point, Jeff Tremaine reached out to Spike Jones, who is who by now is a Hollywood uh, or a fucking Oscar nominated Hollywood movie director. Jeff Tremaine reaches out to Spike Jones and he says, dude, hey man, Spike, everybody loves our Big Brother videos so much, but I don't think anybody gives a crap about the skateboarding. And were there Big Brother videos? Johnny and I sat in a, in a trailer eating pills and smoking weed, and... I'm sure Knoxville was just eating pills but not smoking weed. I don't remember. There was another guy with us. I don't remember the other guy's right. fucking name. I wish I did. Mm -hmm. But we were watching a video of guys trying to break a bottle over their head. You ever see that sure, video? Yeah, the old whiskey videos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was, I was howling <laughs> fucking loud. I mean, you got to remember, I am, you're from right. Florida, right? Uh-huh. I am the other side of Florida. So I'm uh, like okay. privileged frat boy Florida. 
Well, death metal Tampa, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and so I'm howling laughing seeing this other fucking world. I remember right. Knoxville had a, had a sock. You know the, the socks that had stripes? He had one of those around his wrist. Right. And it was like just this other world. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm in there and I'm fucking going like, I'm, and I'm about to get into comedy. I'm about to get into entertainment, and this is my one foray, and this is the one guy I meet, and I'm looking at him, and he's howling, laughing. He's like, "They're never gonna, they can't break it. You can't fucking break it." And I, and I, you can't be a nice guy about that. You know, yeah. When it comes to breaking a beer bottle, you cannot be nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's infinitely worse than if it doesn't break. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. If you do like, if you really do overkill and really follow through. That's the best way to I do it. I took that. We did a. We, I got ended up getting hired to host some spring break thing in Cancun. I'd say the year after that, and uh, I was up on a stage and they wanted me to make it interactive. And I said, "Easy, give me a hundred dollar bill." And I put it inside a beer bottle. And I said, "Anyone who can break this bottle over their head gets the hundred dollar bill." Wow. And dudes were. I mean, it is so just, hard to do that it to is yourself. So hard to break a beer bottle over your own head is particularly difficult. And it you was. Delegate, dude. You're talking. <laughs> Groves of people going, watching meatheads just go. <laughs> it was really that's fucking funny. One of my man. first hosting moments ever in life, and so so uh, I keep fucking. I'm a horrible interviewer because I don't worry I, about it, man. It's great. Like uh, it's simple, man. Jeff Tremaine reached out to Spike. He said everybody loves Big Brother videos, but nobody gives a fuck about the skateboarding. Let's take. Uh, I think if we subtract the skateboarding, what's left over would be a great TV show. And it was that simple, man. They just edited together of uh, all the Big Brother footage with no skateboarding and what it had. But it was me in Knoxville and. So you were in the pilot. Yeah, I was in the pilot. I was in everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. What, no, what was the pilot? All I remember is someone sitting in a car and the car driving into a jump and the person hitting the fucking mound of dirt. Right, That's all right. I remember from the pilot. I mean, it, it, it was before the pilot, they made like a 10-minute long reel. They had kind of like a South Park sort of started. You know, they made a t- like a 10-minute VHS tape yeah. and passed it around. And that was enough to get MTV, uh, you know. It was initially b- between Comedy Central and MTV, and MTV got it. And um, the pilot, uh, I was wor- I'd say I had gone off to clown college and on another thing. And I was working on uh, on cruise ships as a clown. Um, By the way, clown college is esteemed. Like yeah, for people not, not, who don't yeah, know, it's right. really hard to get in because I grew up in right. Florida. It's Ringling Brothers uh-huh. in Orlando. It, it was in Sarasota. Sarasota. Right. It's really hard to get into. Yeah, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And and I was working as a, a clown on cruise ships. Of course, I, I lost that job. But uh, <laughs> I could imagine <laughs> that job was a fickle position. <laughs> you did not. <laughs> right. and, and and after uh, and and, I, and 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 this was after I had uh, you know it was before I even went to Clown College that I hooked up with Big Brother, and um and and, I, and uh, you know I was I was really part of the family and I, and and when I lost the job on cruise ships I called up Jeff Tremaine and I was like Jeff I've been walking around I've been I've been walking on stilts on cruise ships for ages and, and frankly I'm fucking terrified every time I'm doing it like if I fall over so I had to fall over I've decided I'm gonna fall over I'm gonna uh, and so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have my stilt costume and this is my plan. For, for when it became year 2000, on December 31st, 1999, this was my plan. So I'm coming out to California. I'm going to get on my stilts. I'm going to have my stilt costume. I'm going to light it on fire. I'm going to, uh, <clears throat> so my stilt costume will be in flames. I'm going to have a unicyclist ride a unicycle through my stilts, uh, through all the fire. I'm going to have a skateboarder jump off the roof of a house over my head. 
And while he passes over my head, I'm going to be blowing a fireball out of my mouth. So the skateboard will be going through the fireball over my head. And then the skateboard is going to land on a ramp and ride away. The unicyclist will ride through the stilts. And then once those guys ride away, then I'm going to crack open a beer. I'm going to uh, pound it while I tip myself over. And, of course, I'll be all kinds of on fire the whole time. And then once I slam on the ground, you know, once my body hits the, the concrete on the yeah. ground, then uh, I'll ask you to kindly, you know, put me out <laughs> with a fire Holy extinguisher. fuck. And, um... And 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 Jeff Tremaine waited until I uh, until I flew myself out there. I had co- I still costumes made special. I got, got all the fucking gear. I flew my. I found a fucking unicyclist who could work on uh, on the ho- during the holiday. We didn't do it. The, we did it December thirtieth of nineteen ninety nine. Uh, you know Knoxville and Tremaine. They, they all came down. And and Tremaine waited until I got out there to tell me that it wasn't just for fucking Big Brother for a skate video. He waited until I got out there. He said, uh, "Hey man, um, we're we're doing this for a pilot for MTV." And uh, and he's and I guess like the the initiative I took. I mean, I was already kind of part of the family. But. Yeah, but your initiative is is like <laughs> like you've got something that you know. Sometimes I think it gets overlooked, but like uh, there's a humility to you, and there's also like a like a. Hey, I'm not embarrassed to say I want something. Well, I appreciate that a lot, man. You know, uh, and and uh, and and it worked. It worked well because uh, I think that, that if, if there were any doubts that I would have been part of the cast of Jackass, the, you know, there were no doubts after that. Once I yeah. uh, once I went to those lengths to get out there. And um, it was just, we didn't know what was going on, man. We didn't really 